shotglassdigital.com. Well, back on January 24th, we did a marathon for Cure Childhood Cancer. This is the Geek Out Loud from that. It's pieced together from our conversation with Eris Shonavai, Scott Reif, and Teresa Delgado, Jimmy Mack, and Dave Jones got cut, but we'll get him back on later. It's your safe place to geek out in the marathon time. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Gloss, and glad to be along with you. Quick disclaimer before we get into things. this The audio you're about to hear is from January 24th of 2015, when we did our special charity marathon for Cure Childhood Cancer, curechildhoodcancer.org. Uh, successful, successful day. Our goal was $1,500. We raised, by the end of the week uh, that the page was up, we raised $1,635. The plan was to get all this out the following week, but however, but however, that's not good grammar. However, there was a death in the family and we had some other things happen that week that just prevented me from being able to get all of this audio out. All told, and you can see if you've downloaded this episode, which you have if you're listening to me, you can see that it's a long one. There's a lot going on here. We'll start off with our conversation with Erich Schoenweis. Erich was kind enough to come on the show uh, to come on the marathon earlier in the day, and we talked some Indiana Jones, as you're about to hear. Had a great time. Erich is always great on the show, and he's always welcome. We love having him on. Um, from there, our conversation goes on for a while, and from there, we go into the Geek Out Loud proper from later on that evening, wherein Scott Rifen called in. Teresa Delgado from Disney Vault Talk and Rebel Yell joined us, and uh, then I kicked them both off the line for Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. And it wasn't just Jimmy Mack. The whole Snyder Mack clan joined us. We'll hear from Michael Mack and Dylan Mack and Wendy Snyder, his lovely wife. And um, it was just a good time. Michael Mack does a performance. Get Strap in for this. You're about to hear a talented kid uh, shred the guitar and sing a little bit. It's a good time. Uh, and we, of course, cover all the geek stuff, man. There's, we're all over the place in this. We did, I did have to cut out Dave Jones. There was an extra 45 minutes with me and Dave talking some Star Trek and some other stuff. But, um, but just for, look, I know it's blowing your mind that for time's sake, when you see the length of this thing, uh, but for time's sake, we've cut that out. There'll be, we'll have that part of the conversation included at a later date. We actually didn't talk that much wrestling. We talked some geeky stuff because Dave's a geek like the rest of us. So, and Dave's always good to have on Geek Out Loud and we appreciate him. So my apologies to Dave Jones, but that will be on a later episode of Geek Out Loud. 
Uh, we tried to get to emails, but there was, it was so packed with guests. We couldn't get to the emails that I wanted to, all of our first-time emailers. So make sure you're sending us emails at geekoutonline at gmail.com. So without further ado, let's jump into this thing. Here is my conversation with Eric Schoenweiss. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Dude, you just like rambled for like 45 minutes about Star Wars alone. That was amazing. Uh, did I just ramble? I was trying to be coherent. Oh, well, I mean, you were coherent, too, but I'm talking <laughs> rambling as in you just kept talking and talking oh, like, well, all by yourself. Well, that's Steve's Star Wars corner. That's what happens with that. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. it was impressive. Well, thank you. Most impressive. Most impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was... Some people have been saying, you need to do another Steve Star Wars corner. You need to... And, and I've done several, and usually I like have an outline and make notes and everything. And last night I was like, I don't know what I want to talk about. So I said... Who are some of my favorite characters that I never really hear anyone really? Though people love Yoda and everything, and they like Chewie, no one ever really gets into them. And so I thought oh, I'll get into them a little bit, you know, and Qui Gon as well because I dig I dig the Qui Gon Jin. So, uh, Erish, let's tell them what we're going to be doing here. Um, are we? Can they all hear us now? Yeah, man, everyone okay. can hear us. Yeah, yeah, we're live. Cool, yeah, cool. We stay live the whole time. Um, I don't have the technology to 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 bring you in and like do it on the you know, I don't have call screeners is basically what I'm right. saying. <laughs> I'm not. Now, my friend Scott Rifen, who's in the chat right now, he's actually a broadcaster from uh, over on the coast here in Georgia. And he's professional. I always get embarrassed when he listens because I'm like, I feel like the uh, the old, am- I feel like it's amateur hour around here. Way to put the pressure on me. That's right. Well, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So, um, so thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I think. Dude, what you are doing today, you and your co-hosts and everybody else who's been listening, is just amazing. So, uh, to to come on and chat with you on such a great day is uh, is a true honor. So I'm happy to be a part of this. I, uh, I it's a good time for a great cause, man. That's what it that's what it's all about. And, and how's it doing? Can we get a can we get yeah, a timpani? Here, yeah, here's... I want to be like uh, Epic Man to your uh, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> get a timpani? Yeah. Uh, right now we're at twelve seventy five. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we want to get to fifteen hundred, and so we got about two hundred twenty five to go. I think we'll make it before we're all said and do done it. today. And then anything that comes in this coming week will just be gravy. So. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think I think it's great. I think it's cool for a first time out. You know, we're a little outfit. We're just a, you know, we're kind of like a Tatooine moisture farmer over here, and just kind of making our way in the universe. And um, so, well, that Tatooine moisture farmer wound up becoming the hero of the rebellion. So, <laughs> well, I'm thinking more like Oklahoma and Tatooine moisture farmer. <laughs> I'm more the gruff, jerkish, you know, stay away from that old wizard kind of guy. <laughs> I just got a text from Trisha Barr that wants to know if we're behaving. Of course we are. <laughs> of course we are. Now, uh, um, uh, Teresa threatened to call back in while you were on. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I should mention my mama's listening in the chat. So Hi, you got to be careful with that now that mama's in the chat. So. Um, we, you know, uh, several people, the times you've been on Geek Out Loud have just been a blast, sir. More fun for me, I think. Well, I don't know about all that. Um, but, uh, so, and several people have said, you gotta have Arish on just to talk movies anytime you can. 
I love that. And I, I said, that's a great idea. And we've been talking about it for months and months. And just mm-hmm. I have it. It's on me. I haven't made it happen to have you come on and, you know, every now and again and just, you know, let's just vamp about about some movies we love. And, and the other night we were talking and, and on the last one of the more recent episodes of Geek Out Loud, I mentioned that I missed some great 30th anniversaries and night, you know, that would have been 1984 releases. Uh, right. Everyone knows I love the 80s. And and I missed them uh, this past year in 2014 to talk about them on the show. And I said, well, never again. You know, as God is my witness, I'll never miss something from the 80s again. And, uh, and and so I said, this year, let's see what's happening and see what's coming out. So I ran that by you. And uh, and, and we we kind of both hit the same highlights on the list that you sent me, by the way. And, um, and, and so I was like, well, any of these. We could talk about any of these. But then you threw this little ditty out at me. You said to me, you're like, you've been watching indie lately. Wait, if I play music on my thing, will it will it come up? I don't know. I was getting ready to play some music on my thing though here. So. All right. <laughs> so, but you, yeah, you said to me, you said, um, you 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 said I've I've been kind of in an indie mood lately, and so I thought, well, by George, um, we need to uh, we need to talk some Indiana Jones a little bit then, because especially. Especially after the the next email, but hold on a second, let's get here. That was exactly what I was going to play. (laughs) (laughs) If adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. That's right. (laughs) That is that is my favorite movie poster of all time. With him standing up on top of the staircase, looking down, yes, and, you know, yes, with that yeah. tagline on it, just yes. absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's, I just, I, they say it in the trailer too. Yeah, if, if adventure has a name, it's Indiana Jones. Well, and then for the third one, it's the man in the hat is back and he's bringing his dad. Yeah, I mean, they just get better and better. <laughs> And that what's funny is you asked me, you're like, do you have a favorite indie movie? And and what I wrote you back is, I think Exactly Last that, Crusade is my thing. favorite. I can't I mean th- this whole kind of indie vibe for me started up a couple weeks ago. Uh back before Last Crusade came out, I had the honor of working with Jonathan Rinsler on a fantastic making of Indiana Jones book. It covered all four movies. Wow. And for whatever reason, I, this book just hit my desk again the other day and a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I was flipping through it and just, I'm like, I got to watch these movies again. Yeah. Like, I love these movies so much. I got to watch them again. And sci fi has been playing them like all week. And so I keep flipping through the channels and one of them will be on. And even Last Crusade, I've, I've watched parts of that too. Um, but right. now, do you mean when you say Last Crusade? Do you mean Crystal Skull? Oh, no, I meant Crystal Skull. Okay. Yeah, yes, yeah, sorry. yeah. Thank you for catching that. No problem. Um, so I'm watching Raiders the other night, and then I was watching Last Crusade a couple nights later, and I'm like, you know, I don't know which one of these I like more. Yeah, it's like, hard. I, I can't, look, I can't break that tie between the two of them. No, it, it's just any any given day, either one of them could be my number one indie film. And uh, and so when we started talking about doing this, I'm like, 
I got to talk to Steve about you know which one of these movies is the better one. Well, let's let's do that. Let's break yeah. let's break that down because what I find happening is a lot of times I will say just knee jerk reaction. Last Crusade is my favorite indie film, and then I'll watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it'll be like, but this is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm the opposite. My knee-jerk reaction is Raiders. Yeah. It's the first one. It's the classic one. Right, right. You know, it's got to be number one. But then I watch Last Crusade, and I'm like, yeah, you know, there's so much in this movie. I quote lines from that movie all the time. We named the dog Indiana. Yeah, and I thought I lost you, Sean. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's Sean Connery at his... S's are pronounced as S-H's right. at his best. Yes. <laughs> yes. Goose-stepping yes. morons like yourself should try reading books instead of burning them. Burning them. I love the Yeah, burning them. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Well, and, and the whole opening sequence of Last Crusade yep. is so cool because it was the first real taste of young Indiana Jones you yeah. know, we got. And, and, of course, River Phoenix, you know, just did a great job of just capturing all of Harrison Ford's little mannerisms mm-hmm. and, and putting them into his younger self and just, ah, oh, and so cool. And, it, and it's always neat to see those little things. Granted, you know, it stretches the imagination that all in one adventure are these things going to come true about Indy that we know the using the whip, the scar and the but snake. It's a serial. Exactly. It's an homage to the old serial movies. So it makes sense that that would all happen in one. Yes. Adventure. Yes. And so, and that informs him for the rest of his days. Yep. And it has that great transition from oh. young Indy to, to old Indy with that ship. awesome fight sequence yes. on the boat in the storm. Yes. I love that moment. I was about to say the exact same thing that, that that is one of the best introductions for Indy in any of the movies. You know, it it's pretty it's pretty awesome in Raiders where the guy's going to pull the gun out and shoot him, and then he he cracks the whip on him and knocks it out of his hand, and then just yeah. steps into the light. But that whole scene, and I guess it has to do with having spent time with the character for two movies, and and then he just kind of you know tilts his head up from underneath that hat, and you're like, oh, it's awesome. So good. So good. But that said, the opening sequence in Raiders of the Lost Ark I, is maybe one of the greatest opening sequences in a movie ever. Mo- one of the most iconic of all time. Yeah. I mean, just from right, just from the moment, really the big iconic part starts from the moment he grabs that eye. No, for me, it starts from the transition of the Paramount logo yes, the mount- to the mountain. To the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, and then everything's kind of in shadow and stuff, and you don't you don't see Indiana's face until after he's, uh, you know, cracked a whip that, and turned around. That's right. That's right. Um, it, and it even shows him looking at that map at one point. And it is. It's yeah. a very. And let me tell you something. That those few moments feel very classic. You want to talk about an homage to those old serials? You know that really feels like something they would have done back in the 30s, 40s, you know, where you're just kind of getting a shot of the map, a yep. shot of these people, some of the scenery, and then pow, and, and then step finally steps in the light. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. But then when you do get into that temple, he and Alfred Molina, you know, are in that mm-hmm. temple, and you got the spiders and the and all the different booby traps and everything, and uh, Oswald Cobblepot. Wait, no, that's not his name. What's yeah. the guy? <laughs> and, 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 and you're just like, 
who builds this stuff? Yeah, but when he gets that idol, you know, and he thinks everything's cool, and here comes the boulder. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, throw me the whip. I throw you the idol. Yes, yes. Uh, adios, senor. Man, you could warn them if only you spoke Hovitos. Ugh, Bella. I love the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then oh, and this everything you get in that opening scene from the bad guy to to just who Indy is to the to the right when he gets in the plane. There's a snake in here. I hate snakes. I well, it's just like that hit of the the John Williams Raiders march as he swings like on the the tree vine out into the water yes. and the planes taking off yep. and stuff. Uh, yep. just so much coolness in that. Oh, and. uh and so, so yeah, it's it's this iconic opening sequence that you know, and, and really, it's mirrored in in a way in Last Crusade because they both kind of hit big, and then immediately you slow down into the classroom situation, mm-hmm. and you know, which is something Temple of Doom didn't have. Of course, Temple of Doom takes place before Raiders. Is Temple of Doom the first prequel? <sighs> Is it? I don't know. Did we? Ever, I haven't thought about that before. Did we ever have a prequel before Temple of Doom? I, my memory of not to go off on too much of a tangent, but that's what we do. You know that. Yeah. Uh, my my memory of uh, Temple of Doom really has to do with my mom. We used to, when I was a kid, you know, we didn't get out to the movie theater a whole lot. You got a bunch of kids in the house; it gets expensive to take them. But we would rent movies. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we had to wait till things were on video to rent. So when Temple of Doom came out to rent, man, we were all about it. And 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 so the whole family sitting there watching, and my mom was just like literally on the edge of her seat, and my dad just started to laugh at her. <laughs> He's like, look at you. You're really into this, aren't you? She's like, I just don't like this. This is just the... And, uh, but, uh, but Temple of Doom was a different animal, of course. And I mean, that's that's been talked to death about how it was, but... But Last Crusade, I guess, just really felt like kind of a return to what Raiders was. Yeah. And and the way they ramped it up a notch was by putting Sir Sean... Well, Temple of Doom was dark and scary and stuff, and Last Crusade went back to being fun. Yeah. Yeah. And in a big way, fun. You know, right down to that... Uh, Listen, the, the, the looking for X marks the spot in Venice when they get to Venice. Yep. And, you know, and, and instead of snakes, it's rats. And my dad would have never made it past the rats. He hates them, scared to death of them. Into that boat chase. <clears throat> I, that's the thing. I think that... Well, and I love the scene, too, where father and son are tied up back to back. Oh, and, yes. And, in the fight. You know, Ilsa leans in and she's like, uh, you were wonderful. And he's like... You know, thank you. And Indy just turns and gives him that look like, what? You were with her, too? <laughs> I was the next guy, Dad. <laughs> Last and then the, the door swings. is just like, alarm! <laughs> yeah, I, just, I like the, it's a fun gag where they just keep going around kind of yep. in that thing. Um, it does Indy, does Last Crusade move a little bit faster than Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, I think Raiders uh, moves pretty fast. Yeah. I, I think in terms of speed, I think they're pretty equal. Yeah. See, you know, I, I don't I, feel like Raiders really has... Uh, it never really gets bogged down. No, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying it gets bogged down, but I always feel like that 
Last Crusade is just a little bit snappier than than Raiders. And again, until I watch Raiders, and then I'm like, this movie doesn't slow down at all. <laughs> no, because you go from the big opening sequence, <coughs> then you you have the the school sequence, but then you're right into Tibet and the whole barroom brawl, which is amazing. Ugh. Um. And then uh, from there, then you're into the whole chase sequence and the market and stuff. I mean, it just keeps moving and moving and moving. Has there ever been a henchman or a villain more creepy than Tote? No. Well, uh, creepy? Yeah. Not not like not like scary. Not like you know intentionally like evil looking or anything like. But just like gives off this creepy like just a. Just a creepy vibe. Well, he's not a very attractive man. To no, begin with. no, he's got he's... that creepy, pale, pasty look to him. Right, right. Um, and no, then... I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I can't either. Like, because usually, you know, when you have someone that's supposed to be creepy, they come off as just blatantly, just almost scary. You know, when he comes walking up with the his little hell Hitler yeah. and he puts his hand up and you see the, the scar yes. of the talisman in his yep. hand. It's just so that's creepy. Well when he's talking to her and he's like, Here your fire is dying from yeah. you know, um, oh yeah, with the hot God. poker. Yeah. It's like, oh he's gonna he, but it's such a great gag too when he walks into the tent and he pulls out the chain and everything, and he just whips it around. It's a coat hanger, and they both just breathe yeah, easier. Yeah, yeah. You totally think it's like some sort of crazy Nazi torture device right, or something right. like that. It's a, it's such a cool moment. Um, Sala is in both of these movies. Oh, I love Sala. John Reese davies Sala has my favorite line in all the movies. What's that? Uh, come on. Sala's best line. You are named after the dog? <laughs> I just I I like it when they're sitting there and he's he's really super serious and the digging scene in Raiders I I know we're bouncing back and forth between the movies but that's fine uh, the the digging when they're actually digging into the well of souls and they mm-hmm. and they hit it and they start to to open it up I really dig how much like. It, I don't know if it was in the script or if Harrison Ford just got into it. And he's like, all right, easy, easy, watch your toes. Just the line, watch your toes. But then when they're actually looking down in there, the seriousness with which Sala looks down there and says, Asps, very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> See, as much as Sala's, Sala's line in Last Crusade is my favorite in all the movies, my favorite scene in all the movies, and maybe in just movies, period, mm-hmm. is when they start digging the Well of Souls at sunset, and it's oh, all just in silhouette. Yes, and and he changes, and he puts that hat yeah, on. Yeah, and he puts the hat back on, and the yes. wind's whipping around. And, yes. Uh, just amazing. It, wonderful cinematography in that moment. Incredible yeah. well, cinematography. Throughout the whole movie, I think. I mean, they do so much. I, I think the cool thing in watching it this week was you know, because I saw all these when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and when you see a movie that you love as a kid, you kind of continue to watch it with as a kid. Yes. And in watching Raiders the other night, like I was noticing a lot of little tiny things that I hadn't noticed before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the scene a- after Indy thinks that Marion has died, and he's in the bar drinking alone, 
and Belloc is in there and he starts having a conversation with Belloc. The camera kind of moves, shifts a little bit to the right and you, you, all of a sudden you just see the back of a guy's head and then like a pistol hiding behind it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's foreshadowing to all the guys all having guns in there. Yep. Yep. And it's little things like that that I started to notice throughout the movie. And I'm like, you know, this, this is Spielberg at the top of his game. Just so many cool, fantastic little things that he was sneaking in there that, you know, didn't need to be there. But because they're there, it's that little bit of foreshadowing and that little extra flavor that just made the movie amazing. Yes. Yeah. Well, and uh, it's everything about it was so... It, it, it's one of those things where it's like we've been here, but we've never been here. Right. You know, it had that feeling to it. And part of that was some of that cinematography and stuff, because if you watch some of those old black and white movies and some of those serials, they're, they're pretty obvious about things. But then at the same time, it's like, now, wait a minute, who had that gun? What was going on there? You know? And so those little things like that get thrown in and it just makes it, it gives it that feeling of, familiarity yet newness at the same time and i'm telling you every time i'm the same way as i've grown up how long have i lived with these movies you know and as i've grown up and just when you when you watch them you see little subtleties here and there you laugh i laugh at jokes i've never really laughed at before or i recognize things i've never recognized before and uh, like you mentioned with the gun thing i'll be honest with you i was it, it I would I, let's see. It was before the DVD. Well, maybe it was. Maybe it was when the first time the DVDs were released. You know, mm-hmm. um, I picked them up and and you know made sure I had them and 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 I was watching Raiders, and I guess it'd just been a while since I'd seen Raiders, and and they get to the point where you know they've they've escaped. They've got the you know from the Well of Souls the. The Ark is loaded up on a truck, and then he says, I'm going after that truck. And he's like, well, how are you going to do that? And he says, I don't know. I'm making it up. Yeah. I'm making it up as I go along. I was just like, I don't remember that line at all. And I just hit the floor laughing because I'm like, it's true. He finally admitted it. We're making, you know, no one else ever admits they're just making this stuff up as they go. But Indy did. I don't know. I'm making it up as I go along. And the way he says it is just like, I don't know. What do you, you think I've planned all this out? Yeah, Star Lord made it up as he went along, and, got, and Guardians. Yes, yes. Twelve um, percent yeah, of a plan. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing with the. Uh, it, it, even when they uh, when they come out of the temple, you know, he pushes the thing out, and they come out, and the plane's sitting there. And he's like, "All right, they're gonna fly it out," you know, and it just he's got like thirty seconds to be like, "We're gonna go down there and steal that plane." <laughs> we're going yeah steal steal this plane steal this german plane <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of an experimental german plane probably but you know it's uh there's just like no real thought process to it it's just like we're gonna do what we gotta do yes yeah and and every time and then he ends up in the fight with a big guy and mm-hmm. and uh which is just another amazing scene. Well, it's one of the, again, one of the things about all of these movies is they just kind of keep you on the edge of your seat because yep. that, that, the, the way the plane's moving around and you know someone is about, that's going to happen. You know that's about to happen to somebody. And, um, and, and sure enough, man, just at the last moment that, uh, just the, mm, right into the prop, right into the prop. And, but you've been waiting for it the whole time. 
Yeah. But then you go from there to, I mean, in the midst of that fight, gas gets tumped over, and there's then explosions. Varian's locked in the canopy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, just... He keeps chasing after the pistol. Yeah, yeah it just... Truck pulls up with, like, 20 Nazis in it, all with guns. <laughs> it's one thing into another. Yeah. One yeah, thing into another. Yeah, it just keeps another. escalating and escalating and escalating. And, and honestly, you know, not... Uh, yeah, Temple of Doom was darker. That's the one thing we know. But it doesn't do that. That no. Temple of Doom didn't do that at all. Temple of Doom was very much you kind of had your opening set piece, then you set the stage for where they were headed, and there's some traveling and some little bits here and there. But it never really gets until they start until Indy comes back around, mm-hmm. you know, from drinking the stuff, and and then from there until they get away from everybody, it kind of ramps up. Like, but Raiders just kind of it keeps doing this stuff. It's just set piece. And I feel like Crusade's the same way. That once you leave that school, it's just on. You yeah. know? It is just... Once he once he leaves... I guess I should say once he leaves Donovan and gets to Venice, it's just on. You know? Yeah, because you got the cool boat chase in Venice. You got the, you got the cool motorcycle chase, which was very uh, Return of the Jedi. Yes. Kind of inspired yeah. speeder bikes. You got the, I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the plane yes, and, the, and the, yes. the geese and stuff. I, I and love the moment. Sequence. I love the moment when they're in the plane and, uh, and, 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 uh, and his dad is shooting the machine gun and he comes and just takes out the rudder. Yeah. And then he turns around, I'm sorry, son. They got us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love the moment when they're on the when they're on the blimp and Indy throws the the guy off and he's like no tickets no ticket everyone just starts handing them out yeah oh uh, but yeah it's it's that same thing as Raiders like each event led almost directly into the next one and the next one and it's just this roller coaster that they're on and then that amazing tank sequence with again Indy on a horse and then hanging from the side of the tank and. His dad fighting up top and, you know, getting pulled down the, the track of the tank and Indy using the whip to pull him back and stuff. And the whole time Marcus Brody just trying to be silly. Yeah, just bumbling his way through Yes, it yes. And, uh, but Got then... Got in his own museum once. That's, <laughs> I, but I love the bluff, man. I, he knows that... 50 different languages can blend in. He'll be a ghost. You'll never see him coming. Yeah. And then it cuts to him, and he's like, I'm sorry, I don't want to buy a chicken. <laughs> but the the ending of both of these movies, it's really interesting because, in, in a way, that's when when you hit the climax is when things slow down. Uh, you know, they're tied to the stake, and, and, and we're going to go through this ceremony to open the ark in Raiders. And you think, well, this is kind of weird. But the difference there is that in Raiders, Indy has nothing to do with the bad guys losing. Right. You know, it's their own arrogance and stupidity that is their downfall. Whereas in Last Crusade, it's Indy who has to solve all the clues. It's Indy who's got to pick out the right right cup. Right. Um, You know, that's the cup of a carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's him directly involved with everything that's happening instead of just being tied to a stake and don't open your eyes, Marion. And uh, Scott, by the way, in the chat, Scott Rifen quoting uh, quoting Marcus Brody. Does anybody here speak English? And some people said yes, as though they were answering. They didn't realize he was doing the quote from the movie. 
Yeah, it's it's. But, but what I'm saying is, it's like even with the the intensity of what's happening there in Last Crusade, everything kind of slows down, especially when it gets to that night, you know. And and though yeah. it's the climax of the movie, um, it, it's just it. You know, you've kind of come to a more quiet moment, and that leads into this big thing, you know, to survive and all. I as a as a as a as a kid who grew up in church, who's a Christian and everything, I really dug the last crusade. I, I really dug that moment where that's the cup of a carpenter. Yeah. That was just like really super cool to me. And, um, and, and stuck with me for a while, you know, with, with different things. Like it just, it hit me on a different level than, than normal. And, um, but the idea that, you know, that his dad who had been searching for this all his life had to let it go. And, you know, like he was willing to save Indy, you know, he's like, I'm willing to let this go to save you, mm-hmm. you know, even though that he'd been looking for it all his life. And, and, but Indy who had kind of just didn't care, you know, was like, I've got it right here. I can get it, dad. That's and, also the only time in the movie that he calls him Indiana. Yep. Yep. Let, let it go, Indiana. 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 Yeah. Um, now, if I had been, if I had been that Nazi guy, I would have paraded all those soldiers back into that cup room with me, and one by one, I would have had them take a cup and drink from sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. I don't understand why he did it himself. Fortune and glory. <laughs> yeah, but your glory can wait a couple seconds well, so that right. you don't turn to dust. Well, but what if someone hits the right one? Well, he trusted her. He trusted Alice. Well, but if someone hits the right one, then nothing happens, and you just take the cup from him and drink from it yourself. Yeah, but well, he trusted Alice and Duty. He's like, yeah, this is definitely yeah. it. So, you know, which was was she? Did she intentionally pick the wrong cup? You think? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so because. When Indy picks the right cup, she looks a little surprised mm. by it. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. That's, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Now, Scott Riven in the chat says she definitely picked the wrong cup on purpose. Well, uh, I think it's, it's, I mean, that part of the fun of it is that each viewer can take away from it what they want. Well, and and it's never been lost on me that when Donovan drinks the wrong cup, ages super quickly, and for some somewhere a wind comes up from nowhere and blows his bones into the wall and he just disintegrates into dust, that the reaction from the night is, he chose Man. poorly. Oh, great line. He chose poorly. He chose poorly. Oh, well, but in fairness, that knight's probably been sitting in there like 500 years waiting to see what would happen if somebody picks the wrong cup. Or who knows who might have found him and, he, and he'd seen it before. Yeah. It wasn't that big of a shock to him. Yeah. You know, I feel like if he's been sitting there for a while, Carissa in the chat says the wind was the wrath of God. Hmm. Maybe so. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but dude, yeah, I, I just as I think about these movies, I feel like there are more laughs in Last Crusade than in Raiders. 
Well, you, I mean, we have Marcus along for a lot more That's of the true. adventure, and he provided a lot of comic relief. And you also have... The relationship between... You um, have the comedy that comes off of the father and son yeah, dynamic. Yeah, the relationship between them is pretty funny. And even Harrison Ford gets in on it when he's the tapestries, when yeah. he gets into that, you know. Whereas Raiders seems, to, though it has the comic relief, which I think Sala really plays a lot of times for comedy, even though he's not just comic relief. Um, that there's a there's a that it's more straightforward, just straight up here's adventure and suspense, right? And um, not that that's not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know it's just it is what it is. Um, do you have my favorite? I think my favorite set piece. I know everyone talks about the Well of Souls and Raiders because of the snakes, and of course you've got the cool stuff that that Indy goes through in um. Last Crusade, you know that you just talked about, you know where he takes he runs that gauntlet pretty much, I, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think my favorite set piece of those movies is the map room in Raiders. When when he goes down and and puts the staff of Ra and the headpiece right. of the staff of Ra and everything, I I I dig that whole thing there that the concept of this room where you can just put this thing and the sun will shine through and it'll point to the right location. And, and what are all those other holes for? What else is buried around there? You know, see, I was getting the trading cards for Raiders before I actually saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing the trading card for the map room, which was, you know, the picture of Indy standing there next to the staff with the beam of light coming down. Right. And I was just like, what is happening? What is going scene? on? <laughs> so you were disappointed when there wasn't much happening in that scene. I think the my favorite set piece. Uh, you know, I'm having I'm having a tough time with it because there's a lot of good ones. Oh sure, I, sure. Well, I mean, you. It, I think I got to go to the original temple, the op- the temple the at the opening, opening of Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. Yeah, because you got you got darts coming out the walls. You got uh, a floor that falls away. You got the, you know, just the idol sitting on that pedestal on itself is so iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and him kind of, you know, scratching his, his chin and looking at it and trying to judge it and everything. And then, of course, the boulder and the spiders and the tarantulas. There's just so much packed into that. <clears throat> and it all looks I mean, not being an archaeologist or somebody who's traipsed around to ancient temples and stuff, but it looked real. It looked authentic. It looked like a place that would be, you know, you'd have to be careful to go into. Now, let me ask you this. Um, two things, and I don't mean to be one of those debunker guys. The the light situation where he puts his hand in the light and then something pops out at him. Mm-hmm. How does that work from an ancient society? <laughs> you know, I, I, that's that's the one thing that always confused me. I'm like, if it were modern day and you were cutting off something, you know, some little mini solar battery, like a like a calculator battery, I'd get that. But <clears throat> stay out of the light. We're, we're talking about movies that have, uh, you know, an arc that opens up and it's, unleashes the wrath of God and a cup that gives you eternal life. So <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah. Done. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and, he, and had a giant boulder that uh, that's released on a, a certain timer too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that I could buy because it's kind of like the mousetrap thing. The head falls off the big statue, yeah. and that sets in a chain of events. Yeah. <laughs> 
fence so that now this boulder is coming. And the boulder really wasn't to smash the person. It was to seal the door. Because, well, I think it was a combination of both. Yeah. I always, I, you know, that's something I just thought of. I'm like, when you really think about it, they probably didn't think the person that was running away with that idol would get that far. Well, and I think that they probably thought that it would kill them and then seal them and seal, seal the door and save the idol. Yeah. So, man, and and can I just say that just the random pit that's there that they have to swing across, you know, the throw me the idol, throw me the whip thing, mm-hmm. is just like, to me, it's like everything you think about when you think of adventures. It's just, here's a pit. You know, no telling what's at the bottom yeah. of it. Here's a pit. <laughs> now, the giant pit in Last Crusade, the, you know, the, the Jehovah pit. Yes, did they dig that, or did they just get lucky and there was like this bottomless pit? There? Well, when you when you continue on, you get to that bridge. This is true. I forgot about the cavern. So you have to imagine that maybe it's part of that in a way. What's really interesting is you know that place where the the exterior of the place they go in is a real place. Yeah, with the it's Petra over there with the with the buildings carved on the wall and. And um and and my dad would always make sure to tell us that you know that's a real place I've been there and I always thought it looked really cool and I'm like well does it go that far back no oh okay well so no telling yeah very well could be just a cavernous mall underneath right. those mountains and uh, but my question is <laughs> how you know what's holding up the ones that don't fall. Yeah, on the Jehovah thing. That was, you know, are they are, are you just big spires of rock that happen to be there? It's it's a, that's the thing though. Well, just, yeah, maybe they just use the router and you know cut like a groove in it to right. make it look like it would fall. There you, yeah, yeah, exactly. It took a little grinder. And how did? That's the only one. Like I totally get getting past because he he stopped the blades from spinning. You know, when he kneeled. Yeah, he the put the rope around it I get and that. turned off the mechanism. I don't understand how Donovan and Allison Duty knew to step on Jehovah. Um, well, I mean, look, they're both pretty smart. Yeah. So they probably figured out. Plus, his dad's his dad was like, but in Latin, Jehovah starts with, with an, an eye. Yeah. <laughs> so he told them. <clears throat> yeah. If they heard him, I didn't know. Henry Jones was laying there, like, you know, revealing the answers to all the clues. The penitent man will pass. The penitent man will pass. pass. And I mean, and then, of course, Indy threw the sand over the the, the bridge, the forced perspective bridge there, so that he could see it on the way back. But it was just a cool, cool movie to me. Yep. Um, Is is Last Crusade. So is Raiders, of course. Now. I think for me. The thing that throws Last Crusade over the edge and makes it the best of the four is is Henry Jones. Yeah. And because he 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 brings a new element to the movie without keeping the movie from being Indiana's movie. You know, he doesn't overshadow Indiana Jones. Right, and that's why right. we're going to these movies. Yep. Is to cheer on Indy. So Henry added a new level to it, a new layer to it that that enhanced Indiana Jones instead of taking away from him. And I think for me, that's why that's why the movie is might just slightly 
slight, but see, I'm still like kind of back and forth on it. Like it's like a 51 to 49%. Exactly. Exactly. I think honestly, dude, it depends on what I'm watching, which one I'm watching. Cause when yeah. I'm, I'm like, this is my favorite when I'm watching it and then I'll go watch other. I'm like, Nope, this is my favorite. Yep. So let me ask you this just in, in sheer for sheer curiosity on my part because I don't think we've ever talked about it. <clears throat> what? How do you feel about Crystal Skull? Um, I have mixed feelings. Right. On right. Um, there's parts of it that I think. I think the biggest flaw in Crystal Skull was that Mac turns before we know who his character is. Like he, he turns immediately in the first scene, but then he's still around the rest of the movie when he really has no business being around. If, if he had, if they had saved that turn until the last act, it would have meant so much more to us mm-hmm. because it's like, Oh, he just betrayed Indy. Like we didn't see that coming, right? Right. You know, and and he fits in the movie the rest of the way. So I think just right off the bat, they made a strategic flaw in the plot by having him, you know, turn on Indy too soon. Did you mind the the aliens and everything? I didn't mind the aliens because I thought for <clears throat> for what they were trying to do in the first three movies, they were paying homage to. You know the serial movies of the time, the Buck Rogers and the and the uh, and the Lone Rangers and those kind of things. What they were trying to do in last in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was pay attention to those like fifties era paranoia of the atomic bomb, the aliens are coming movies. You know, movies like Them and stuff like that that were the big sensationalistic movies that had the giant spiders or whatever. And, you know, the, you know, never before seen, you will see a man turn into a spider or whatever kind of thing. Right. That was the kind of movie that they were trying to, to pay homage to. So I thought the aliens worked. Yeah, it, I did too. I did too. I thought, I mean, I saw what they were going for and, and I thought it made sense. And, you know, it was, I, I was okay with Shia LaBeouf. And I was even okay with him being Indy's kid. Um, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. Although the more we see of Shia LaBeouf, the more I hate seeing him in movies. Well, that's the thing. The more the more we've seen the route he's gone, I'm just yeah. kind of like, oh, I wish I could have gotten someone different. Yeah, I wish we could go back and digitally you know. replace him in all <laughs> his movies. <laughs> or just, just just LaBeouf him out of the movies. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, saying all, I'm not saying all his movies. I'm just saying of the indie movie, you know. Well, um, the first Transformers I could do without him in that. Well, too. see, I, I didn't mind him so much in any of those movies. Um, There's he, a lot of other stuff to not to not like about those movies, but oh, now, oh gosh, now you, <laughs> now come on, Eric. So no, we should we should have a conversation. Come on, did you see the fourth one? That was like one of the Irish. We're we're not going to go off on this tangent. No, no, because because we need a mediator. This because this is going to be the great debate. Then <laughs> I am a huge Transformers fan. Don't get me wrong. That's why I'm so disappointed with the direction the franchise is going. I my problem with the fourth one was the the lack of resolution that Optimus had 
with the human race by the end of it. Uh, but, <laughs> okay. My, uh, my problem with it was that it was two movies smashed together. It was oh. a Marky Mark movie, mm-hmm. and it was a Transformers movie. And at times, they, I mean, there's, you'd be in the middle of a big Marky Mark action set piece, and he'd like, you know, be in a car whipping around a corner, and then, oh, there's just two random Transformers like crawling up the side of the building. That like had no business being there. It, they didn't know what they wanted this movie to be. I feel like they've they've made mistakes in those movies to the extent that they haven't let us get to really know the rest of the Transformers beyond Optimus, Bumblebee, and Megatron. Yeah. Um, you know, part of the part of the joy of the original Transformers for me was getting to know all of these Transformers in some way or another. And even though a lot of times that meant that you were getting to know a pretty one-dimensional character, at least you knew who they were and what they were about. And with with these, and I know it's a, a probably a cost thing and that sort of thing, but they they were quick to worse than Hasbro about killing things off. You know, in in the eighties, they were worse than you know they they would kill to to make way for these new guys. When part of the fun is having just new guys show up to me in the in the old Transformers cartoon, it's like oh, there's a new one. Oh, there's a new one. You know, yeah. And um, and so I I really dug the third one in a big bad way. Um, I like the fourth one. I I like oh. I did like the fourth one. I like I like the second. Gotta one. have an intervention for you. On no, that no. I mean, I'm not like I'm not like oh, it's Age of Extinction is my favorite. But there's there's a lot that I do like about it. Um, I I like the character arc of Optimus. I like that he'd been betrayed, and so when he wakes up, he doesn't trust. It's a whole other conversation. But uh, but I really dug the first one, man. I had I got choked up when I heard Peter Cullen say yeah. i am optimus prime you know oh, i love uh, the first one i'm a big fan of it, yeah. i still think it's a good movie but i just at, at this point i'd like to see somebody other than michael bay try their hand at it because yeah. it, the fourth one it just it was so over the top i mean you literally had in the same shot you had the camera on the ground looking up mm-hmm. you had the american flag flying in the background <laughs> And some kid running around. That's right. Like all the ridiculous Michael Bay stuff that shows stuff, up yeah. in every one of That's his movies right. that is so overdone. That's right. That's right. And it happened throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. I Don't even get me started on the very end where all of a sudden, uh, uh, what's your policy with spoilers? Uh, uh, go ahead. But, I mean, what, how... what Optimus done is the very end. It's like, what? Yeah, where he just leaves. Like, since when was he able to do that? Exactly. Exactly. Why? And why has he not done it to this point? Yeah, it was. But now that, that I let that, you're talking about when he just took off and flew? Yeah, when yeah. all of a sudden he's got a rocket on his pack and he can fly yeah. to another planet without needing a ship. Right. Then why are you stuck here on Earth? Yeah, that exactly. made no sense. Why didn't you do that after the first movie? I would like for someone who was a fan of the Transformers, Pablo Hidalgo, to be able to talk to. Oh yeah, the Pablo is a huge Transformers. Well, I'm saying fan. I'm saying to to get the movies to be able. Pablo to literally of, wrote a book about the Transformers. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's called the Transformers Vault. Is it's is, an amazing book? Okay. I'm not I'm not familiar with it. Um. But I would like someone who's a fan of Transformers to be able to get a movie like, you know, and helm a movie about them. Because I I feel like that's the mistakes that were made in the G.I. Joe franchise and in the Transformers franchise. Michael Bay, I think I like 
his thought process sometimes as far as big explosions, big popcorn movies, that sort of thing. But he obviously was not a fan of this stuff, you know? No. And, and I think that we live in an age now where the people who are fans of it growing up are the people who can create film now and, and do this stuff. And, and you plug the right person in, and I think you've got a huge hit on your hand that appeases fans and non-fans alike. You know? well, and Transformers 4 was like 112 hours long, too. <laughs> it was long. It was the- I, I started watching it at my sister's place at like, with my nephew at like 10 o'clock one night. It was like, oh, let's watch this. Like, so we got it on video on demand. Mm-hmm. And I think like Tuesday morning I was still watching. Tuesday, mo- <laughs> Tuesday morning. I mean, well, the, 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 my nephew had long gone to bed. And let's be honest. And, and I can't blame him for that. I was like, I, it just got to a point where I'm like, I can't not stop watching this. And let's be honest, the promise of Grimlock was was short lived. <sighs> yeah. How do we go from a Raiders of the Lark? I don't know. What was the original Raiders? What was the Raiders question? I guess. Oh, we were talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I liked, I liked parts of it. Mm-hmm. The the whole motorcycle chase scene in Harvard was fantastic. Yes, yeah. Um, I forget what was the openings. Oh, the opening was was okay. Was the was the fridge was the refrigerator yeah. situation? Yeah. To me, that was all tainted because of. Because of Mac, you know, turning on him. Right, right. I, the the part that, the thing that I was really most intrigued by, was after the refrigerator incident, after the bomb has gone off, you know, and after they've scrubbed him clean, they've got him in the room, and the two like, you know, GI men or whatever you want to call them are like interrogating him, and you're learning about like kind of all of the sort of the black ops like spy stuff that he'd been doing during world war two and after it yeah it was like that's i want to see more of that right right like that was really cool and really fascinating and he was like all of a sudden he went from like this archaeological archaeological adventure dude to like a really early version of james bond yes yes and that's which leads me to another question for you just get your opinion on Shoot. If they, if Lucasfilm says, all right, we, we're doing the Star Wars thing now, it's time to go back to Indiana Jones. Oh, well, I think they intend to. They have the rights to it. Right. Do they recast? Do you want to, do you want to see this be a franchise that continues on kind of the same way James Bond did with just recasting every so often? Could they do that? I would like to see you know I think honestly I think a lot of it's going to a lot of it's going to come from what happens with uh the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. If it's a huge monster hit and everybody is in love with Harrison Ford again, mm-hmm. then I think you'll see them really quickly start to put together a fifth Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um but I also wouldn't be surprised if they just went back and rebooted it. But I think that I think that regardless of what they're going to do with it, they'd have to have Spielberg and Lucas like bless it. Right. I, I would think. I would hope so. I would hope so. But I'd um, like to see Spielberg do one more. I think in a lot of ways he kind of 
you know, the, the fourth movie was was George's MacGuffin. Right. You know, the whole Crystal Skull, the whole sci-fi thing, that was from George. Um, and I'd like to see Spielberg have a chance to do another fun one like the first and the third ones were. I agree. I agree. And, and that's not dogging on... Uh, no, it's not dogging Lucas. on anything. I'm right. just... I think it's a reality. Yeah, I would. The I would one like... wasn't as fun as one and three were. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I do agree with that definitely. I do know. I do remember when I went to see it in the theater um, when it came out. About halfway through, I realized there was this weird grin on my face with Crystal Skull because it it in so many ways it was like coming home again. It was like revisiting these old friends. And and when it was when it felt like Raiders and when it felt like Last Crusade, it was wonderful, you know. And then there were those moments where you just kind of like tilted your head, like that didn't make much sense. But then you just moved on with it, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I I I think I would like to see that experiment though of you know when Harrison's ready to hang up the fedora to keep this character going and just not necessarily, not even necessarily reboot, but just kind of, here's a new adventure of Indiana Jones. You know, here's an adventure that we've got with him. So if you do recast Indy, oh, who, I have, do you, who do you cast? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, you know, I wouldn't want to be in that seat one bit. I think Chris Pratt could do it. No. I really? think so. Is, he's too, but I would think he'd be too. I think you'd want to get someone that's not quite as, big as him you know as far as like star power or you might want to remember that harrison ford was you know he wasn't a minor star that's true with raiders i understand but it was you know, a- I, I think if you look at if you look at like the trailer for jurassic world that we've seen yeah you know that's kind of pratt sort of in uh indiana jones kind of vibe sure i think he could do it um I think Chris Evans could do it. I mean, I hate to be, you know, just targeting the Marvel guys here, but right, right. Well, um, I, I mean, I, guess, I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't he up for every single? He is movie everyone. Yes, everyone is hollering for <laughs> Benedict. I would never cast him as Indiana. Everyone Jones. is hollering for Benedict Cumberbatch to be in. No, he'll be the villain in the next Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, he'll play Belloc. That's right. Yeah, he'll play the rebooted Belloc, the recast of Belloc. Uh, speaking of Jurassic World, real quick, because we got to wrap up here pretty soon. Um, what do you think of the theory that Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are the kids from Jurassic Park, from the first Jurassic Park? I hope they're not. Really? Yeah. You think they learned their lesson? I mean, I mean, who else? That could be kind of cool. It just to me it would only make sense that they would be able to get that property and do that stuff. But they wouldn't be well, yeah. Would they be old enough at this point to be but, those? But would they be able to get the property? Because how much was Hammond it wasn't like the board of directors kind of in control of everything in the second one. Yeah, that's right. Like Hammond kind yeah. of on the outs. Like he had realized the, the error of his ways that, you know, he was arrogant and had made a right. mistake. And the third one, the government was kind of in control. Yeah. They? Yeah. Yeah. Even though they weren't the same, it wasn't the same. It was a different island. Different island. Yeah. 
Man, I I really love the third. I one. really like the third, third one. So good. I you know, and I've I've rewatched the second one recently, and it's really not that bad until they come to the city. Yeah, you know, and and, and from what I understand, that was Spielberg. Right. He, he you know he's like, if I'm going to do this, I want to bring the dinosaur into a city. Right. But everything else was really cool. But that third one, man, was just yeah. I and really I, dug I like, it. I like the twist that you know they had hoodwinked. Grant to get him to go out there that they didn't have any money, you know the the kind of quirky mercenaries and that you know the kid who had been living on his own for thirty days and they they up the the dinosaurs to a cool new level. Yes, yes, we got to see the pterodactyls in action. Yeah, um, you know you got the you got the hunting packs of raptors and um, and the whole egg deal and uh, it was good stuff. I really like it. I know it gets kind of crapped on, but but I enjoyed it. So. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Yeah. So, well, Erish, man, I I got to wrap up and get reset for Rock Out Loud here tonight. But, yeah, dude, boss! it was a good time, man. I had I had a blast talking to you. We've got to do this on a regular basis. We do. We do. We didn't even get to talk about our 80s we, I know. We didn't even get to Rocky Four. <laughs> Listen. Rocky Four, Back to the Future, and Goonies. I think yeah. those were the ones that we were targeting. Yeah, but. God willing and the creek don't rise, man. Uh, it, we'll it, have all year. All, all 30th anniversaries this year. So I know. We got, we got 11 more months to get to that. That's right. That's right, man. Well, dude, thanks so much, and I appreciate hey, you supporting us and, and hanging pleasure. out with us today. So. Um, like I said before, just an amazing thing you're doing today, and uh, I really hope you hit that goal. Well, I appreciate it, man, and uh, keep in touch, and – you know, we can talk even when we're not doing podcasts. And I, I miss Teresa. I, I know. She, Teresa's all talk. She is all talk. So, <laughs> Well, anyway. I little, uh, are you going to be out at Celebration in April? I won't be at Celebration, man. Oh, I'm not going to be able to make it. I Yeah, it just, finances didn't work out for me to be able to do it. But I, my plan is to be... I think the plan right now is like the last weekend of Star Wars weekends and Disney. Just gonna ask, are you gonna do a Star Wars weekend? Yeah, I think that's the plan right now. All right. I don't know if that's. I don't know if I should be saying that out loud. Well, we'll stay in touch with that. So, I'm, I, I'm thinking about going down. So, dude, you got to. If we're if we're able to get down there, I know I'm definitely going down there, and and I think the other people are too. Okay. And so and so if if, if that happens, yeah, you've got to come on down. We got to hang yeah, outside the park. Keep me posted about that. I and, sure will, bro. And I'm bummed. I, I was hoping you were going to be at celebration. I, man, it's killing me. It, my heart is breaking because I'm not able to get out there. But I just I could not swing it financially. Yeah. Just go around. So. But uh, but man, have a great night. Thank you, you so too. much. And we'll too. talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Take care. All right. Host of Dinner for Geeks, host of My Star Wars Story, and, uh, and and he's got one more. Earning My Ears, host of Earning My Ears. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Geek Out Loud, this time via the Skype, Scott Rifen. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I feel kind of weird because I'm not sitting with you in the room. Mm. It's strange just looking at pictures of one another, me with a weird yes. face, and you being drawn at a table with... The other guys, <laughs> not like drawn and quartered. Please mm. clarify that. Please. Well, no, it's an it's an art. It's artwork. It's an image. It's, it's artwork done where the four guys are drawn sitting together in, in around a booth. But now verbally, they draw and quarter you every week if they can. <laughs> Let's yeah, be I take the biggest beating too. I think. Yeah. Well, you know when when you got the thickest skin, 
That's what yeah. you, you know. That's that's the position you put yourself in. Quick update, really quick. We're at thirteen hundred ninety-five dollars for Cure Childhood Cancer. We are one hundred and five dollars away uh, from meeting our goal tonight, and I think we'll do it, Scott. I think we'll do it. I hope so. I hope so. Now I, I've got to tell you, uh, I, I don't think Arish is listening right now. Right. But I did want to say I left a note in the chat that uh, you know we we had the little discussion or the little dispute whether or not. Uh, Elsa mm-hmm. in India. And by the way, I'm dying to get in on that indie discussion. <laughs> you have no idea how much that is killing me to not be part of that discussion. Sorry, Scott. Well, you were uh, editing. Oh golly, I'm just I'm sitting here going, oh, guys, please let me in." Um, so so, and Eris says he doesn't think that Elsa knows where the Grail is, and I said, "Oh, she definitely knows what the, which one's the Grail. She's just trying to get rid of Donovan." So. I go get my copy of the third revision of the ND3 screenplay. Well, I'm Scott Riven. I'm <laughs> sipping my elephant poop coffee and enjoying the third revision of the Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. <laughs> and um, I look at it, and the story's a little bit different at the end. And at the end of the third revision, Elsa is the one who shoots uh, Indy's dad and sends them into the uh, you know into the trials. And then she runs in, and he grabs the cup of the carpenter, and she grabs the ornate chalice, and he says, no, 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 I think it's this one. And she goes, ha, nonsense, and then drinks out of the chalice herself and dies. So I think Erish may win that round. Hmm. Well, you know, I I never knew. I'm just, I was saying, I'm not saying that she necessarily knew, and this, and everyone who's listening via the podcast this is a conversation about something that you'll hear in the future that we've already heard in the past. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that I think she knew exactly the right one, but I was just wondering if she just kind of knew that this may not, this isn't it, and I just want him out of the way. Well, see, that's the way I've always taken it. Mm-hmm. But there is a draft of the script where she is totally clueless as to which one it is. Yeah. Well, so uh, he's, you know, he's got a leg up on me there. Well, you know, I. I'm sure he, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's just those fun things to talk about. Yeah. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's about, hey, let's talk about it and have a good time. So As, as long as I'm right, yes. Scott, <laughs> <laughs> Scott earlier this week, um, I, I recorded a Geek Out Loud based on a text that you sent me. Oh, re- oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, la- the last, I- last issue, the last episode of Geek Out Loud, you had texted me that day and said, hey, just in case you're still at work, the internet's blowing up. Oh, yes, yes, I heard this. It was about the George Lucas um, (laughs) non-news, or as as my friend Cohen, Michael Cohen, called it, the non-traversy. Oh, nice. Yeah, and and I'd seen that. I just didn't have a chance to kind of, you know, digest an article completely on it and, and get to the original source and everything. And when I finally did, I'm like, well, all he's saying is what we kind of already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but then the other thing that came out the same day or just before was about Secret Wars and what Secret Wars is going to be. Yeah. And basically, they're doing Crisis. Yeah. Except worse. It, mm, it, now, see, here's the thing. Uh, geek Out Loud, safe place to geek out. All this good stuff. I know. Trying to be positive. And I did say, you know, when I read what they were doing as far as mashing these universes up, my heart dropped a little. Because mm-hmm. it just it doesn't seem like a Marvel thing to do. 
but if it'll put us back in a place where most of the characters that we want to like are likable again, I, I'm good with that. <laughs> because I've been reading uh, Hickman's run on New Avengers that kind of starts this whole thing with all the incursions and all the Earth blowing up and running into each other. I mean, they started this wheel spinning a couple of years ago. And and what I'm coming down to, and really ever since, you know, back around Planet Hulker before, when you found out there's this Illuminati running things, it's Reed and Tony and Professor X and Doctor Strange. I've not liked those guys for being that way. No, I, I'm with you. You know, and so if we can get to a point where I can like my heroes again, I'm I'm kind of all for it. But wasn't that what the heroic age was supposed to be? <clears throat> Yeah, but I, I mean, think I missed that. That was right after Secret Invasion, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, they, and I thought that was supposed to be the big thing that everybody's supposed to make. You know, we, we can like these guys again now. And we, we still can't like them. I, I started not liking them at Civil War. Right. And it was funny because I made a conscious decision. I'm not going to buy Marvel Comics anymore. And then our comic shop closed. I don't know if that's a coincidence. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, like, what listen. I was buying every week was was keeping them afloat or what but based on ba by the way really quickly i'm sorry to interrupt you before i make my snarky comment um <laughs> we're at fifteen hundred and twenty dollars raised for cure childhood org. and man guys thank you so much i got to play a little bit of this Celebration, man! I'm telling you, Scott. I've still got a snarky comment in the in the holster, so just hang tight. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, this is huge, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for giving, for donating. If you're listening via the podcast, the page is still there. Let's blow this gold out of the water. Fifteen hundred twenty dollars. That is amazing for Cure Childhood Cancer. CureChildhoodCancer.org. I thank you, thank you, thank you so much. This is huge for the Goldiverse. This is huge for us, man, because we're actually we're making a difference. It's one thing to say, oh, we got a safe place to geek out. It's another thing to say, you know what? We're also trying to make a difference in the world. And, uh, man, I appreciate it so, so much. And as the Admiral says, if you can't donate money, if you can get somewhere where you can donate blood, a lot of times they use platelets and stuff for people who are uh, undergoing cancer treatment. So uh, if you can give platelets, Red Cross blood, uh, she's got a link there in the chat. And uh, and, and so go do that and, and help out however you can. But man, what a outstanding. Just I am over the moon right now, Scott. So uh, you, I, I should have brought you in right out of the gate. We, I mean, it, it took bringing you in to, to put us over the top, sir. Well, I, you know, I've been listening all day, so i kind of been there in spirit all day. So, well, well, people have been saying we need to do something together on a regular basis. Oh, you and me? Yeah. Yeah, I got plenty of time. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we can just meet in Odom. And <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Odom is smaller than Hazelhurst. <laughs> we can meet halfway between Scriven and Odom, but mm. that's a different story. Oh, my gosh. There's nothing there, sir. Yeah. I guess we'd get together out at Reedy Creek sometime. 
Well, now we do need to get together at Reedy Creek. Oh, well, I hear you. Now, now we're really talking inside baseball. <laughs> but I want to get back to your yes. original comment about the comic book store shutting down. Because when it's you, killing you it to is. not use your snarky remarks. I know. I've got it on my hip, and i gotta, okay. I got to pull. I've been really slow on the draw because we got that good news. You're going to start fanning now. That's right. When... <laughs> When you were on one time, we talked about, you know, you bought two copies of Heir to the Empire. <laughs> you did. A, I just imagine that, yeah, their main source of income dried up when you stopped collecting comics. You were spending so much money. I, I, well, I will tell you, I will tell you that uh, 2000, when was that? 2005 that uh, Civil War came out? That's yeah, right. Yeah. 2005. Mm -hmm. And think about what the price of comics was then as opposed to what it is today. I was spending about $300 a month at the comic shop. Wow. I was buying. I mean, wow. anything CBG said, hey, this is kind of cool. I'd go, okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'd go get it. And then, you know, everything Star Wars, always everything Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's uh, that's crazy. But, yeah, so so you said you stopped liking them around Civil War. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I can't remember any of the Heroic Age stuff um, because that was right after Secret Invasion. Um. And I was kind of excited about it, you know, but I was in a place where I just couldn't afford to be collecting comics at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was before we had any of the apps and stuff that, you know, it was just before digital comics. But that appealed to me. That concept appealed to me, you know, that we were getting back to likable heroes and everything because we were getting out of the dark rain. You know, I was hoping that Tony would be redeemed and all this stuff. But We've kind of gone back to what I've been reading from the past few years is back to this kind of everything. And the whole thing is, is is everything's ending and there's really nothing they can do to stop it. And like there's this great issue where Cap just kind of stands up and he tells this whole team, this whole table of people, he's like, I'm not going to stand by and do this. Like Captain America is one of the only people in the Marvel Universe I like right now. Yeah. He says, I'm not going to stand by and do this and let you do this. He's like, we're not going to create some doomsday device and then debate on, you know, what when we're going to use it. Yeah, we, let's like, just use it. Well, no, his whole thing is <laughs> his whole thing is is we're not going to go down that path. There's going to be another way. There's going to be another way than the destruction because basically what they're having to do is is as these as as an Earth would start to collide with our Earth to destroy this particular part of the multiverse, they'd have to figure out a way to either repel it or blow it up. Mm. so that they couldn't collide and they had like x amount of time to do that and you know it's just it's it, it it's one of those things where he's like there's a line we're crossing and you're talking about destroying a whole world so you know and i really dug what cap was doing because he was trying to maintain some shred of humanity in the midst of this incredibly impossible situation so this thing's been building for a while and my whole thing, and the thing I told Cohen was, and, and for those of you who've heard this episode, they they said, you know, the Marvel Universe will be Battle World during mm -hmm. and after this. And that doesn't really fit to me. You know, because yeah. the Marvel Universe is supposed to be Earth and our universe. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, heard, I heard you guys' discussion about this, and I, I agree with you on that. It, that's one of the cool things that was so great about the Marvel Universe that they're in New York City. They're right. not in Gotham. They're not in Central City. They're not in Metropolis. They're in New York. Yeah. They're, they're in a real place grounded in the real world. I mean, that's... Well, I, that's, remember, I remember back in the 90s when Peter Parker went on a book tour. 
and he webs. It, yeah, and he went to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, well, he just had to sell those copies of Webs. Where'd that money go? <laughs> Why is Webs still not in print? Uh, yeah, what? Yeah, what? Well, now he's got his whole um place. I take that back. I like Cap and I like Spider Man in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. There's one. There's one scene, um, in in a recent issue where they call him. To come help with the the Avengers, call him to come help with the crisis, and he's so excited because um, they've called him in after the whole Doc Ock Superior Spider Man stuff. And so while there, where all the Avengers are gathered to to fight off this crisis, he's going around to each one of them and he's like, "Hey, it's me, it's Spider Man, it's really me." Did you hear what happened? You know, and he's fighting while he's all telling him like, "Hey guys, I'm back. It's okay. I'm a good guy now." You know. <laughs> <laughs> and that he would do that. I could see yeah. him. Though. Speaking of which, uh, you know, tomorrow we're just two hours, less than two hours away from your birthday. That's right. That's right. And we today, all day, oddly enough, has been John Romita Sr.'s birthday. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, one of my favorites, I know my favorite Spider Man artist ever, period. Yeah. John Romita Sr. Yeah. He is, he is a, he's a, an iconic Spider Man artist. Yes. Um, he, he set the stage for a lot of stuff, uh, you know, for the look and feel of Spider-Man, you know, you got, Di- I feel like you've got Ditko, you know, who of course started the whole thing, but then Ramita senior who just, I, what is the word? Icona, iconized, I, I can just made him iconic, <laughs> just made the look. I mean, he's. Yeah. When I see the when I see the Ramita Senior Spider Man, that's the Spider Man that I grow up seeing on T shirts and yes. and stuff, you know, and in in different places and art and everything. And man, so good, so so good. Well, he made Spider Man just a, a great hero. He made him a great heroic looking character, uh, and and the cast of characters he really he made as you say or or, or I think tried to say. He made their look iconic. I mean, yes. that was the prototype look for all of these characters. It's the John Romita Sr. look. Yeah, yeah. Even more to me than McFarlane. You yeah. know, McFarlane uh, had, a, had a great way of putting Spider-Man into motion, you know, on the page. Mm-hmm. And he had all those different poses and stuff he'd put him in. And um, the spaghetti webbing, as it came to be known. Um, but... Ramita Sr. just he's he's the one I feel like that really set the table with this is the look and feel of Spider-Man for all eternity. Even more than even more than Ramita Jr., you know, who did great work. You know, yeah. these these are all great artists. Um, I just I just need you to retire that phrase. What's that? The look and feel cuz every time you say it I keep thinking it's the old west from Time Life books. Oh. With the look and feel of hand tools, saddle leather. The the look and the look and feel of cotton. Wait, no, that's the touch and feel. The touch and feel of cotton. The fabric of our lives. But the old west from Time Life Books was the look oh, and okay. feel. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean. To. I'm sorry, Scott. Gosh. Every time you say like, that, though, it turns into a commercial in my head for look, some reason. Look, this isn't the place. I'm not Ryan, Ron, or Jeff, sir. <laughs> No, you're correct. You are uh, correct. I will bring it back over the net, son. I will, I will pull the I will pull the my podcast card if you keep it up. <laughs> we can't have that. I'm so sorry. 
so I, I want to ask you because you have how many different interviews for my Star Wars story in the can right now? <laughs> uh, let's see. We've released five. We're going to release number six this week, and mm -hmm. I have at least five others completed including some from some great, you know, Concetta Parker did one. Steve, oh, good grief, Steve Sansweet. Uh, and Steve and I talked for a very long time. Because uh, the premise, for those of you who don't know, of my Star Wars stories, we literally take Star Wars fans and we let them tell their Star Wars story every significant instant from the moment they first heard of the thing up until this very moment. And needless to say, the guy who's got several million pieces of Star Wars memorabilia... Mm -hmm had a lot of stories to tell. But you know you know what was interesting about him? And I told him this probably halfway through the interview. He's a great storyteller. Yeah. But he doesn't like telling stories about himself. Hmm. There's so many times we <clears throat> would be in the middle of a, of a story, and then he would all of a sudden say, and these guys, boy, they're really good because they do this. And these guys are wonderful because they do that. And he, would, he was always finding ways to turn it into a conversation about somebody else, which I found interesting. Well, that I mean, that's just that's just humility. Yeah, and, and probably, probably so. But um, uh, but he has a. I mean, he's got to have a fascinating story. Yeah, it's good. Know? It's really good. I can't wait to get that one out there. But it's it's down the line. We got John Jackson Miller did one. Um, Justin Bolger from the Force Cast did one. Uh, uh, Paul Herman from the Myth. Oh, I can't remember the name of the Myth podcast. I'm sorry. He's for Star Wars with friends. He does. Uh, great guy. Uh, Joey Tavano from Brews and Blasters did one. And, uh, I mean, we've, we've got a ton of these things. And I'm still looking for more, by the way. Yeah. Well, so. hey, listen, I was just, I've got uh, Teresa Delgado trying to get in. She'd be great. I uh, want Teresa on here because we, I literally have, I feel awful because I'm looking at this thing and I go, one, two, three, four, five, six. I've had a, I've got a dozen interviews done. Mm -hmm. I have one female. Yeah. And I think that's so not representative of Star Wars fandom out there. It's just, you know, I, I'm I'm a guy, and I don't know a lot of girls. So, well, Teresa says interview me in the chat. She says interview me. I'm fun. Oh um, yeah, sure. No, I I want her. I told you that a long time ago. Yeah, Michael Cohen. It would be good. He's got a good story. Riley, and I'm telling you who you need to get. And they're going to be hard because like they take school so seriously. But mm -hmm. Riley and Bethany Blanton from uh, the Star Wars Report. Yes, have a great frequently. have a great Star Wars story because their kids. Um, they're kids. They're, they're they are. <laughs> I call them the kids. Their their story begins with Phantom Menace. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's yeah. It turns a lot of us on our heads. And uh, yeah, I, I know. But they're so. But they're and now they're so immersed in Star Wars fandom, and they love it, and they're great, and can both articulate so well. You need mm -hmm. to get with Riley and Bethany Blanton to go on my Star Wars story. And they're and you told me the other day they're not twins, but they might as well be. They're not twins, but they might as well be. <laughs> so that's yeah. That's, no, I'd love to have all of these guys, and you know, it's the the biggest problem I'm having right now is just having time to get them completed and out there. Yeah, because when I started this thing, it was I'm going to do one a month, mm -hmm. and what has happened is people have you know I've reached out to some of these people. I'm not going to tell you that John Jackson Miller beat my door down or or uh, or Steve Sansweet did because they didn't. I reached out to them because I thought they would have good stories to tell. But there have been so many great, wonderful fans who've had some wonderful, terrific stories to tell that have come to me. That uh, I mean, I've got a list of probably a dozen people that have reached out to me that I haven't been able to get to recording yet. 
Um, and, and now that this is the semi-slower part of the year for me, I'm going to try to crank out two a month just because I want I want people to hear this stuff. Yeah. This, yeah. You know, you were you were on the second one, and I thank you for that because you were incredible. Oh, well, I had fun, man. I think you were on the third just, one. I'm sorry. The third yeah, I was one. on the third one. It was fun. Yeah. It was just fun, you know? Yeah, well, and that's what I want it to be. I want it to be a relaxing, a fun conversation. One of the things I try to do, and, you know, Roku Depot, they are, by the way, I don't know who you paid over there, but they love you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good guys. They're good guys at Roku Depot. Yeah, oh, they are. They are. Um, but they reviewed the my Star Wars story this week, and, <clears throat> and one of the things they mentioned was that it's really not, there's not a lot of me in there. I just kind of let people go. And it's true. I actually find, I try to find ways to cut myself out of it as much as possible. Right. Because I want it to be their story in their words, and that's that. So I try to, as, as much me as I can take out of it, I take out. Which is hard for me to do. Well, but <laughs> <laughs> well, especially when you're the host of Straight Talk. That's right. Yeah. Welcome now, to Straight Talk. By the way, ratings came in this week. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Yes. Well, when you need a sidekick on there, let me know. You know what? I've started name checking you frequently just to see if it gets back to you. <laughs> it hadn't yet. <laughs> but no, we were straight talk. My morning show is the only morning show in Glen County on my little five thousand watt FM uh, AM station. Um, is the only morning show in Glen County that pulled a double digit share in the valuable twenty five to fifty four demographic. Wow. Well, I tell you what. Like I say, when you need a little sidekick, when you're ready, when you're ready to expand and syndicate this bad boy, <laughs> you let me know. We'll do okay. it outside. We will. You can I, listen. I'll gladly play co-pilot. Well, <laughs> I have. Well, you no, know, we were talking. You mentioned earlier we got to find something on a regular basis to do. Yeah, I have no problem being the second man at all. all right. So you just you just tell me when, buddy. All right. Well, and, I get there at five o'clock every morning to yeah. start prepping. So well, that well, that's what I'm saying. I'll be the co-pilot. You have it prepped and ready. <laughs> I'll come in with the zingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I used to, uh, I have a friend in South Carolina who used to do a, 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 an afternoon talk show once a week on a Christian talk radio up there where he's at in Greenville. And we had, um, and he called me up. He's like, I want you on the show. And I'm like, well, how do you think I'm going to get on the show? He's like, well, we'll just call you. You can be on the phone and uh, we'll put you on one line and, you know, we'll have you on there. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So every Monday I would sit down from 12 to 1230 to do this radio show with this guy. And, you know, it was it was a Christian talk radio, but I told him, I said, now, look, we're not going to do regular Christian talk. And he's like, oh, God, no, that's why I want you with me. Did he say, oh, God, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so we had a lady one time call in. She's like, I just want you guys to know how much I really enjoy everything you do. It's so it's so good. And you have such a light heart and a good time. And just thank you so much. And then she made her comment about whatever subject we were talking about. And so she hangs up. I'm like, well, we really appreciate that call. Tell all your friends from the Bronx we said hello. I didn't think it was that funny. (laughs) The room exploded. (laughs) And I was just, and I'm sitting on the phone. I'm like, oh, is that that funny? You know, like they just lost it because it's like everyone was thinking it. What is this woman with this thick New York accent doing in South Carolina calling in? Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just kind no, of it's of kind of not. when you're used to. Yeah, man, I really love the Lord and want to appreciate. I thank you guys for what you're doing and taking a stand. You know, like yeah, we're taking a big stand on Christian radio, and um, <laughs> you know, and and but that's what you're used to. And then someone calls in, sounding yeah. like they're calling from you know the downtown New York, and you're just like, oh, okay, Staten Island, uh, and and so 
I just said what everyone else, but it was like nothing else they ever had on the radio. And he tells me, he's like, I still have people when they see me around, ask me when we're going to be back on. Huh? Yeah. So I'm saying, well, you know, I, I got a job opening. Well, so, uh, all right, well, let's talk afterwards. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> hey, is, uh, is this something, this thing you sent me in the Skype, by the way, is oh, this file? I sent you that because I knew the issue of how busy I am was going to come up. Yeah. And yet I did this this week. Oh, and, I, <laughs> and I thought, good grief. Here's a man who's always complaining. He's got no spare time. And yet. There's this thing. Oh, can I play it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. It's no good complaining and pointless to holler. <laughs> if she's a beauty, she'll get under your collar. She made a monkey out of old King Kong. I, I hope, hope that something better comes along. Hey, it's Vanessa is, Marshall. Oh, oh, is that all you? <laughs> yeah. That is fantastic. <laughs> You and Jimmy from Georgia need to have a, a Muppet off. We, he he called me up one night on the Big Honkin' Show. We started doing Muppet impersonations back and forth. And oh my, yeah, and and I, yeah, that's amazing. What I mean, what possessed you to just sit down and say, "I'm going to do this"? I was I was doing it was we had Martin Luther King holiday last week, mm -hmm. okay. and I was sitting there. So far, nothing to do with this clip. <laughs> That's not true, because Ralph was on the front lines, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I had to record a bunch of news and sports, and I just had to record a bunch of stuff in advance to put it into the system. And I, I was sitting at my desk at my homes, and I was going to you know, remote it all in by the Internet. And I just got stir-crazy <laughs> having to put all the stuff together. So <laughs> I said, you know, I wonder if I could multi-track this. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> There was more. I, I just gave you the little bits, but uh, yeah, there was. I I did pretty much all of it. But uh, Roth was on the front lines. He was on the front lines. We demand. We demand equality. <laughs> we shouldn't have to use those smaller doors. <laughs> That's a great Roth, sir. That is a great Roth. I thought I was like, what did he? What did he just play? <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome! Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I, I got to thinking about it. I thought, I know that converse, the the topic of how much I have to do is going to come up. When we're going to talk about my Star Wars story, and I'm going to talk about I have no time on my hands. And then I realized I did that this week. Well, look, I understand. <laughs> I understand being busy and having to take time sometimes just to do something for yourself. Yeah, for your own personal joy, because it keeps you sane. But uh, but yeah, man. Well, and, and look, let's be honest. If if some of your co-hosts would chip in and help out with the <laughs> editing process, you know, especially the guy, I like how Ryan takes real ownership of my Star Wars story. <laughs> he does actually. He, I know. That's what I'm saying. He takes like this ownership of it, and it's yeah. like I I didn't even see him until you know the first time I went and had dinner with you guys and. <laughs> That's because he has nothing to do with exactly, it. Exactly, but it's nothing. his, man. It's his. It's his brainchild. Yeah, it, that, and that's that's the only thing he has to do with it. He called me one day and said, hey, I got an idea for a podcast, which he does, by the way, about five times a week. So that's not really <laughs> you know, unusual well, for him to say that, and I have to go, yeah. Well, and why, the, threw, why huh? didn't he go get a what's it called, a microphone? What's it and called? <laughs> That's right. I just took a slam at him. I'm sorry. Yeah, you did. That's you that's did. wrong. That's wrong. Everything I just did, 
wrong. But I'm no, I'm on no. a met I'm on a met and beat our goal high right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he called me up and he when he you know he spilled the idea out at me and I went, oh wait a minute, this is actually a good one. Hang on a second. Hang yeah, on. let me let get me this get out can. of the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and then of course was always the Ryan catch, which is everything is about Ryan. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, but I have to be the first guest. <laughs> and then that's when I realized it was just, he wanted to tell somebody all of his star Wars story. Right. And so the vehicle for his doing it is a podcast that doesn't exist. I'm the first guy he could think of that could create it. <clears throat> So he called me up to get me to start it. Now, see if he was really smart, he would have pulled. Uh, what's the woman? What's the woman's name that did the serial podcast? Uh, oh, yeah, the, the, from from NPR. Anyhow, yeah, he would have done. Yeah, NPR. He yeah. would have done that, and um, uh, from This American Life, whatever. I don't. I can't think of her name, but he would have done that and just released his own story in increments. Like I say, just get your own microphone and release your own little story in increments and make people like, oh, what's coming next, you know? Yeah. And then and then my parents agreed to take me to the store. Would I get the toy that I wanted? Tune in next time on my Star Wars story. <laughs> Sarah Koenig, yeah. I, I just, I want to I wanna wait and find out who's going to interview me for this thing. I, I've been telling you, you should, you should interview yourself. I should interview myself? Yeah. So, Scott, do your real, like... Put on your full-on broadcast, you know, full broadcast voice, and mm. and then with the questions, and then just answer in your regular, you know, your regular range. Who is Navin Johnson? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, well Navin is them. <laughs> well, Navin's a complex character. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Alicia Pettit says Rolf should interview you. Oh, hey, there's an idea. When did you first hear about Star Wars? <laughs> I'm still back to no collars, no, no peace. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. How often do you do Rolf the dog on straight talk? No, never. Well, never. you're missing an opportunity, sir. <laughs> You could really attack those island people as Roth the dog. <laughs> I'm not trying to attack the island people. They just think I'm trying to attack them. Uh, you hate St. Simon's Island, no, man. I, I love I was there. I sneaked over today <laughs> without my passport. I didn't have my papers on me and wore, yet. Wore a hoodie. Wore a hoodie with some sunglasses hoping no one would recognize you. That's you, for, right. you forgot it was your official straight talk hoodie though. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we they they have just opened up. By the way, on Saints, here's you want to get really inside baseball. Yeah, uh, they opened up Mellow Mushroom this week. Okay, on Saint Simon's. Pizza, so we went and tried it out. Pizza place, guys. Pizza place in Georgia. Yep, they opened it up this week, and uh, we decided to go try it out. And yeah, I did. I knew half the people that were in there. So, and were they like, go home? Yeah, <laughs> get away from here. <laughs> we don't want you here. We don't. We don't serve your kind here. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> those droids. That's Scott Rifen. We don't serve him. <laughs> and your wife looked at him and said, "Maybe you should wait outside." <laughs> we don't want any trouble. That's right. <laughs> so instead, I totally agree with you, sir. So, yeah. So instead of like, yeah, we'll just go eat somewhere else, dear. She's like, maybe you should wait outside. <laughs> I get back out to the van. You're like, did you bring anything? No, they wouldn't let us bring anything to you. <laughs> 
But, you know, the funny thing about that is I had to stop listening to you when we did go in there. So. Oh, well, I don't like the island either then. Yeah, don't if, I'd gotten, if I'd gotten kicked out, I could have gone back to the van and listened to See, you. See, here's, here's what my role as your sidekick would be on Straight Talk the other day when that was going on. Every... Every time I had the opportunity, I'd be like, so now explain to us further. Why do you hate St. Simon so much? <laughs> I, I actually, no, I actually had to go back and get clips of me from three days previous going, I'm not saying this because I don't like you. I'm saying this because I'm trying to help you out. <clears throat> I, no, I would have been like, I, I would. I'd be like, I would have just helped dig that hole deeper for you. <laughs> Well, about that offer, Steve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of other people put in for it. I really oh, appreciate it. Nice. Well, yeah. okay. I, listen, I understand. I'm an amateur at best, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if you ever want to bring a bring a high level of mediocrity to your show, <laughs> just give me a call. <laughs> in a heartbeat. Man, so, go, hmm. go ahead. No, you do your thing. Well, no, I was just going to say what what you've been geeking out on lately. You've been too busy, I guess. No, you know, I got uh, I got Marvel Star Wars number one. How is it? Um, I found it a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. On the positive side, okay. Uh, just the art starts off gorgeous, gets bad by the end. Oh. Uh, the story is Marvel's decompressed from heck. Oh wow. And uh, but a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the uh, that you can tell that there were people who really care about the product, genuinely have great love and passion for it, and were definitely trying to do right. Mm-hmm. A lot of little Easter eggs, a lot of nice little touches in there, a uh, little setup for movies that take place later. It's actually it's it's not bad. It's not bad. It's a little bit like I say. It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but it's not bad. When does it take place? It takes place a few weeks after the first film. <clears throat> okay. And by the first film, I mean the old people's first film. Sure, sure. Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Star Wars. So, okay. Now, last night you guys did a live tweet of Star yes. Wars, the Dinner for Geeks guys. How did that go? You know, it, I think it went really well. We had a lot of fun. We didn't have to talk to each other. It was great. Yeah, well... It's... <laughs> I, could see, I could see where that'd be a, yeah. be a plus. <laughs> Now we we you know I I didn't know where I got the idea and now I think about it I think I got it from watching you on New Year's Eve I got it from watching you okay I got it from watching you okay um I got it from watching you so you know New Year's Eve you were watching Star Wars to go up to midnight right and you were occasionally you were tweeting about things yes. that were happening and comment comment on it and I thought it was pretty funny and for some reason later it didn't occur to me that I was probably stealing that idea. Oh no, I mean everyone's listen, I'll be honest with you, man, <clears throat> if I can be uh for reals here. Several, several years ago, I mean like back in the in the nascent days of Twitter, mm-hmm. uh one weekend I was having a bad weekend, I started watching Star Wars and I just got on Twitter and just started tweeting like I and I mean by tweeting, I mean blowing up Twitter. <laughs> like it, like I hit enter on the tweet and go start the next tweet. Hit it, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just going through Star Wars that way. I'd never seen anyone do it. I did it, and then I decided I had such a good time. I do Empire. Decided I had such a oh, good wow. time. Decided I had such a good time. I do Jedi, and I had I had everything at replied to me from this is awesome to you need to stop. I'm going to unfollow <laughs> you now. You're blowing up my timeline, and <clears throat> so. It was about two weeks later. I, I'm on. I just jumped on Twitter and I see someone 
watching a movie and tweeting it. Ah. And I'm like, they stole my bit. So <laughs> from I mean, I, I sincerely feel like I was I was an early adapter of, of live tweeting what you're watching. Yeah. Well we decided to take it and put all of us in the room together and encourage, you know, people who listen to, to tweet along with it, watch along with us and tweet along with us. And uh I we I, between the four of us, I think we put a we each had a tablet. Mm-hmm. And we reach logged into the Dinner for Geeks account. You got Ron a tablet? Well, here's the funny thing. Ryan brought an extra tablet for Ron. And Ron brought this weird caramel Boy Scout popcorn thing to eat as a snack. Oh no. And first thing Ryan says, You better not get my you better not get my iPad sticky. Nice. <laughs> so today he sends me a text that says, No joke. There's sticky fingerprints all over my iPad. <laughs> Way to go, Ron. Yeah. I'm sure that so, would come up on the next dinner. Yeah, it's gonna say, well, you know, we were we were planning on doing this again, but Ron may not have a way to get on. That's right. That's right. Not using mine again, I'll tell you that. Did you guys record anything while you were watching? You know, I thought about that, but I I, I thought, well, let's not let's not chance it. Let's not push it. Yeah, yeah. So we just we did that and then uh afterwards we were all like, Let's do this again. And so we're going to uh we're gonna watch Raiders, I think, next. Oh. I wanted to go Empire Jedi like you did. Right. Um, that was my original thought. Ryan So I'm not doing it unless we do ra uh, Raiders next. So, man, is, he yeah. really dominates. He's kind of he's not he's like the not alpha male, but almost. No, he's the kid who takes his ball and goes home. He's the Sheldon of your group. He's the <laughs> <laughs> he's as the as in someone with some severe social disorder. Yeah. Well, and who just like everyone has to bend to his. They they all love him, but they love to hate him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think he sees that though. Really talking about Ryan tonight on the show, <laughs> and I know that Ryan happens to listen sometimes. So Ryan, Ryan just know that I love you. I enjoy. <laughs> He's always been nothing but a peach to me. Sure. So that's but, all. Uh, but yeah. By the way, I I would like to see you actually. Uh, when it comes time for me to do my Star Wars story, I'd like you to be involved in that. Yeah, gladly, man. That'll be fun. Yeah. I don't know when that's going to happen, but... Uh, well, you just let me know. Jason Samuel in the chat says, I remember that live tweeting night. It's the night I took Steve off text alert. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. I was blowing it up. I don't... I'm not I'm not lying. I'm serious right now. I'm serious. <laughs> hey, <clears throat> speaking of Teresa mm -hmm. uh, Delgado, uh, she has asked to come on goal. Ah. So, so I'm going to bring her in if she's still around. Yo! Wow! What's up? What's up? Teresa, you're on Geek Out Loud with myself and Scott Rifen. Hey, how's it going? Hello, Teresa. Hello, Scott. Uh, Scott's a Disney file as well, Teresa. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. He Disney has rocks. No, you better yeah. watch out. No, I, you know, I found out, though. <laughs> apparently, I booked the complete wrong Star Wars weekend. Yeah, because um, which one are you going to? The first one. Oh, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I booked the wrong Star Wars weekend as well because I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to celebration. So, ah, uh, uh, that's you're the with right me on that one. That's though. the right Star either. Wars weekend. Um, Scott, what is earning my ears? Talk to me and Teresa about earning my ears. Earning my ears mm -hmm. is uh, we're doing it on the Two True Freaks Network. Steve, Steve, Steve. Mm -mm. <laughs> not me. Gardner. Not me. Not Steve Gardner. I don't know him. But Scott Gardner, who is a cast member. And 
he and he's a Disney file. He's a nut about the place, and that's actually he went to work there because he had a dream of working there. So he's he's a cast member because of that. Living his dream. Yeah, and we talk about the world, and what we try to do is we try to make it geek centric, and we say okay, every week we do certain features, but the main feature is usually. Uh, you know, this is Disney World, Walt Disney World for the so-and-so geek. And we try to find things that people who don't think they would like Walt Disney World, we find things that they would like that are there because there's something for everybody there. Oh, and of so, course there is. Yeah. So so we try to, every week we do a little something, you know, for the RPG geek. You can go over there and you can play Wizards of the Magic Kingdom. You can do the pirate adventure. You can do the uh, uh, Phineas and Ferb thing over at Epcot. Or AGP, I guess it is. Um, you know, they're just different things. A comic Geek, there are all kinds of different little comic things in there that you would never have known were there. In the background, in displays. and so, so we just, we try to cover different types of geekdom every week. And we try to talk about the place. And we try to stump each other. Uh, we randomly choose one thing, whether it's an attraction or a resort or whatever. And try <clears throat> to find one fact that the other didn't know about it. Hmm. So. It's wow. a lot of fun. We call it earning my ears because that's what the new cast members, when they're just hired, that's what they have to wear on their name tag, a little, little right. uh, ribbon that says earning my ears. And, you know, we're, we, we consider ourselves to be kind of students of Walt Disney World. And we're always learning about it and our knowledge of it's always evolving. So we're always earning our ears. All right. Yep. What do you sounds, think? Sounds accurate. That's <laughs> how I feel. <laughs> Even though I know that place inside now, there's always something new. Yeah, there yeah. really is. Teresa took the kids on a tour last year. I did. And blew their minds. <laughs> well, I did the whole, you know, walking down Main Street, starting at the beginning, kind of pointing out all the windows and Walt and what he's looking at, you know, and went through that whole bit. Um, you know, the real emotional, like, I'm going to get you sucked in kind of tour. I thought you were going to say, I'm going to get you sucka tour. I don't remember that. From yeah, Disney. That's, that's, <laughs> the one, that's the one where Chip and Dale take you behind the shed and beat you up and take your wallet. <laughs> I'm going to get you sucka. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you're a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do do a good dolphin. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> but, now, but now, Teresa, you've moved back to Texas now. I have just recently. <clears throat> How does that feel? Because you were right there in the middle of the magic, and you, you're gone now. You know, it's it's kind of twofold. So when we were like before we moved there, you know, every time we went to Disney, it was always like a really big deal, you know. And I planned it all out, and we had all of our reservations and everything. And then when we moved there, you know, it was just like we could pop up for the day or whatever. And then some of the magic goes away, but there's still that, like, I get to be here for everything, you know, like all the mm -hmm. events that they do or stuff they decide to do last minute. And that's really cool. But then, you know, you're kind of like, wow, like I never really take a actual big vacation to Disney anymore. You know, I don't, don't have to go and plan everything in advance and get that thrill of all that stuff. No, the planning's so, fun. I love the planning, especially yeah. now with um, FastPass Plus and all that stuff. So, so now we get to go back to planning, you know, planning stuff and um, taking big trips and that kind of thing. So I'm excited for it. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be good. It's just, it's just now deciding, like, oh, what time of year do I want to go? <laughs> yeah, I would think, see, I always, we have discussed on occasion moving down <laughs> that way. And one of the things that always got me was, well, now staying in the resorts is really, if you're down there, 
staying in the resorts is not really a thing that you do, I would think. Because why would why should you? Uh, we still did. Did you? Because yeah. to me, that's half of the thing. Half of the joy of it is those wonderful resorts. Yeah, no, we still would because, you know, we'd want to stay for fireworks or whatever. And you don't want to have to drive, you know, a little bit over an hour, hour and a half to Tampa, you know, when you've mm. been up and in the parks and all that stuff. So we'll stay, you know, we'll just get a room for the night or whatever. Um, but we still did that. Or we would plan a weekend and we would stay at like Art of Animation for the weekend, um, like Friday through Sunday. So we did stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, so I mean, if you move down there, you can still do stuff like that. Yeah, well, we're, we've got DVC now, so we'd have to. <laughs> oh yeah, well, we have DVC too. <laughs> What's your home resort? Uh, Saratoga. Okay, ours is Wilderness Lodge. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah, sounds to me like a battle between the Cowboys and the Indians. <laughs> I, but we love staying at Saratoga. We, I really love that resort. Um, but you know, now with the poly getting finished and stuff, we're really thinking about you know. Ooh, the poly looks interesting. Maybe yeah, we poly, need more points. <laughs> yeah, the poly looks. I, I got to tell you, I when we first bought into it, well, I was I was very gung ho about it. I still love it. Don't get me wrong, but the price. I mean, we bought in at like ninety eight, ninety nine dollars a point, and mm-hmm. the, you know they're doing a special for DVC members now. The poly for a hundred and sixty a point, and it's like uh, that is not quite the same value to me. As a program, and you notice they've changed. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. You may not have been there since they've changed the signage, but you know all their little. Kiosks. Oh yes, I have. Yeah, I was. They changed it before. Okay, yeah. we're used to say find out how you can save up to seventy percent on future vacations. Now it says find out how you can save up to fifty percent on future vacations. Yeah, well, you know the other thing is <clears throat> when we bought in, we actually bought a resale. So we didn't buy straight from Disney. So we got like a really awesome contract for not as much as you would pay going through Disney. Yeah. Uh, and they, the contract we bought had banked points and stuff like that. So like we got, oh, wow. we were able, we did it for, when we got it right before our wedding, we were able to stay at Disney for three and a half weeks for our honeymoon and our wedding and be able to put my, my entire, um, family like my immediate family um up in a dvc resort with all the points that we got from that resale grief yeah all right <laughs> it no, was we, ridiculous ah uh, we've well, already agreed that if we go, if we buy again though we're gonna buy resale because you just you do save so much yeah you save a lot of money and you get a lot more points yeah <laughs> yep yeah, yeah. How, I gotta ask now. Yeah. This is this is. You want to talk about the contest, Steve? This is the contest. I, well, we're in it, guys, and I'm yeah. trying to. I'm trying to bring it to an end. I, I, I realize <laughs> I have unleashed a can of worms. How, how, how many points do you have, Teresa? Two hundred and fifty-two. Ah! Oh! Mm, wow, so close. Yeah. No, we're nowhere near. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here. All right. So anyhow, now Teresa, earlier you weren't around. Okay. We had Eris Shonavice on. I know. I'm sad I missed it. You know where I was? At the grocery store. <laughs> he'll be on. Now, for those of you listening to the podcast, he'll be on in the future probably a lot sooner than you may think because there's going to be some vacation talk that gets edited out of this one. And uh, <laughs> <clears throat> But he was talking about, and Scott, I, we've never talked about this per se um, because I've always assumed they were a little bit out of your wheelhouse. But What's that? He brought up the Transformers. Woo! Yeah. Yes. Well, calm down. Yeah. He okay. Okay, he I'm was talking about down. how he didn't really like the the last one. Oh, okay. So, Teresa, you were actually on Geek Out Loud to talk Transformers. I was earlier this year or last year. Yeah. Um And and you really liked the fourth one. 
I did really like the fourth one. I mean, I agree. There's like a huge chunk of it where on the ship, they were in there up in the air and on the ship, they could probably cut that out. But I really enjoyed it. I thought Optimus was fantastic. He yeah. did such a good job. He did. So, he was, I was so proud of him. I was so proud of him. Now, Scott, where do you stand on the old Transformers? Hi, Steve. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really like Marvel's Transformers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the comic. Yeah, was great. Was uh, great. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, that's a good answer you just gave, sir. <laughs> well done. You spoke volumes. You. you spoke Thank volumes you. without uttering a word. No. <laughs> but the comic Transformers didn't have Rain Wilson as an astronomy professor. No, but the comic Transformers had Spider Man. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They but that when they reprinted it, they couldn't reprint that issue. Because IDW had them at that point, and they couldn't do oh, the Spider-Man. speaking of Disney. Yeah. Why in the world is IDW publishing all the Disney comics all of a sudden? Teresa? What was that? ID, IDW just announced they're going to start publishing Walt Disney comics and stories and all these other classic Disney titles. It's like, what? didn't Marvel make a big deal about how they want to bring everything back? Wasn't that why they went and snatched Star Wars away from Dark Horse? Um, That happened because, I don't Okay, I mean, I could talk about that forever. Um, but on the question that you asked me, um, I don't really care how or why they did it because IDW is my publisher and I know people over there and they're awesome to me and they, I have access to um, all of the issues before they come out so I can review them for my website and stuff. So nice. I don't care. I'm excited. And I'm excited about Jim that's coming out, and I read the crap out of My Little Pony, and Transformers, <laughs> and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I Give just, me IDW all day long. I just want <laughs> to talk about the phrase, I read the crap out of My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a uh, more awkward, fun <laughs> phrase uttered on Geek Out Loud. Well, it's probably, oh, come best, on. That probably best that Marvel didn't keep the Disney properties, because I can see those eight-page Mickey Mouse stories turn into five-issue miniseries. Oh, I know, right? For the trade. See, but the thing is, is IDW has some really great artists, you know, and they have, I mean, just awesome people and awesome storytellers. And I don't know, maybe it's because I just know IDW better than I know Marvel, but, like, I just, I'm happy about it. I think it's cool. I just think it's odd, though, don't you? Oh, well, who knows what's going on back there in weird publisher land, (laughs) you know? But here's no. the thing, like, I mean, I review comics and Star Wars comics and books for Star Wars Bookworms, and, you know, I'm kind of glad that we're moving away from Dark Horse and going into Marvel, because, you know, Dark Horse was great. They did a fantastic job with the Star Wars comics, but it started mm-hmm. to get to a point where it was very repetitive, and it was like, oh, Darth Vader story, oh, Darth Vader story, and I was like, come on! <laughs> so, um, I think it's good, and I love Marvel number one, uh, or Star Wars number one, um, you know, like you, I heard what you said about it, and you're right. The art kind of did sort of fall off. I've heard though that the artist takes a really long time. Yeah, so he's, he's a deadline misser. He's, yeah. yeah, he's a deadline misser. So you know, maybe that's why. But I love the way that Chewie looked. You know, and um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to get the OT characters. I mean, you've seen if you've seen Star Wars comics, sometimes they just look awful. You know, yeah, I, I've seen a few Star Wars comics. Yeah. You mean, well, yeah, no, let me tell you, Teresa, you don't understand. <laughs> oh, I'm, I I will say this. I mean, I'm not a diehard Star Wars comic fan, and I'm sure he knows more about them oh, than I do, Scott, and he's seen way more than me. Scott Rifen has, yeah, he's got them all. Uh, there's no doubt. There's no question. 
It's it's a little sick. It's Teresa. You listen. It's not healthy. Yeah, Scott, I wish I could describe to you Scott's little geek room that he's got. It's bookshelves with just on on one bookshelf. It's like comic trades stacked two or three deep. On another, it's all Star Wars novels stacked two or three deep. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything like that, but I do have every issue of My Little Pony in every cover. <laughs> well, and not on, no, hit Scott is to Star Wars literature as you are to Galactic Heroes. Okay, well, yeah. I have a lot of those. There I you have go. every one of them, actually. Exactly, exactly. Wow. That's my point right there. And that's a feat because there was a lot of Galactic Heroes and a lot of repaints and a lot of repackages, and I got them. Yeah, that is a feat. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Did you get the Celebration 5 exclusive, Luke, with the helmet? Um, I actually do believe I have that because there was somebody there that got that for me. Okay. So, see, I have those people that I'm like, okay, you're going to go here and here and here, and you're going to get this for me and that for me. <laughs> so. Well, there that yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> Teresa, Teresa has an entourage when she goes to these places. <laughs> no, but I also do that for people. Like when I was living near Disney and people needed stuff from Disney, I would get it for them. Yeah, Teresa got picked me up a hat when we were down there at Star Wars Weekends last year. Mm-hmm. I was like, I really dug this hat and I didn't take the chance to get it. Teresa, can you grab that for me when you're in the park? And you know what? She did. Absolutely. Awesome. And I still wear it to this day. Well, guys, um, <clears throat> I'm going to bump you both now. <laughs> no, I want to okay. talk about My Little Pony and Care Bears. Mm, well, before, before, before you bump us, Teresa, can I get your commitment to do my Star Wars story? Absolutely. All right, done. Committed, done. Boom. Committed. Boom. Committed. Yeah. So, guys, thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for being a part of this thing all day. And, Teresa, oh. thank you for... I said great things about you earlier when you weren't listening, Teresa. Oh, I miss so, great things. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what you said, but I will trust you. Yeah. Well, we got to clear the board. Oh, real quick. I... Uh, uh, Teresa, I'm going to uh, let you go because ah. I do have one more thing for Scott. Oh no! I see how it is. Yeah, I, I, I see how it you is. You know, I, well, we were together for three hours already. I'm today. just joking. All right, have a good night, Teresa. Thank you again so much for everything today. You're welcome. All right, bye. see you. And that, right. my friends, oh, that's Teresa Delgado from uh, from Disney Vault talking to me. Scott, I got an email. I, I'd ask for first time emailers to send emails to Geek Out Loud. Mm-hmm. on the last show. Michael C. Smith has chimed in. And he says, Hi, I love the show. Your show is very informative and interesting. While I not have not only while I have only recently subscribed to the show, I actually been listening to podcasts for a while. And I'm not new to fandom, whether it's Star Wars, pop culture, collecting toys. I've been there with you and the rest of the geeks out there for much of my life, right from when I saw Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven as a kid. This year I think it's going to be geek overload year and can't wait. I probably am going to be broke by the end of it. So here's a question. <laughs> Do you think have you are you up on Star Wars Rebels? Have you are you caught up on Star Wars Rebels? Me? Yeah. No. If by caught up you mean I have every one of them on my DVR, then the answer is yes. Have you seen Ezra's lightsaber? Oh, is this the one with that shoots? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, look, it looks kind of like a it, it looks kind of like a staple gun. It's got a it's got a handle that goes all the way around. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, "Do you think Dave Filoni got the idea of Ezra's staple saber?" From the vintage 12-inch lights, Luke 12-inch lightsaber. Interesting, because it's got a handle on it. Yes, just like it. When I saw this email, I'm like, this is what I want to run by Scott. You know, that's a, that is really bizarre, because I hadn't even thought about that until he said that, until you read that, and it does have a little handle on it. The I know, right? Exactly. And did you do uh, the 12-inch back in the day? 
I did what I could. Yeah. But there wasn't. I mean, let's be honest. There wasn't a lot of play value in the 12 inches. But no, I did. I had Luke. No. I had Solo. I had 3PO. I had Vader. Great yeah. Vader. Loved the Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. I, you know, I, I had. I had a number of them. I uh, when he said that, it just blew my mind. I'm like, it, I bet yeah, it was. That's so great. I'm going to talk to the Rebel Force guys to get uh, to to get Dave Floney and ask him if that's where that where that's inspired from because I think that's, that's a great grab. Didn't even occur to me. No, that's I, I think brilliant. that's a great grab. Great grab. I figured you'd dig that. So yeah, great first letter. To, yeah, I wanted to get that on to you while while we were here. While I had you here, man. I, listen, I just want to say thanks to you, buddy. You you've supported the show a lot in. And and you're always nice to me and and I and I told you this before I'll tell you this publicly I've told you privately, you you will compliment me on things and because you're professional oh stop I it. want you to know I take it so much to heart and I really appreciate it so means oh the world stop to me. well you know what you are and I'm going to tell you something the podcasting field is a rather crowded one uh, you are one of the best out there well and you are one of the ones who encourages other people even though it's a, you know there are a lot of people who it's a crowded field stay out of here i'm doing this and you don't do you are you are very encouraging and supportive of others who want to do similar well i mean and i think that's great it's it's the internet it's it's almost infinite room for crying out loud yeah you're so right there's you're something right. for everybody so but uh, and happy birthday buddy well thank you man i appreciate it I, I plan on celebrating by doing a lot of stuff with a lot of people where i'd rather be by myself so <laughs> I understand that feeling and i just want you to know i'm bumping you for jimmy mac right now so oh wow yeah wow. so so well, just just understand that it's not it's it's not personal it's just we got to clear the phone lines i got you but do me a favor yeah hit him up for my star wars story i will I, he'll be great he'll be great you guys are right at the same age and doing the same thing oh my gosh you could <laughs> you oh i've got to be there for this one because it's going to be like let's out broadcast each other <laughs> So thanks so much, man. Have right, a great man. night, and uh, you can't live with him. You can't live without him. There's something irresistible about him. That's right. You, you almost got me there. No more collars. Oh, I should have sung it, shouldn't I? That's right. No more collars. <laughs> There's something irresistible-ish about him. Nice. Okay. Have a good night, my friend. We'll talk See to you ya. soon. See ya. Yes, sir. What's happening, man? What's happening? Ladies and gentlemen from Rebel Force Radio, the Bondcast, Black Hawk Talk, and just all around great guy, Jimmy Mack. Yes, thank you, Steve. So I was just uh, just checking out here uh, your page. Yes, sir. The, fun, the fundraising page. We have met and surpassed the goal, sir. This is awesome. Uh, yes, I know we wanted to raise fifteen hundred dollars that's today. right that's and right we are at 1545 1545 it's huge and and the page will be up all week long and mm -hmm. people still have a chance to be directed to it and give so i'm hoping we just blow this thing out of the water by next saturday when when the uh last day for giving is done all right we're at 1545 now mm -hmm. so i would like it to be at a nice round number yeah so let's make it sixteen hundred dollars with $55 donation on behalf of Rebel Force Radio. All right, Jimmy Mack, ladies so? and gentlemen. Man, that's awesome, dude. Thank yes, you so that's much. What's, that's happening right now, Rebel Force Radio. I'm, I'm typing it in as we speak. Tell me about your day. Mm -hmm. I've missed everything today. I was, I was tuning in here and there throughout the day. Yeah. So I shouldn't say I missed everything, but... What have you been doing for the last couple hours so Sit, I can get caught up? Sitting in front of a microphone. We uh, we started out this morning with a big honking show with my original co-host, Buck Thompson. Uh, and we just had a blast. He told, uh, he's he's a family man. 
And so, and you know how that is, you know, with the family stories that go down and that sort of thing. He's got a four-year-old son that they bought a trampoline for Christmas. And we had a windstorm blow through a few weeks ago. And he looked outside his window and his trampoline was about 100 yards down the road. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about, and he had, he talked about dragging that up. And as soon as he got <laughs> it in the yard, the wind caught it again and ripped it out of his hands. Oh, my God. Yeah. Could you imagine if he held on too tight? <laughs> That's right. He would have found himself <laughs> hang gliding. Exactly. With a trampoline, of all trampoline. things. <laughs> well, at least when you fall out of the sky, if you throw the trampoline down and it lands on the ground, you can, you bounce, can bounce off back. of it yes, safely. to break your fall. That's right. That's right. So I, I'm, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm like, I'm like, you know, you guys are, the birds flying by overhead in a V, and I'm that one bird trying to catch up with the rest of the V. Wait for me, guys! Guys, guys, guys. Hey, you can throw the trampoline down! Yeah, yeah, we talked about that hours ago. Thanks. Uh, from the uh, from there, we, we did some Disney Vault talk and talked about our top ten favorite live-action Disney films. Woo! Now, Three. listen, I finally got my copy of Jungle Book on DVD. Oh, nice, with Brandon Fraser? No, no, the good one... <laughs> Oh, Jungle Book, not George of the Jungle. No, wrong jungle, my friend. I got the... Oh. No, no. I was the jungles my... we hang out in do not have Brendan Fraser in it. So Axel Rose will not be found in our jungle. This is an Axel Rose free jungle. I, I, why was that going to George of the Jungle? George of the Jungle. What are you... Uh, you've been on the air for a while now. Oh, man. Yeah, Jungle Book. You're going to come on Disney Vault Talk and Talk Jungle Book with yeah, us. Jungle Book is one of my all-time favorite oh, Disney It's so films. good. It's so you, good. You know what was fun? In the 70s, Disney did a full-on theatrical re-release of Jungle Book. Yeah. So to me, it was a new film. Right. And I remember um, Baskin-Robbins, or 31 Flavors, I'm, whatever they called themselves back then. I, I call it heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they did a promotional tie-in with Jungle Book back in the day. Oh, wow. It was a special banana-flavored ice cream. Ugh. <laughs> not a fan. That was a reaction of children <laughs> year, you know, around the world. Yeah, yeah not a fan. <laughs> not really? Banana? Really? You couldn't even, couldn't even give us coconut! Exactly. You couldn't just call it some jungle, some you know, jungle loving chocolate or something like. That. Yeah, right. why don't you save the banana flavor for the the Brendan Fraser Georgia Georgia? The jungle the, that's film. right. <laughs> that was Brendan Fraser who did that, right? Am I totally off George, on the yes, Georgia? No, no, the okay. live action Georgia the Jungle was definitely Brendan Fraser. All right, I just want to make sure I'm not totally off on that. <laughs> So, and I'm sure that's what you called me to talk about, were uh, the yeah. films of Brendan Fraser. Right, yes. Encino Man, George of the Jungle. No. Um, and then, well, you were asking where we went. So we did Disney Vault Talk, and then we did our Mark Out Loud. We looked back at the first ever Royal Rumble from 1988. Ooh. Yeah, that I, was... I, I know where I was when that happened. What in the world? I, <laughs> I was at the Vic Theater Yeah, on, on the near north side in Chicago. And, um, yeah, we, we were there watching a uh, closed-circuit broadcast of, of the event. Of the Royal Rumble? The, the Royal Rumble, yes, sir. In 1988? Yes. Oh, because yes. it was aired on USA Network. Oh, was it? Well, we were there for the, uh, maybe not closed-circuit, I should say, but just a live okay. you know, broadcast cool. of it. The one that Hacksaw Jim Duggan won? Yes, oh, that wow. was definitely it. Okay, wow, yeah. So, so w we WF. Yes, sir. We talked through that, and then what was next? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, my, my stuff. Oh, I did a Steve Star Wars corner. 
Yeah. Um, what did you talk about? I just talked about uh, some of the some of the things we don't really talk about when we talk about some of these characters. And I started by talking about Chewie, and and just talking about how you know Chewie is really a broad character that's painted in very subtle strokes on screen. Okay. You know, we we all know he's loyal to Han and everything, but when you just see how attached he is to the rest of everyone else that comes into their life, uh, and then when you get back even to Revenge of the Sith, and you see the kind of honor that he has, where not just he but all the Wookies, when they just choose, we're going with the we're going with the Jedi on this one, you know, and 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 you see Wookies killed in that instance, and they save Yoda, of course, and help him get to his ship and all. Um, but he's also got this this bit of cowardice about him. Not cowardice, but you know, he knows he's got a good flight sense. I think one of my favorite parts of Star Wars is when they're down in the trash compactor and he's up on the door. Of course, you know they had to put Mayhew up there because of the costume and everything, but of course, yes. they made it work because there's the one moment when the Dianoga roars and Chewie looks back and then he just looks back at the door and starts beating on it even harder than he was before. <laughs> You know what's interesting about that scene is I always remember the sound design being way more subtle than it was when they put the films out during the special edition. Yeah. Now, of course, Star Wars had so many different sound mixes. It's hard to tell which sound mix they were choosing from. But, if you know, I grew up with the v- VCR release, yes. the VHS yeah. tapes. Mm-hmm. So that sound mix is the one that I pretty much treat as the real deal. It, yeah. yeah. I and think I noticed when do. they put out the special edition that having Chewie up on that that little plank there and he's he's hitting on the walls and hitting on the door and stuff those him knocking and everything makes like a louder that, sound it was it was so much more exaggerated yeah. post special yeah. edition and uh and it made the scene funnier actually yes yes but and I, that's a that whole sequence is a great example of when humor is really Hitting it on all cylinders in Star Wars. Yeah, because it's just a great. It, it's it's not delivered in your face, though. It's right there on screen. It's it's kind of. <laughs> I just love it. It's a great double take. It's classic double take kind of comedy where he looks back, hears the roar, turns back to the door, and bang, 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 bang. But but then you see him in Empire when Han has gone out to to chase Luke down, and you just kind of see the sorrow when he's worried about Han being out there, and they're pretty much convinced he's dead. You know, you see how quickly he takes to the Ewoks, and and what it and what I and what I branched off of that is saying there's this there's this theme of friendship that runs through the original trilogy, that you don't even see in the prequel trilogy, that you know from from Han and Luke to Han and Chewie, uh, bring Leia into the mix with those guys. That as much as there's a love story between Han and Leia, and maybe a little bit in Empire, a bit of a triangle, you know, when they don't really know what's really going on. But at the end of the day, these are tight friends who are willing to, Han's willing to lay down his life for Luke and Empire. He knows, you know, I mean, his last, your Tauntaun will die before it reaches the first marker. Well, I'll see you in hell, you know, and he takes off. It's just the <laughs> idea of these guys are going to do for each other. And you miss that in the prequels. And I think that's one of the things that Anakin was missing. Anakin, ah. and, Obi- Anakin and Obi-Wan had a friendship. But I think Obi-Wan really looked at that friendship as being something deeper than even Anakin did. Yes. You know, and Anakin had his relationship with Padme, but he was so intent on holding on to her that that he kind of missed just living and enjoying that moment. And the only person that he really had that he would consider a friend was Palpatine. But because of the stoicness of the Jedi and everything else, you don't really see that that through line of just deep 
friendship for one another like you do in the original trilogy. And I think that plays into some of Anakin's downfall. I certainly hope the guys who are making the sequels nowadays take that into account, too, is the, the chemistry the characters have amongst each other. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty important that we feel like we're along the ride with these mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. And so we need characters that we can relate to. And we either relate to them based on their characteristics or how they act around other people. And those are the things that connect an audience with the on-screen characters. Yep. And uh, definitely, I hope with the sequel films that there's a lot of attention being paid to that dynamic. Because it, it's easy to, to push that to the wayside when you're dealing with a production that is so heavily leaning on special effects. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. you know. And two, you're leaning heavily on the mythology aspect of everything. You know, we're talking about a movie coming out that's The Force Awakens. And I hope that it doesn't become so broad and so big that we are that we do miss those little character moments. I think that's one of the successes of Rebels, is that we're getting to see this family dynamic and this family come together in that show. And and so you really invest in those relationships they have with one another. And it makes it matter that much more on the screen. Absolutely, Steve. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm not really paying attention, but I just want to make sure that my donation went through. Oh, okay. Well, I I don't want people listening and looking at the page at the same time going, oh, this guy's all talking. Oh, we're there, man. $1,600. Thanks to Rebel Force Radio. Thank you so much. I like the nice round number. And I like the comment up yours, Cancer. (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a controversial stand you've taken, Jimmy Mac. But I know, but, I know, but it needs to be said. That's right. <laughs> it needs to be said. That's right. That's right. And, and I appreciate you guys having the guts to say it. I know. Yeah, something like up yours, cancer. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, it, I, I know I'm skating on thin ice, and uh, I'll probably get a lot of hate mail from all those cancer supporters out there. But uh, no, up yours, cancer, and we're fighting a good fight here with Steve. And uh, sixteen hundred bucks, man! That's wow, that's awesome. impressive in yeah. one day. Yeah, thank you guys so much. That's it's amazing. It is just amazing, and and so appreciative. And so I hope that next year when we do this, we can double that or triple that that number, depending on where we're at with listenership and that sort of thing. Well, I definitely want to see it grow, and I want to see this be something we do on a regular basis for Cure and and whoever else and other charities and that sort of thing. Jim, we were talking about Rebels, or I mentioned Rebels, and I want to bring something up to you. We had an email from Michael C. Smith. Um, and, and he said, he said, I've got a question. Do you think Dave Filoni got the idea of Ezra's staple saber from the vintage 12 inch Luke lightsaber? Oh, I know exactly. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember that he had that handle that you could, yeah, just like that. Because they couldn't figure out a way to make the action figure have the, the hand molded to hold on to to the lightsaber hilt. Right. So they did give him something of a little, uh, uh, a little bit of assistance. Uh, it, it's like, yeah, and, and it slips over the hand like that. It slips over the hand, yeah. And, uh, and I just, I wouldn't put it past Dave Filoni. Just knowing him from seeing various interviews and stuff and, and knowing that he took their models from for the TIE Fighters for the show more from the Kenner toy line than, 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 than the, what was actually on screen, that sort of thing, um, that, that he said, well, guys, you know, we got this 12-inch lightsaber here. We should do this. This yeah, one. for sure. I mean, look at the influence that toys have already had on the series. You have the Imperial Troop Transport, mm-hmm. a vehicle from the vintage days, the vintage Kenner days, which is now finally seeing a showcase on the screen because Dave Filoni included it in Rebels. Yeah. 
and it was never on the screen before, and now there it is. Look at the Inquisitor's lightsaber. That gyroscopic spinning design is based on a, a Hasbro General Grievous lightsaber. Yep, yep. So, so I, I'm I, just, I didn't make that connection. You know what? I didn't either. Dave, um, Dave has mentioned to us that he would like to come on Rebel Force Radio at the end of the season to answer our questions. And I keep a file of things that I plan on asking Dave next time I talk to well, him. Well, that so was what I was going to tell you. Sling that in there. Yeah, throw that in there. Because, I, it, I, again, I wouldn't put it past him based on some things I've heard him say and do. And, um, and can I just say Love and Rebels, by the way. Yeah, you know yep, it's it's sure. been a great show. But so that was Steve Star Wars Corner. Back to the original point, and then we went from that into Rock Out Loud, and we focused in on the songs of the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Ooh, yeah, boy, that now that's a show. It was that deep. can go on for a week. Oh, it got deep, sir. It, there were tears shed. It was amazing. Tears. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, they're just Bruce has a way of just hitting home with some things, Jim, and and just bringing out things that you never knew you didn't deal with. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all great art does. That's right. Definitely one of the great American voices. Yes. And as an American, you feel connected to Bruce just on that alone. But yeah, his his lyrics do go deep and uh, he's definitely a very talented musician. Let me hijack the rock out loud for just a minute and and make it my own and yours. Um, There's been a lot of posts lately, and and I've seen a lot of talk about some of the Zeppelin stuff. And I know you're a big Zeppelin fan. Yes. um, As am I. My co-host, Kristen, on Rock Out Loud, not so much. And she likes to cite plagiarism a lot, and she likes to cite a bunch of other stuff that's going on. Yeah. Now, as a a big Zeppelin fan, how do you respond to some of these things? Well, number one, uh, there there has been a lot that has followed them over their career. That's right. About what they have appropriated mm-hmm. for their music. And, um, you know, going back to the old Willie Dixon, whole lot of love, right. there was a lawsuit, you know. Um, and I think Zeppelin now on all their releases does credit Willie Dixon for, uh, oh, Michael McInerney has jo- just joined us. Uh oh. Hold on, Michael may have overheard the conversation. So, and Michael is a he's he's 15 years old, but he's a brilliant musician, and he actually oh, well, is. Thank you. He's he's a techni- he's a musical technician and a music historian. Oh. and so Michael, apparently, you have a few things to say about these Led Zeppelin lawsuits. Yes, I do. While some of them may say hi to, to Steve first. Hi, Steve. Hi, Michael. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. Well, thank you for letting me just burst in here glad to do so sir i mean i heard you through the floorboards dad so i think that that warrants a burst (laughs) note to self acoustic paneling for the room is necessary siri remind me of the acoustic siri (laughs) go on michael while i'm all one for credit where credit is due and i play the i've played live numerous times the uh jake holmes version of dazed and confused Mm -hmm. from 1967 two years before zeppelin did it right i um i think some of them were genuine ripoffs one of them was accidental with ann brendan who wrote uh (laughs) uh, what is it again how does one do an accidental ripoff well let me explain ann brendan a folk singer wrote um Babe, I'm going to leave you. Right. And the way 
Jimmy Page and Robert Plant heard about it was from a Joan Baez live album. Mm. Now, she had it credited as traditional. Oh, okay. So, so I, I, if I remember correctly, they put traditional arranged by Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Yeah. But in the following years, like shortly after Zepp did it, and Brennan reached out to them, and I'm honestly surprised that a compromise was able to be made. But for some strange reason, the credit for it now read... Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, and Ann Brendan. Hmm. Oh, well, there's a reason for that. Well, because Robert Plant put his own spin on some of the lyrics. Right. And Robert did not receive any songwriting credits for the first album. He received no songwriting credits hmm. for that entire first album. The, Jimmy Page weird. decided to extend songwriting credits to, to Plant for the work he did on certain songs, most yeah, notably, I'm, I'm Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. I'm going to give him a songwriting. <laughs> All right, very good. That's Michael's Jimmy Page impersonation. It's, it's, it's a work I, in progress. I, I think you're, you're a little too energetic, and you need to pull back a little bit to really nail true Jimmy Page. You know, here, you just, just work with me on this. Just keep saying over and over again, 1975, yeah, of course. Hmm? Okay, very good. But <laughs> while some of them are ripoffs, Others, I think, are kind of complete malarkey. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you think about the lawsuit that's going on right now with the band Spirit and their song, which was titled what? Um, Taurus. Taurus. And they claim that Zeppelin stole the basis of Stairway to Heaven from that particular track. And now here we are 45 years later, <laughs> and it suddenly dawned on them that perhaps there may be a similarity between the two songs, and so they've taken Zeppelin to court. Well, the funny thing about this is it's just an A minor with a descending bass run, which is common in a lot of, like, Celtic folk music. That's exactly what Steve just texted me this afternoon. Yeah, He's like, what about this this, this descending (laughs) Celtic business? That's right, exactly. This is more than just a coincidence. Exactly. It was was all in caps, too. I I couldn't believe it. it I was so just blown away by it. I look at it like, well, you're right. Michael, it, it's it's a it's a descending line. It's it's all this. It's it's typical. It's a very basic music format that's going to be easy. I, I look at it this way: it's the Avengers Attack of the Clones dilemma. When Loki is stepping out uh, from from his place in Germany, where he gets the guy's eyeball, and he's stepping out, and his and his suit and all is turning into the full Loki, and he's going to make the people kneel. This is just before he faces down Captain America. There is a there is a a couple of there are a couple of measures there that sound just like the Camino piece from Attack of the Clones. Aha. Mm-hmm. And I and no one's going to say Alan Silvestri ripped off John Williams. Well, I mean, you kind of just said those two names in a sentence. Well, no, but I mean, what what Steve is saying is that it's, there are coincidences in life. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, but I do have one last thing to say on the subject. Okay, it's kind of documented that. They were in some form fans of Spirit. I mean, they did Fresh Garbage. They which did is perfor- Spirit. Yeah, song. they performed that in the early shows. So it could be possible that Jimmy Page heard this song at some point and either it directly inspired the intro or it, he, it just came to him subconsciously. So the thing about this is could Taurus have inspired? 
the intro to Stairway to Heaven? Certainly, it could have. I mean, there are facts that could link the two. There are facts that link the two bands together. But did they rip it off? No. No. No, it's not note for note. No, it's definitely it's, not Vanilla Ice and Under Pressure. No, it's not. <laughs> and, and so you can, next time you go to the guitar shop, you can be sure when this, this topic of conversation comes up to throw down the whole Avengers, Attack of the Clones connection. I'm, I'm sure the guys at uh, Stone, <laughs> Stone Grove Guitar will eat that up. Yeah, Wayne guy's yeah. a pretty big Star Wars fan. Oh, is he? Yeah. Do you tell him about Rebel Force Radio? Have you? I've I've plugged here and there. You plugged. You got to get the word out, man. Yeah, we, we need we need word of mouth here to spread the word. I should also make mention of Geek Out Loud. Yes, hosted by course. Steve Gawson. Yeah, definitely yeah, Rock not, Out Loud. And, and and Steve is just not any podcaster. According to Jedi News, he is a podcasting legend, my Ooh, friend. Jedi did News you, said that? Yeah, did you see that? No, Teresa yeah, must have wrote that for him. <laughs> well, you know what? I looked at it and I nodded my approval. Well, I said, yes, indeed. Well, thank you. Thank yes, you. Yes, indeed. He feed the needy, is what I said. Jim, you. He is a podcasting legend. Now, I don't know if you heard prior to. Michael, you still there? No. Uh, did you ask if I was still here? Yeah. Yes. I was just going to say thanks for stopping by, man. It's good to talk to you. Well, once again, thanks for letting me barge in and give my two cents. Anytime. Yeah, maybe we'll have to get Michael on Rock Out Loud sometime. That's what I'm saying, man. He he can take over my role. Well, he throws down. He I'm, throws get, down. I'm getting schooled every week by Kristen on Rock Out Loud as it is, so... Do you um, want to do a, Do you want to do a song? Would Steve be interested in hearing Michael do a song? Yes. You want to do something? Like maybe some Bob Dylan? Oh. You want to do a, a Bob Dylan? Um, can you do? Uh, I want you. Just, just right now. Yeah, just go get the harmonica and the guitar, and let's do it. Yeah, man. Come on, man. Uh, okay. I could give you some reverb. I have reverb. Uh, you do have reverb. That yes. is that is tempting. And you also uh, get my my personal mix. I can do my Bob Dylan. Let's hear it. Hey, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's yep. all you need to do. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Go get your guitar. All right, well, this is awesome. I'm, I'm putting a kid on the spot. That's awesome. Oh, <clears throat> by the way, Steve. Yes. I do have reverb, and I have a special treat for you. Okay. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Been fighting this cold. This has been the most persistent cold I've had in years. All right, here we go. Steve. Glossin. <laughs> you like that? How about that? <laughs> Big honking Steve. <laughs> hey, be careful. This stuff may get incorporated into some intros somewhere. <laughs> big, 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 honking, 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 choking, 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 big, big, honking, honking, Steve. Now, now, Jim, I used to have a board that had. Uh, some reverb and stuff on it. Push of a button, you could go reverb. And I would always do the uh, the floating heads from the Krypton scene in Superman the movie, and just rock, oh. and just rock guilty, guilty. And you know, it had just have that reverb on it they had in those chambers. But I don't have that board anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah, guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> No, yeah, when you yeah. do that, that one guilty you do yeah, sounds like yeah. you're in, sounds like you're in a Chinese shampoo commercial. Guilty. Yeah. He's having too much fun with that. <laughs> That's right. But if you listen to the scene, it's it, the first guy goes guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah, he's then like Then the second guy goes 
Guilty. 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 Is it really? Because I was just guilty. No, guilty. And then the third guy goes. Third guy goes. He's very serious. The third guy. And he's straight to the point too. Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. He just. He's very. He's very flat. And then here's a little bit of trivia about those three heads. One of them is John Hollis, Lobot actor. No way. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Lobot was a Kryptonian judge. Yes, he was, sir. Wow. Yes, he was. I'm going to be I, looking for that next time I watch that movie. Oh my god! I just geeked out the geek out loud. That is aw- no, I never knew that. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I wanted to tell you before you were on, I had Scott Rifen on, and yes. Scott Rifen is—he's uh, actually a broadcaster from over on the coast of Georgia here, about an hour and a half from me. But he has some great podcasts. He has one called My Star Wars Story. I don't know if you've heard this or seen about this. And basically, what he does is he gets people on to just tell their Star Wars story. And it is phenomenal because you have a bunch of just fans talking about how they discovered Star Wars, what their life has been like since Star Wars, and you guys need to hook up with Scott and go on My Star Wars Story. My, that's the name of the show, mm-hmm. My, My Star, Star Wars, Wars Story. Story. Yeah, he, he was telling us that he, had, he got Steve Sansweet to come on, and they told him he had 30 minutes with Steve, and Steve ended up going for an hour and a half. <laughs> that's great. So... Um, well, obviously, uh, Steve has quite the story to tell. Yeah, yeah. So and, uh, I think yeah, you guys, told. I think you guys would be great for it. Man, tell them to reach out. I, I'd love to do it. Well, I'm going to. I'm going yeah. to. It's it's a it's a great show. I was on an episode. I actually drove over, did it in person, sat down and had lunch with he and his wife, and man, we had a blast. Because oh, so he's out by you? Yeah, he's about an hour and a half from me. Not far at all. Hold on one second, Steve. Hey, Michael. Can you give me a beer? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, he's bringing. Oh, he's bringing his guitars. I forgot we asked. Him yeah. About wow. That. Okay. You, so you forgot. I was waiting on him. I was just filling time till he got back. Oh. Okay. I was oh, vamping. Let me get the reverb where I want it to be. Check. Check. That's that's pretty big. Check. 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 Oh, hey, watch this. Watch this. No. Hello, I am C3PO, Human Cyborg Relations. Oh my. Jim, what is this toy you have? <laughs> it's just a little reverb unit. Yo, yo, yo. Yo. Oh, oh okay. Here, here's us. First day at Star Wars Celebration. Okay, everyone. Welcome to uh, the uh, behind-the-scenes stage. <laughs> if you could all move up front. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Mack. And hello? Not at all. Did they open the doors yet? <laughs> Well, that's my biggest fear, you know. No, so not I, at all. I need you to be out there recruit. Oh, you're not going. No, I wish I was. Man, I wish I was. Oh, I would, can't believe you're not my, going. I wanted to get in. You know how on the main stage they always had that DJ guy up there playing tunes, spinning tunes and stuff? DJ Elliot. Yeah, I almost called you guys like, you need DJ Steve. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to assume. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think you guys are going to be great. Have you guys let... Has the, there hadn't been a schedule released yet, so you guys can't really say what you're doing on your stage. No, unfortunately, we yeah we have to keep everything yeah really top secret until schedule is released. I know that a lot of fans have been hearing um, in regards about whether or not they uh, they received approval from Lucasfilm to do a panel at the fan stages, and there's some great ideas out there for that. Nice, but I don't even think I'm allowed to talk about that. No, either, no, so. no. Uh, we have someone in the chat. We call her the Admiral. Her name's Alicia Pettit. We call her Admiral because of Admiral Piet. Admiral. Um, 
And she says, with Steve in the back going, I love you, Jimmy. And that's a throwback way back to Star Wars Celebration 5. And you guys coming back had played some audio, I think from the opening ceremony. And Steve Sansweet had made some kind of comment about you. You know how he's always giving you a hard time. And oh. in your audio, you could hear in the background someone go, we love you, Jimmy Mack. And that Let's was me. Can find it. Okay, hold that on now. Me. Let's see if we can uh, oh. jump into the Wayback Machine. Yeah, do you, uh, you've got it on that. Have you got it at the tip of your fingers, Jim? Do you have that kind of uh, recall for your files and stuff? Um, it was Ashley was on stage because I remember this. Yes, because they were talking about the, uh, the, the fashion show coming up. So I'm just uh, I'm going to look deep in my archives here. Yeah. Now, he may mention they may mention the, that other show. Oh, that's okay. Okay, if you know, for those who are listening and don't realize, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys are doing it like a WWE thing, where everything before is still WWE. You know, even though it was WWF. Well, no, I mean up until um, from 2006 to 2012, Jason and myself were hosts of the Force of the Force Cast. Right. Okay. I didn't and, know if uh, we were forgetting history yeah. or just you know because no. sometimes people want to forget history. I don't know. Oftentimes we do. Yeah. Um, because, never, you know, it's funny. Our listeners look at it as all one big thing. Right, and we, right. we do as well. Sure. So um, whatever it is that we've done in the past, I mean, it's it's still part of our our whole experience. Mm-hmm. And, and we've shared that with a lot of listeners throughout the years. Now, <clears throat> Jason and Pete started out doing the forecast. Were you on the board? Were you on board with them doing like? production elements and all for them from the beginning um i'll tell you what i uh was familiar with the force cast Mm -hmm. and um it was it it happened in an interesting time because when episode three was released i did this big um this thing for cbs radio in chicago this hour-long star wars radio special right I went out to Celebration 2 and 3 in yeah. Indianapolis. I gathered up a lot of interviews over the years, mm-hmm. just thinking to myself, wow, it would be great if I can actually air this <laughs> and uh, cover Star Wars legitimately, even though I had done some coverage of the special edition releases and things of that nature. I think I visited the line, too, the, uh, the, you know, when the fans all line yeah. up for the movie yeah, a so month in advance. Okay. Well, they were... They were doing that here in Chicago, and so I went out there a couple times, I think, with a cell phone, you know, to do reports back to uh, WCKG Radio, which was the station I was at at the mm-hmm. time. And, um, boy, I thought it was just it would just be great to put together a special. And I pitched it. The management bought it. And I put this special together. And it was like the most fun I ever had doing radio production because yeah. it was combined with Star Wars. And... Also, because it was 100% my own production. I was doing it all on my own. So um, that happened. And, and at that time, then, I became aware that some people were doing Star Wars podcasts. So I listened to them. And I was, you know, professional radio production guy. Right, right. And I said to myself, oh, this is amateur hour. This is, you know, I was being a snob. <laughs> right, sure, sure. I didn't recognize the power of the medium at that time. We're talking, you know, the years 2005. Mm-hmm. I'd even own an iPod at that time. And uh, I just, you know, I, I knew what was going on there. I listened to it, and it was pretty much what I thought it would be. And I, I moved on. About a year went by, and I had been seeing 
posts about the force cast, but I never actually listened because I was still maintaining that snobby edge. Sure. I'm a, prof- I'm a professional. I do production for radio broadcast only. How dare I even think about putting anything on the internet? Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it was a real snobby sort of way of thinking, but I mean, that's how the radio industry really sort of looked at that, at, at the internet as a whole, right. you know? Um, radio was still stinging from Napster at that point in time. At least some of radio was because it was assumed that people were downloading music instead of listening to it on the radio. Right. On the other side of the coin, I was downloading music from Napster exactly. and then playing it on the radio. So <laughs> right. that gets confusing. But I mean, like, so compared to a lot of my peers, though, I think I was a very early adapter to a lot of internet technology. At CBS Radio, I was the one who really championed the idea of putting computers into our studios. Oh, wow. So we can actually incorporate things like MP3s into AirPlay. Mm-hmm. And people didn't really understand that at first. At first. Nowadays, you can't walk into a studio anywhere without seeing many computer monitors right. all over the place, pretty much taking the place of all the equipment we used to use back in the old analog days. But that's another story for That's a, one of those, in my day. In my day, we were cutting tape and, <clears throat> and punching up carts. And oh, Thank you for the beer, by the way. Mm, you're welcome. Very, very good. Mm. Modelo Especial. <laughs> Modelo Especial. Modelo. For those, for those Saturday evenings when you're in the basement talking to Steve Gloss. For Saturday evening <laughs> geeking out. Geek it out. Saturday. What a, I couldn't think of a better way to spend Saturday. Oh, well, so, um, so uh, with the radio thing, so, so then about a year went by and I became aware of the Forest Cast, but never listened to it. Right. But it was a funny set of circumstances that led me to finally give a show a complete listen. And it all begins and ends with Wendy's knee replacement surgery. Mm. Okay, Wendy was off the air, and she was doing Afternoon Drive uh, with uh, another show. And um, she was off the air for a little while, getting this knee surgery done in December 2006. And... At, and, and she was getting the surgery done on the north side of Chicago. And we live out in the southwest suburbs. So it's a haul to right. get out there and see her. And I wanted to see her a few times a day. I wanted to take the kids out to see her. She was only in the hospital for like three or four days. tops. Sure. But um, I found myself in the car more than usual. And I also said, well, I don't want to listen to radio because I'm so sick of listening to radio all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a perfect time to not listen because Wendy's not on the air. So I really don't have anything to listen to. So I downloaded a Forcecast episode, burned it to CD because, as I said, I didn't have an iPod or anything. I I didn't understand how it all worked. But I understood the nature of MP3 files. So I downloaded the MP3 file and then burned it to a CD. And this is how I ended up listening to not only the Forcecast but other podcasts for a long time. Wow. I mean... For the better part of, I don't know, six months to maybe even a year. Yeah, yeah. Before I finally got that iPod. Right. But, um, so I started listening. And right away, the thing that jumped out to me was, number one, Jason Swank is a great communicator. Fantastic, fantastic. And he has such a crystal clarity in his presentation and his, in his conversational style. Yes. I think he's a great communicator. Yeah. I mean, 
better than like all these so-called professionals I've been working with in radio for years. He, Jason, when I first heard him, I said, this is a guy who's been doing radio apparently Mm -hmm. because he's Mm -hmm. that good. He is that good. But the funny thing is, is his radio experience is rather limited. However, he was a big radio fan. Yes. Yes. And he really dissected the nature of the way people would present talk radio. And I'm the type of guy who pretty much grew up in talk radio. My whole life, adult life, I've been producing all sort of radio shows, both, you know, weekend one-timers and as high profile as Howard Stern. I, um, when Howard Stern first came to Chicago, I was running things on our end as we took the feed from uh, New York. And uh, so I got to interact a lot with Howard's crew. Never really interacted with Howard at all, but uh, it was all part of the experience. And uh, worked with other, you know, probably the most, uh, if I think of like names you might know, I've worked with Bill O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. I've worked with Danny Bonaducci. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with Dennis DeYoung, who's the lead singer of Styx. I worked with Siskel and Ebert. Um, I've, I've got a pedigree. So, um, so I think if I hear something, and right away, I know it's it's really good, like how I felt the first time I heard Jason. Right. I think that means something, and it meant something to me. So I wanted to learn more and hear more, and, and Pete Nadel was the co-host of uh, with Jason at the time. Yeah. And I noticed, wow, Jason's really playing off him real well, and he's playing off Jason real well. And some of that you can just chalk up to, well, these guys are buddies, and they're around each other, and they have that layer of, you know, they have a comfortable air about them. But there was a rhythm about him, too, which I thought was pretty good. And I'm like, I think I know where they want the show to be. But they're not quite there. But I think I know how to get them there. And here's, these are the things I'm thinking about during that week. Is right, I'm right. Binge listening to all these shows and getting off on the fact that this is combining two things I love more than anything in the world. Radio broadcasting and Star Wars. And it's giving me that buzz hearing it that I got when I was producing my show for CBS. So I listened for about a week, uh, started on Monday. By Thursday, I I said to myself, I wonder if there's anything I can do to contribute to this. I knew there was a lot I can do to contribute to it, but I was just wondering if it was feasible and uh, how I would be accepted. Uh, What what kind of reception would I get if I suddenly... Wanted to stick my uh, neck into this 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 medium. Well, and, and because at that time, and Jason talked about this the first time I ever had you guys on the show. There's there was this mentality amongst podcasters of like, well, they're the man. That's <laughs> they're coming from broadcasting. We're doing something. We're we're pirate radio. You know, we're we're not get, we're not bound down to the man. So as much as you were looking at podcasting in kind of a snobbish way, as podcasters, they were looking at radio in kind of a snobbish way. Who is this radio guy that wants to come in and show us how it's done? That's right. Fan of the deep? What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, that one I kept quiet for a long time. I didn't even mention that until I was on your show. I know. I'm proud that that got broken on the the Geek Out Loud, by the way. (laughs) However, I understood what was happening here. I knew I was approaching it because of my love of Star Wars. Right. And because I finally found something that I can do to give back to the fan community that had given to me so much over the years. I wasn't a real big forum guy. I never have been. And I wasn't into building websites or doing technically geeky things like that. I, didn't, I still don't know how to really do that kind of thing. Um, but I do know how to do radio. 
and I do know how to produce audio. So I thought, well, maybe if I could just, you know, I don't know, add a little spit shine to what they're doing and polish up their show for them, it will give them a, a more professional sounding presentation. Excuse me. And, and give them something that I think is closer to what they want the show to sound like. So I approached it as a radio producer, as someone who's produced a lot of shows. You learn to kind of sit in the passenger seat and, you know, tell the driver where to go from time to time or present him with the tools he needs, build a show. And that's what I've always done professionally. But I knew when I came in there that they would be resistant to it. And there were other people involved outside of Jason and Pete. Uh, Dustin Roberts, who's still the um, content manager of TheForce.net, um, he played a hand in putting us all together. He is the guy I reached out to. I, I think I just sent an email, an initial email to, sure. to Forcecast. And then um, I threw in a couple of production pieces I had done for the CBS show. You know, just so, with something like, oh, there's more of this where this came from, you know, something like that. And, uh, and I really just wanted to help. But I knew I'd get some resistance from Jason and Pete. I just felt it. I thought it would only be natural. Right. So right away, they were being, you know, they were being kind of short and cold to me. Um, they would, they were testing me. I know they were testing me. Because the first thing they wanted me to do was put together a show open. They wanted a new show open. <laughs> and they wanted that number. <laughs> And so, well, I think, so, of course, I just took the traditional Star Wars theme right. and made something out of it. And they're like, uh, as a matter of fact, I, you know what? I'm going to do something I've never done before. No way. I'm going to actually play. No way. The original intro I did for them. Just give me a second. On here. the Gulliver's Marathon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is huge. This is big. Force cast audio. This is something we've, no one's ever heard this, Jim. Oh, by the way, we've been saying Force Cast a lot. I want everyone to uh, just give me a second here and say Rebel Force Radio. Rebel, Rebel Force, Force Radio, Radio. Rebel Force Radio. That's right. Because the Force Cast does still exist, and they've carried on with other hosts. Right. Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio revealing the first piece of Star Wars fan audio that he sent out to a podcast. Oh, I must still have it. I, You know what? I know I lost some things over oh, the years. Okay, well, never mind. No, no, no. Hold on. <clears throat> Show open. This one says Imperial Troops. So this may be it. I mean, these are files I haven't opened in a long time. Let's wow. just, how long is this? All right, this is about a minute long. Let's see what this okay. is. Ooh, that didn't sound right, did it? I didn't get anything coming through. Ooh, that's odd. Why is that file playing that way? Uh-oh. I'm getting some weird sounds here out of my software. Uh-oh. Let me try playing it out of something else. Okay, well, I wasn't getting anything that time around. Oh, it sounds, it really, it sounds like a Cylon. Um, oh, no. <laughs> It was messed up. And I, you know what? If I mean, we'll figure out a way to do this because I can't just say I'm going to do it. Oh, that's if Jim, if you can't get it, you can't get it. We're not. Listen, I've always said, geek out loud, we're at the height of mediocrity right now. We're about to break through to good. And in this year, we're going to be a good podcast by the end of the year. Oh, God, I have to disagree with that. You are one of the few podcasts I listen to. Well, I appreciate it. Oddly enough, Steve, I don't listen to many Star Wars podcasts and never did because I'm so overwhelmed with all the work sure. I have to do on my own. <clears throat> well, that, I, will, um, I will say this for other Star Wars podcasters listening in. I'm always surprised at the amount of Star Wars podcasts that you do listen to, given given how busy you are. 
I, uh, I catch them here and there. Yeah. Like it comes in. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Let's see if this is it. No, I'm not hearing. You hear? I'm not hearing anything, Jim. Oh, you're not. I'm no. sorry. I know why. I know why. Hold on. I'm sorry. That's I'm, fine. You might have heard it coming through my headphones. Well, all right. I'm going to punch you through here. Okay. Let okay. me just play a second of it. You tell me if you hear it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Okay. Let's see if I could. Do you need me to boost the volume at all? Here, no, that was that good. But good, I am getting an echo of myself, myself now. Now you're hearing an echo. Oh, all right. Stand. Stand by. Stand by. The following program is brought to you by your friends at TheForce.net. Oh, Maxi bit The Force. And RebelScum.com. You Rebel Scum. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Welcome to the Forcecast, your weekly dose of Star Wars news and much more. All systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. Imperial troops have entered space. Imperial troops have entered. Now, your hosts of the Forcecast, Jason and Pete. We would be honored if you would join us. That's awesome. Fascinating. All right. I, I should have removed the echo there. That is fascinating. <laughs> I've not heard that in, geez, eight years. Well, what's interesting? Years? <clears throat> what's most interesting is you can see, because having listened to that show for years with you guys, you can see how that went to the Jedi Rocks number, and then you yes. can see how you guys took that over into Rebel Force because there's still elements from that 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 main that you know that last even through. I, I'll tell you this, the Rebel Force Radio theme, Jim, and I told you this the first time I was ever on Rebel Force Radio with you guys, it gets me pumped up when I hear it. It's a, it, it really gets me ready to hear you guys talk about Star Wars or when I have the opportunity to be on the show with you to talk Star Wars. Yeah, it, it does. It has that power. It does the same to me every week. I think it does the same to Jason. Jason has many times said, like, if we're having problems with software or whatever, I'll be like, ah, Joe, go ahead and start up the show. I'll put the theme in afterwards when, you know, in post. And he's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't start the show. I got to hear it. I got to hear it. I mean, and, and that just like echoes what you're saying. It just gets you really pumped up. And, uh, you know, that's that's a, a great little number. And it's a number that often gets derided. Jedi rocks from the uh, Jedi special edition. Years ago, when I when I first got those CDs, those special edition CDs, Jedi Rocks is a song that got ended up on repeat for me a lot in the car, just because of the the little groove it goes into after the the vocals and everything. I've always dug it. So the funny thing about that is, I discovered all that when I actually produced the second attempt at a show open. The the one that I just played for you was obviously rejected, right? By the great Jason Swank. By his lordship, Jason Swank. Yes, yes. Lord Jason Swank and, you know, sire Pete Natal. Um, Sir Peter Natal, I should say. And so they came back at me and they said, very simply, why don't you try something with the Joe Yauza? Yeah. And they sent that to me and I go, well, they obviously mean Jedi Rocks, but they said the Joe Yauza just to test me, to test right. my metal, right. to test my knowledge as a Star Wars fan. 
And the reason they said that was because, as I, I say, Jedi Rocks was so derided. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, a lot of a lot of fans, you know, who a lot of the complainers, and uh, you know who you are, they will say, "Well, that's you know, soundtrack music for Muppets." But um, and I didn't, I do not feel that way. No, uh, when you listen to that track, it does, it does rock out. Yes, it gets into that second half, which is funny because when you see the film. They are playing that at the beginning when, um, when uh, you know, uh, you're introduced to that band, and they're playing the the more rocking part with the harmonica and everything. Right, they cl- they're then closing Jabba it out. Play it again, yeah. And you think that they kick off with a whole different number, but it is the mm-hmm. same song being played again. Wendy's here. They're gonna test your Star Wars knowledge and fandom. No, I, this Seriously? is back. This is back in the early days. Still. Well, I mean, I don't blame them. They, didn't they had to vet me out. Hi, Hi Wendy. Mack. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm great, but, I mean, he's Jimmy Mack. Like, they have to, like, test his ability to know Star Wars. Yeah, that but, is an insult. But Back look, in those days. But they're was, partners was, now. They're partners now, so it's okay. Oh, boy. I know it's okay, and it's great. But, I mean, <laughs> they challenge he you. He said that we're partners. Who you and me? No, no, me and Jason. I know that's what I'm saying. It's great now, but, but... you're not you're not like joking about that at all. Like partners, oh. <laughs> like you like to do. See, it just sounded so normal to me, Steve, <laughs> that it didn't even sound like. Yeah, no kidding, they're partners. See, I, I know what Steve was. <laughs> no fishing kidding, for they're there. partners. Yeah, see, oh, he's they're not... partners. Yes, <laughs> definitely partners, and they're loving partners. But I mean, <laughs> okay, let's like they're gonna pull back a challenge bit. your love of Star Wars. That kills me. Well, they learned pretty fast. Yeah, as they should. That's right. But that was back in the day when I was, you know, probably better known for Led Zeppelin than. Star Wars, at least. Is it bad that I like that you're better known for Led Zeppelin? No, <laughs> there's not. No, no. Is it bad for me to admit I get way more mileage out of loving Star Wars? No, no, it isn't. No. And I'm proud of you. And Steve, I miss you big time. Well, it's good to talk to you. I'm just sitting here in Georgia doing my thing, Wendy. Well, you know what? We'd love to come visit you in Georgia, but we'd also love to see you somewhere else. We miss you. Dylan's like, how's Uncle Steve doing? <laughs> well, call anytime. He says call anytime. Yeah, I heard him. I can oh, hear him. Right. <laughs> Thank you, I honey. Got, I got ears, Jim. <laughs> she does have ears. I know she's got a mouth, but she definitely oh, has ears, too. Oh, snap. Oh, wow. And do tell Dylan hello, by the way. I will. He's a little too shy. He wanted to come and say hi to Uncle Steve. And then he's like, you guys, he's really not my uncle. And and Jim and I said, we know that, but that's okay. Friends and family can call each other uncles. That's right. That's right. I, I have- asked Steve. I said, Steve, are you are you uncomfortable at all with Dylan calling you uncle? Because it just sort of happened. The- <laughs> you love it, don't you, Steve? I do. I've got so many nieces and nephews. That, so many kids that call me Uncle Steve. Well, now you got one more because... Uh, you know, I'm gonna call you Big Daddy Steve. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, no, no. Wendy, you stand in line. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a great little marathon. I know you do these frequently. I'm doing laundry, so uh, well, you have fun. I'm I, missing anything? I need to do a laundry marathon myself. So, well, I can talk while laundering, so uh, I'll help you on that one. <laughs> uh, laundry cast. Laundry cast. Laundry out loud. Well, thank you, Wendy. See you, Wendy. She's out of here. But uh, yeah, Dylan. Uh, Dylan, uh, he, he's hoping you're going to be at Star Wars weekends this year. That's my plan. That's my plan. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on other people to make announcements so that I can confirm. 
Alrighty. So that's all I'm saying about that. (laughs) Just with me saying I'll be there is not enough of an announcement. Well, no, I I mean, uh, uh, my thing is, is that weekend for show? For show. All right. I'm there. I like it. Yeah, we're planning on heading down there for week five, the Mm -hmm. last weekend. I am there. And uh, and, uh, last year was a huge success, and I couldn't have done it without you. It was so much fun. We had a blast. It was fun. It was fun. The turnout was spectacular so yes expecting big of, things this year as well i believe yeah yeah a lot of good friendships made and you know not just among us but uh, among all the people who are there too you know i uh i've uh, been hearing from people we met and they're saying when are you guys gonna do it again when are you guys gonna do it again well we have not made it official but it's getting closer all the time yes. week five week five yeah well uh speak and friends we made down there i met eric shonavice for the first time Oh, he's at Disney guy. weekends, and he's been on the show several times since then. In fact, he came on this evening before, uh, after before, before. Actually, I think he came on before we did Rock Out Loud, and we just talked about some classic. Well, we our intention was to talk about some classic movies. We ended up just talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. Hey, that's a classic. So, movie. Oh my gosh, we had a blast every time Eric is on. We just have a blast talking. You know, I, I try to talk anything but Star Wars with him because he has to talk Star Wars so much. And and he's got such a wide, you know, range of interest and in everything as far as like the geek stuff goes. And so, um, so I just give him the floor, and we just have a great time together. He's also a big football fan, and he loves a nice cold beer. And walks on the beach, ladies. Hey, where's Michael? Yeah, hey, Michael. What happened to this musical number we were getting? What happened to the musical number and my second beer? Hey. <laughs> Oh, oh, come on. No. No, come on. Here he's coming with the guitar. But that's that's an electric guitar. I know. Are we doing electric? We're doing electric. Oh, we oh my gosh. Well, you're so far away, though. Let me... Is the amp loud? How are we going to hear you sing? Well... Are you going to use the PA? Why don't we just do acoustic with the harmonica? Mr. Soul? No, we want... We Bob want, Dylan. We want Dylan. Hey. Everyone's waiting for Bob Dylan. Hey, tangled up in blue. This is, this is just like the Newport. This. The New, Newport Folk Festival. <laughs> in, 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 what year was that? 1968 or something? And Bob Dylan walked out there with an electric guitar. He, the, They almost burned the place down. <laughs> they rioted at a Bob Dylan concert. Oh, my God. Well, they're expecting, you know, mellow. Oh, Wendy's there. She's the roadie now. She's helping out. Oh, I see what they're doing here. Uh-oh. I guess we're going to be elect. Are we going PA and everything? Yeah. Oh, I hope the mic picks this up. Oh, man. man. Pull the mic a little closer. Well, we'll have to do a, we'll have to do a mic test. And a, this is what um, we call a bootleg, everybody. Sound check. Oh, I'm like the greatest bootlegger of all time. I bet you are. I have so much. I have a lot of Star Wars stuff. Whoops. Whoop. Well, you just say that, and all of a sudden, the twentieth century. Any, you know, we went down this we went down this rabbit trail because I yelled, "We love you, Jimmy Mack!" at Star Wars Celebration yes. Five. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Is that how this all? That's started? how it all started. <laughs> and I still haven't found the audio yet. I know I have it. It's here, fine. I'm not it. okay. No, it's not fine. It's not fine, Steve. If I say it's I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I mean, I won't be able to go to sleep tonight. I'll be calling you, waking you up, going, "Hey." We're back on the air. I found what? it. Get I'm on. exhausted. I can't even speak anymore. Get, Hold on. We're getting mic check. That's not loud enough. I'm not picking it up. Well, then we'll crank it. 
Crank it. No, oh, my. Not, if you're not cranking it, you're yanking it. Oh, well, here comes the neighborhood's about to just get ticked off at the McInerney house, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, can you can you hear this? Yes, man? yes. Mic check. When? Mic check. All right. I, I don't know if you're picking this up. I'm picking it up, man. Turn, turn it up. It's got to be louder than that. See, they're moving cables, and microphones, mic stands. We are. It's like we're visiting the McInerney house tonight. Check, 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 check. You're not hearing that? Check. I'm hearing it. Hey, hey, hey. We're hearing it. We check, got it. Hey, hey. I hope. I'm so loud you don't even need a microphone. <laughs> Did you hear what she said? <laughs> yes. So loud I don't even need a mic. All right, good. So you are picking up. Yeah, right, we're Michael, picking up. Great. You want to boost the guitar. You want to crank your gain. But the, come on, full throttle. Let's go. All right. Yeah, just solo for a second while we're getting set up. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Make it talk, son. Make it talk. Very nice. All right. Oh. All right, do a song. Do it. Do it. Do you have a mic? Yes. All right, pull the mic over. And Why did I want to go to such a big deal? What? Oh, he, adjustments are being made here. That's fine, man. He is. Uh, oh, he's 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 turning the uh, the spring off on the snare drum because it's reverberating too much. Yeah, he has got Michael J. Cohen type artistry going on. <laughs> hey, you got Michael J. Cohen artistry going on. What? I, I don't get it. I don't either. Yeah. Do it. What? Oh, she says just do it. <laughs> Wendy's yelling, "Do it! <laughs> Go!" All right. What are we doing here? What's the p- the number? Oh, he's not telling me. What? Is this Mr. Soul by Neil Young? This is Mr. Soul by Neil Young. Okay. As, per- this? Uh, okay, yes, as performed by Michael Mack. Performed by Michael Mack. Here All we right. go. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hearing that okay? Yes. Well, hello, Mr. Saul. I dropped by to pick up a razor. That the thought that I caught in my head was the event of the season. Why in crowds just a trace of my face could seem so pleasing? I should cop out to the change, but a stranger's putting the tease on. down on the frown when the messenger brought me a letter I was raised by the praise of a fan who said I upset her any girl in the world could have easily known me better she said you're strange but don't change and I let her solo <laughs> he's gonna take the solo no matter what that's right he's got to with band without band doesn't matter to him it's solo time oh he's doing a long version of the solo here 
I'm digging it. This could go on to the next marathon. It's yeah, well, it's officially my birthday on the East Coast, so I'm counting this my birthday song. Oh yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna take us at least till Tuesday. Oh, I forgot to give him the reverb. I just want to let you know before yeah. we before we were getting happy birthday Steve in the chat because it's now officially my birthday at midnight oh. Eastern time. Uh, we were having uh, wow, this is fantastic podcasting. Turn it to eleven. Um, said uh, dang, that's good. Uh, <laughs> drum solo for Uncle Steve. Uh, drum solo for Uncle oh Steve. yes, we're getting it all the way around. It's it's Uncle Steve's birthday. It, <laughs> oh no, not the Beatles. Kids got talent. Uh oh. Oh, he's mad that Michael adjusted the snare drum. Look at that. <laughs> All right, pretty soon, you know, everyone's going to be. Yeah. There it is. Dylan Mack. All right. Dylan Mack. Now, Dylan doesn't know it, but he's been on the marathon today. He was? Yeah, because you guys, for the last one we did, you, you, cut, me a, you cut me a liner. And, and I played right. it earlier oh, today. Big yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. That's perfect. Yes. Very Wonderful. nice one. I see yes. the, the the glasses of wine at dinner went to good use. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Nice. That was awesome. Only here, only now. Oh, let me tell you, it's turned into a pure big honking show. Is what it's turned into, Jim. So uh, they liked Michael, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were getting a lot of good stuff up here. Um, like I say, I had to get back up above the birthday wishes. Um, this is some good stuff. Uh, kids, good. Kid needs to be on Rock Out Loud. Yes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Very cool. Well, you know, I mean, he's he's just very passionate about music, and he's uh, really taken to playing guitar over the last few years. And uh, just, man, talk about, you know, when you're that age, you're 15, and you really start discovering what your musical identity is. And that's when it happens pretty much between the years of 12 and 15. You really latch on to what works for you musically. Right. And... um Boy, Michael, is, I'm so proud of him because he loves all the old stuff. You know, I'm a classic rock guy. And, uh, you, know, you know, beyond just working in classic rock radio, I've always just, you know, grew up on the Beatles, grew up on Zeppelin and the Who and the Stones. and I mean, that's my music, and it always has been. And I assume that my kids would be into, you know, things that are a little more contemporary and maybe a little more like rap music or dubstep or 
whatever the kids are listening to. And uh, Michael has just impressed me so much and how he not only gets into the classic rockers, but he gets into those who inspired the classic rockers and he goes out seeking, you know, old blues musicians like uh, Otis Rush or, uh, or um, even going back to Robert Johnson. And uh, he's very much into folk singers because he, he loves songwriting. And uh, he's also uh, uh, very into some jazz too. He, do, wow. he does play in the jazz band at school. He plays guitar and, you know, he listens to things like Coltrane and all that. So my God, he has such a, just a, that's you know, a wide broad, range. Yeah. Oh, a broad palette of interest. And of course, you know, I've always had very broad interests when it comes to music too, yeah. and you know, going beyond rock, you know, things like blues and jazz. Well, and, the the admiral in the chat says he's only been playing for a few years. My dad's been playing for ten and isn't half that food. Oh my or, god! Or good is what I've been food or good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been playing for thirty years and I'm not half that good. So uh, yeah, it's it's just great to see. Uh, See, uh, you know, kids his age are walking around wearing Rush shirts or, you know, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when I see that, I, I, I smile inside because that's the music that I grew up on and, and loved. And, uh, you know, I mean, Ozzy Osbourne is more than just an MTV character. He's <laughs> right. <you know>? right. <laughs> I mean, exactly. you know, long live Black Sabbath. You know, I mean, it's things like that that's easy to forget. Um, now, especially now that these guys have gotten old and I mean, reach such an iconic level, it's like, uh, the next step for a lot of them is parody and caricature. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, or fortunately the, the cream does rise to the top. He also likes cream a lot, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, little Eric Clapton, Jack there you Bruce, go. Ginger Baker. So, um, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of these guys that really rocked out pretty hard back in the day. You know, especially with someone like Ozzy, because what we saw on MTV was nowhere near Ozzy at his best. And apparently, over the past few years, he's gotten even more straightened out, you know, and and whatever medications he was on, not illicit, but, you know, whatever they had him on for whatever reasons, they adjusted everything, and he's a lot more coherent these days and, you know, not so off, not so, not so much like a bumbling old man, you know. Uh, Sharon, uh, uh, where's uh, I want a burrito. You know, I don't know. What <laughs> I see that that show was crazy. That was a long time ago. The Osborns was on like a dozen years ago. Has no. it been that long? It's been a long time. I guess it has. Yeah, I guess it's it been has. a long That's- time. All right, thanks, thanks, Michael, for the Robert Plant impersonation. Go ahead, do it one more time. I don't think Steve heard I it. I didn't. Oh. Hey, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. He said, oh, fluff. Oh, fluff. I think. How does anyone screw up that lyric? Okay. Um, but I started too low. You started too low. Yes. See, I told you he's a technician. He's, he's got to, you know. Man. Well, you know, we were talking tonight on the Bruce episode of, of Rock Out Loud how um, the just the sax solo from Jungleland, they took 16 hours to record. Oh, my God. Because Bruce was such a perfectionist about it. And, wow. and Clarence just rolled. He said, he said, you know, he said in this interview, he's like, he was just so patient and he just rolled right with it the whole time. And just, well, of course, Clarence yeah. is invoicing him by the hour. That's right. He doesn't care. <laughs> That's right. I'm getting paid big time for this like, one. He, he's like, E Street Band, nothing. I want to be on the Easy Street Band. That's right. 16 That's hours, right. no problem. Oh, man. That's, that's awesome. Well, that dude, he's on, he's on a good path. He's got, Michael's got a lot of talent and, 
Um, and, you know, just talking to him last year down at Star Wars weekends, you know, we, we talked some music, and he's just got a good good mind and, like you say, a broad palette for it. That's awesome. Yeah, he lives for it. He really does. And, yeah. Uh, and, of course, we encourage him like crazy. So so now I want to I want to get back on a little bit of geeky stuff here with you. If yes, you, can. Yes. you know, not to not to. Yes. As opposed to all the stuff we've been doing up to this point. That's right. That's right. So um, on a scale of one to ten at this point, because I know and we don't want to get into spoilers and everything because I don't have your ever famous alert. Um, but on a scale of one to ten, knowing kind of in hearing some of the rumors and all the stuff we've heard, how excited are you for right now for The Force Awakens? Look, these go to 11. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. I mean, come on. Yeah. We've all been, I've been wanting Star Wars sequels since the day I walked out sure. of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Sure. You'll bring on the sequels. Uh, for the longest time, we thought it w- would never happen. Right. And it's very interesting what a parallel it is to the post original trilogy days mm-hmm. when, you know, we thought. Oh my God! The concept of new Star Wars films was just completely absurd for the longest time. George said he was done; he wasn't going to make them anymore. I'm done. It finished. Finished. <laughs> Retired. 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 Um, it, it just seemed like you know it wasn't going to happen, and it seemed like the the biggest difference between that period between the original trilogy and the prequels is that George said he was done. And uh, George, I mean, George basically left filmmaking for the longest time. Sure, he produced a lot of things in that downtime, you know, like Tucker and Howard the Duck and uh, and, uh, Land Before Time and, uh, yeah, Willow, uh, Radioland Murders, uh, the the Indiana Jones uh, young indie TV show. So he was busy, but he was also running that company. He was raising these kids, and he wasn't going to commit to something that required the commitment especially time-wise, that the Star Wars prequels demanded until he, you know, he claims until he got comfortable where, you know, with the technology being where he wanted it to be. And basically, he's the one who, you know, spearheaded the invention of that technology. He's basically the one who funded that technology. And uh, so, but the difference is is that I think uh, the pop culture society moved on. Nobody was thinking about Star Wars or talking about Star Wars for the longest time. There was no Star Wars publication really coming out on a regular basis. Uh, There was no Star Wars Insider. There were no websites. There was no merchandising post-original trilogy. It just fell off the pop culture map. And it fell out of awareness with fans of film and Whatever, science fiction, whatever. Yeah, but, Ge- or geeky stuff. Is yeah, but you know, but nature abhors a vacuum, <laughs> and nothing ever really filled it until um, Timothy Zahn's *Heir to the Empire* hit shelves. Right. That that was the big return. Yeah. Right okay but it still wasn't as big as say a film coming. No, out. no, no. I, I recognize that, but I, but I think that that don't you think that like the success, particularly of that first trilogy you know that that kind of kicked off what we called for the longest time the modern eu don't you think the success of that and then as they started to slowly roll out the toy line again and everything and just seeing how people were gravitating don't you think that that kind of played into yeah we're definitely going full steam ahead yes yes i think george saw that and and i mean keep in mind i believe that even though the public didn't really realize that 
George was working on new Star Wars. I think George had made up his mind, you know, like about the time that Jurassic Park came out, that he was going to get back into it. So what's that, 93? Yeah, yeah. And then I think that, you know, if you were a big-time Star Wars fan, you knew that George was working on new Star Wars films in as early as late 93 or early 94. See, I had no access to anything and did not realize it and honestly until after the special editions had come out. Now the special editions is really what brought Star Wars right, back. Right, right. More than anything else. Because you know, keep in mind during those those uh, early years of fiction publishing for Star Wars, specifically going back to 91 and Tim Zahn's Heir of the Empire, you also saw Star Wars return via Dark Horse Comics. Yes. Yeah. And and the Dark Empire series in in 92 really was a big boost for Star Wars as well. Okay, I want to say this though about that. And 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 I'd like you know you can disagree with me if you want. I feel like had Dark Empire happened a little bit later on, it would have been nowhere nearly as well received as it was. And why do you think that? I just don't think it's a great story, Jim. Okay, it's different. Yeah, it's very different. It's different from Star Wars we know. It, it but the thing was, was up to that point, Star Wars comics were kind of. A joke. Mm -hmm. The Marvel years, while they did produce certain story arcs or certain issues or characters or elements that were cool, a lot of it was really campy. You know, really campy. Yeah. You know, they had like Jedi rabbits and stuff, you know. I mean, I'm not talking about Jackson. I'm talking about the Hoojibs, you know, uh, (laughs) rabbits, real rabbits that, you know, rabbit-sized rabbits that were... (laughs) The planet that of the Hoojibs. That had an affinity for the Force. Yes, the planet and, of the Hoojibs. Those crazy Hoojibs. And um, and the, the comic books were just occasionally sort of a joke. And mm-hmm. when Dark Empire hit, it was like, oh, you can do a serious Star Wars story in right. comic book form. That can be done. And, uh, you know, I, I understand if you're a, a detractor of that because there are things about it that are wildly inconsistent with the Star Wars we've seen presented before then and even <clears throat> after then. Yeah. But it, what it did for me is it showed me that the comic book medium could really be used much more seriously for Star Wars. Sure, sure. And, and with much more of an edge than it ever had been used Well, before. the covers were great. The covers Dark were Empire. great, the done co- by Dave Dorman, who's, yes. uh, who, who actually does not live too far from me. The covers were great. There were moments that were really cool in Dark. I think of that first issue where the Ad-Ad is firing on Luke. What a great and moment. He, and he yeah. blocks it with the lightsaber. I mean, that's some cool stuff. But That is cool, But the, yeah. I guess it was the concept overall. I never really liked the idea. And, I, and, and it goes along with some rumors that we've heard here and there leading into episode three. I never really liked the idea of Luke going for any reason at all to the dark side because I feel like he beat that in Return of the Jedi. And I feel like that's part of what Return of the Jedi's point was, is that this this kid has risen above the darkness mm-hmm. to, yeah. to, you know, now always and forever, so to speak, you know. And I just, I, I didn't really like that concept and I, I was okay with them bringing the emperor back i guess but at the same time i also felt like that kind of destroyed 
It's like, well, why work for anything then? If he can just come back, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, there are those elements. But, I mean, we really weren't at that point in time. Um, we had no clue what the Clone Wars sure. themselves right, were about. Right. So to start seeing elements of, you know, cloning being introduced in the Star Wars was revolutionary cool. and different. And it's something, what, we only heard Luke mention the Clone Wars, but what does that mean? Right. And uh, now we started to see things that, we could say, well, gosh, you know, Palpatine's using these clones the way they are. The, the Clone Wars must have been about the Jedi fighting against evil clones. Yes. Well, that, that's kind of what I always assumed it was. Yes. You know? Yes. And some of the early promotional stuff for Attack of the Clones showed clone troopers, like, standing behind Jango Fett. Hmm. And I was just like... Okay, I mean that makes sense, but we know Jango Fett is is uh, not exactly a good guy. So the clones must be fighting for him. He must be leading them. And then when I found out the Jedi were the clone generals, were generals of the clone army. Thanks, another beer for Michael. This is wonderful. <laughs> Pretty soon I'm going to start speaking truths that I don't wish to be broadcast. Geek out loud, bringing families together <laughs> and beers to broadcasters. Beers, beers to dads. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I was I was really surprised to find out the clones the clones were fighting on the side of good. Yes, fighting yeah. on behalf of the Republic, fighting under the Jedi, and and being loyal to the Jedi was just a, a revolutionary concept. These are the things we lose track of as we become more accustomed and familiar with right. the, the, the the prequel movies. You forget. Sometimes these assumptions you made about Star Wars back in those dark times between the two trilogies. But it's it, always fun to look back at that. People write us, why do you report on these crazy plot spoilers sometimes on Rebel Force Radio? And I say, you know why? Because a year from now, it's going to be a lot of fun to go back and listen to those yes. shows yep. to see how far off we were. Or maybe we're hitting it right on the right. head. The we nail don't on the know. head, right. Well, you know, it's to me. It it also shows just with just with the the saga as it stands now before the Force Awakens. I think it it does a great job of showing just to me how talented a storyteller Lucas was, because by and large the populace of Star Wars fans would have had the Clone Wars having the Jedi against some manner of clone for sure. And Lucas is like, no, I'm going to turn that concept on its head. And the Jedi are actually leading the clones in this civil war that's tearing the galaxy apart. The same thing, and I've heard Kyle Newman mention it on, on your show before, the same idea, the same concept with Luke. Yoda and Ben were like, you got to kill Vader. And Luke's like, no, I'm going to turn Vader. Any other storyteller would say, yeah, the end of this story is the death of Darth Vader at the hand of our hero, rather than the redemption of this villain because of the love of our hero. And that, you know, and to me, that just kind of says, you know, Lucas, everything he's ever done cinematically, storytelling-wise, tends to go against the grain. And it becomes the norm because he set the standard. And I think, a, great, I yeah. think a lot of people forget that when they talk yeah, yes. about him. Yeah, because it's all nowadays, it's all taken for granted. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course, that's natural. You know, I mean, I do it all the time. You know, you, you get accustomed to the story as it is, and you forget about the speculation. You forget about the imagination you had as a fan as you tried to fill in the blanks. 
And then that sense of relief when you finally do see the movie and you're like, oh, wow, that's that's what that meant. That's or the sense of anxiety you get when you see the movie. You said, that's not the way I always thought it should be. Right. Wrong. Right. That's the thing that I always thought was the funniest. Yeah. That's not the way I thought it would be. So this must be wrong. Yeah. Jedi must be fighting the clones. (laughs) If they're not, it's stupid. Yeah. And wrong, and that's not the. It's you know George Lucas is destroying me now, but you know come on, get over yourself. It's really refreshing and cool to see that he went in that direction, and um, and 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 out of a, just a throwaway line, his first script for Star Wars, the Star Wars, featured tons of references to things happening in the past. You know, in that history line that that timeline of star wars because george always wanted his universe to feel like it's had a history Mm -hmm. to feel like we're jumping in on the middle of the story and references like you fought with my father in the clone wars um that kind of stuff or no i mean luke didn't say that what was the line luke did say he said he said he said no my father didn't find the clone wars he was a navigator on a spice freighter Yes. And that's a throwaway line. Yeah. And that was just so George can sort of let the viewer know that, hey, this universe has a long history to it. And that history has had repercussions on what you're seeing the characters go through on the screen now. So it was a throwaway line. George had no concept of what the clone. Maybe he had some sort of idea what the Clone Wars was, or he just felt like it sounded cool. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a cool thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a line that could have easily fit into, uh, like, THX 1138 mm-hmm. or any science fiction, The Clone Wars. But then when he actually had the opportunity to sort of define what The Clone Wars was and then build six seasons of an animated TV show based out of that one throwaway line from his 1977 film, he got all that mileage out of it. And it's just because he wanted to illustrate that his universe has had a history. But what a lucky thing he named it Clone Wars. Imagine what if he called it sort of like the, uh, I don't know, the Garbage Wars. Yeah, or, yeah. What, you know, that's... It'd be like, oh, you can't make, how are you going to make six seasons out of the Garbage Wars? You or, can't do that. Or, uh, or, or just something absurd, like the Jawa Wars. Well, let me, you, you mentioned the Clone Wars, and, and we were talking Rebels earlier. Let me just kind of pick your brain on what you think. Just kind of rapid fire because we we had a question earlier today when we were doing Disney Vault Talk about who we think we may see show up in Rebels, whether they be original trilogy or prequel trilogy type characters. And and Teresa and I both kind of came to the same conclusion that you know we never really talk too much about who we may see. I never imagined seeing Lando Calrissian. You know, in in Rebels, and I ne- I definitely never imagined hearing the voice of Yoda, as as voiced by Frank Oz. But when it comes to some of these Clone Wars characters showing up, do you think we'll see a Cad Bane or a Hondo Anaka, uh, or maybe even an Ahsoka show up? Do you? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, it absolutely. I think it's a done deal. You think Boba um, Fett's flying around somewhere? Yes, yes. I happen to know that. Uh, oh, you know the well. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> um, uh, there was a uh, a very intense 
bounty hunter arc featuring Boba Fett that was going to be produced for... For Clone Wars. For Clone Wars. I think season six or season seven. And it got very far in the production process. All all the voice work was done. Daniel Logan returned. Uh, It would have featured him and Cad Bane. It would have featured Daniel getting the Slave One back from Hondo Onaka and pretty much putting, putting Boba into the position where he would become the character that we see in Empire Strikes Back. Right, But that storyline, even though it could have been completed and included as a lost mission Mm -hmm. for season six, was eventually uh, the decision was made not to release that episode because there were too many things going on within it that contradicts with other tales to be told that the story department is currently cooking up right now. Yeah. So it might have just been too much of a contradiction. So I think that the story of at least Boba Fett getting the Slave One back from Hondo, Mm -hmm. basically Boba reclaiming his father's legacy, because at that point, really, what's left of Jango outside of that ship? Right. Not much. Nothing. He blew him up. He blew up that helmet. Oh, he sure did. Yeah. He sure did. I, well, and, I just uh, I just wonder because, you know, one of the things that did come out of the Clone Wars um, are characters that I found myself drawn to that surprised me. I, I love Cad Bane. I love the character of Cad Bane. And I would have loved to have seen his fate, you know, uh, somewhere in there. Or if it, or, you know, because obviously now what he'd be... I don't know the I don't know the aging process of a what is he a Duros? Yes, um, he I, is. I don't know the aging process of that species or whatever. So I don't know if he's still around. But he was so cool. He was to me what everyone wanted Boba Fett to be in the original trilogy. He had that great voice he, by Corey Burton. Yes, and and oh, just he he. Had, you ever try to do the Cad Bane voice? No, That's a tough I, voice I, to I do. Can't. I haven't heard him for a little while either. I so I'm a little. Uh, you almost gotta God. get in the back of your throat a little bit. God, God Bane. Yeah, bounty hunter. And he's I haven't a, heard him in a while. No, so I'm a and he's concerned. got a bit of a southern voice too. Yeah, I can't do it. Uh, oh. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> he's, um, he's a he's a southern. He he does. He's got a he's, bit of a southern. Uh, he's got a um, a, almost wow. a western draw to it. It always felt like to me. Yeah. Now look here, Jedi. Y'all yeah. gonna pay up? You gonna pay up good? It's I not. It's not. A, it's not a big. It's not overpronounced, you know. But it's it's very much. I and and granted, I guess his look plays into me thinking about this. But you know, I could see him in the Wild West just stepping in. But he was so cool to me, and I loved him both. He was so cool to you. Yeah, I mean, you, no, you worked with him personally. Yes, yes, he was surprisingly to be such a a bastard of a bounty hunter. He was a nice guy. He was. <laughs> he'd be like, he's, he's like, y'all from Georgia. I'm from Arkansas. I'm I'm from up in South Carolina. Guarantee. Yeah, uh, no, but uh, I'll tell you what. You know, um, another Clone Wars character, Zero the Hut, definitely had a Southern boy vibe to him too. Yeah, he he was much more the the fanning himself out on the front porch while sipping a glass of lemonade. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Ice cold, old fashioned lemonade. Yeah. But see, he always reminded me of that, um, of that warden, or I think he was a warden. Yeah, from, uh, from Cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, what we have here, yeah, yeah, yeah is a, is a failure to communicate. To communicate. Yeah, 
Yeah, he. But yeah. he's uh, yeah, <clears throat> definitely a Zero is a he, now he's a good old boy. Then was Sny Sny Snoodles killed him right? Sai shot him. Yes. I mean, and he loved Sai Snoodles. Yes, it was a tragic love story between those two, a regular Romeo and Juliet situation. Uh, and they were so perfect for yeah. each other. I mean, from the outside looking in, you might not realize that, but they had more in common than they did. But they were both. Very twisted criminals, you know. Mm-hmm. I just love my snooty. Mm. But uh, yeah, she ended up uh, betraying him That's and just right. shooting him in cold blood. Yeah. And I believe he was at the grave of his father. He was at, you remember the father was all like yes. mummified? Yes, yes. And there was oh, something. Daddy, that- daddy, I'm having female troubles like you would never believe <laughs> there was something that was hidden there that gave Jabba the power over like the five hut families or whatever it was oh my god when i'm getting off this call i am gonna go watch that no. <laughs> it's well it's been a while it it's been, been a while i hadn't seen it, in a while either i haven't man. seen in a long time either. the death of zero the hut mm. i mean oh my god the uh, impact hey, that had on fandom not you snooty not you I, I can't believe my snooty would do such a thing. And then they showed like Greedo's mom. Oh, mama. You know, it was so, yeah, that was that was his. Was so weird. Didn't we see his mom? Wasn't that his mom? Yes. Zero's his mom? mom. Yeah. Who reminded me of that big thing from the Blade movies. Remember the Blade movies? That big thing. Oh, that yes, was, yes, yes. Like the, it was in, was it in the second or third one? It was in the first one. In the first one, the big what was that big thing that was sitting there in front of all the computer screens and Blade? I remember bringing this up when we did the round. I thought that was like time. the second or third one where they had that. Oh, no. It's got to be from the original. Mm. What was the name of that? Uh, what was the name of that? Blade crazy with Wesley character? Snipes. It was, yes, definitely Wesley Snipes. Yeah. And Stephen Dorff, Chris Christopherson. Remember that? Yeah. I don't remember I re- anything. I just, the thing I remember most about Blade is when he cuts Deacon Frost in half. And, yeah. he, and he thinks he's done, and then Deacon Frost comes back together, and he just kind of mouths WTF. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great moment for Wesley Snipes' Blade. <clears throat> that is such a good one. So, um, yeah, I remember seeing I saw Blade 1 and Blade 2. I never saw Blade 3. I, I've seen it in bits and pieces. Blade, that, that movie was actually, a lot of people, it doesn't get enough credit for kind of getting Marvel's toe in the door. So true. To, that is one of, of the, yes. Kick one things of the, back in. And you know they, you don't really play it up because Blade doesn't really interact too much with like the Avengers or anything. Right, right, right. Well, and and, um, and two, it's still in that time before times. You know, before the Disney buyout and Marvel was trying to get their properties licensed out so they could make money and that sort of thing. But it had some success and it allowed Marvel to continue down this the the cinematic path. You know, and that led into X Men. So it's one of the few. Marvel films that does not feature a cameo from Stan the Man Lee. Which is that? X-Men or Blade? Blade. Yeah, Blade. Blade. Yeah. You know, Blade is kind of, like I said, it's sort of its own thing. And and a lot of people, I think, went to that movie not even realizing that Blade was a Marvel property. Right, right. But he he had his heyday back in the 70s in the old (laughs) Tomb of Dracula comic book. That's right. Did he ever show down, did he ever have a showdown with uh, Morbius? Mobius, the Daywalker? So. No, Mobius wasn't the Daywalker, but he was some kind of vampire. Yikes. Did they I show up? I, I want to say they, they faced off like in the pages of Spider-Man at some point. 
Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. You know, I mean, somebody more schooled on Marvel history would know better than me. Well. Uh, but I mean, I grew up on that stuff, and I, I read the Marvels in the seventies, and I. Recently at uh, Wizard World last summer, I picked up a trade paperback of all the Blade appearances in Tomb of Dracula. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool, you know, to see how then that uh, it's such an odd choice of a character for Marvel to choose to make one of their early feature films about his Blade. Because like I said, I think a lot of people went to that movie not even realizing he was a Marvel character well, at all. you think about it, it was in kind of that time between times when the last thing we'd really seen on screen as a superhero was Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. And and so to sneak a comic book property in without it really being a comic book pro you know, without people kind of knowing right. really probably helped it more than hurt it. But um and and so and and of course the hardcore geeks knew, you know. And and like I say from there that there's just it got like I think it got the door cracked open. Yeah. And and yeah. then with X Men, and then from there we're off to the races, and you know by that time they'd gotten Spider Man out of the production woes that it had had all the legal stuff, and so. Um, and Always now, been a big fan of Blade though, and I thought Wesley Snipes was awesome. In yes, it. yeah, Wesley Snipes is cool. Now, have you seen the Expendables movie? The movies. Gosh, I have not seen a single one of those. He's he's in this third one. Yeah, and and I watched it the other day for the first time, and it's uh-huh. funny because like when they find him, he's in jail and I'm like, Oh, well that's just where they got him to do this movie from. <laughs> this is just, this is <laughs> just know, a documentary. Oh, what a crime it was that he got put in prison for the tax evasion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. They were really making, um, they were really making an example out of him there. But, you, uh, you know what other movie he was great in was that sequel to the fugitive. The U.S. Oh, Marshals, my God. U.S. Um, Marshals with Tommy Lee Jones. U.S. Marshals, yeah. My friend Tony Fitzpatrick is in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony is uh, he's a really interesting dude. He's he's a really well known modern artist, and he does a lot of etchings and things that are often um, political or sentimental or historical. But he's caught the eye of a lot of big time people. He also does some acting. He's done album covers for Lou Reed. And, uh, gosh, a bunch of other big-time guys. But I, I, I definitely always make that connect. Oh, uh, Steve Earle, he does album covers oh, for cool. Steve Earle. And I think the last Steve Earle album he did the cover for. And it's a really interesting artwork that Tony does. And he's a Chicago guy. He's a hardcore Chicago guy. I think recently he may have just moved to New York, though, for the first time ever. But he did a lot of acting, and he was actually in... The um, the fugitive, which a lot of that was shot in the Chicago area. Oh yeah, he he was Harrison Ford's cellmate. Okay, nice. Okay, now I have never seen like the um, the DVD version of the fugitive. Mm-hmm. I only saw it in the theater when right. it opened. I actually saw it at the Chinese theater at its premiere. I was doing some work out in L.A. and oh, wow. scored some tickets for that bad boy, and I was excited to see it because I was feeling a little homesick for Chicago at the time, and you know, everyone's like, oh, there's tons of Chicago in this movie, and there was, and Tony was supposed to be in The Fugitive as Harrison Ford, so, oh, no. but his scene oh, no. ended up on the cutting room floor. Wow. So they, the, the producers then brought him back for U.S. Marshals, and there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where they're hiding something, I don't know if it's firearms or what, in a baby crib. 
And Tony is one of the goons in that scene. There's a shootout with FBI, and and you see Tony Fitzpatrick in that scene. Greg Conroy. He plays the role of Greg Conroy. <laughs> oh, what did you, IMDb? I am on IMDb because I was going to say something else, and I wanted to make sure I was right. Yeah. John Robert Downey Jr. was in this movie as well. Oh, my God. Wow. Blade and Iron Man together. But here we go. I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, Tony Fitzpatrick. Tony's yeah, I'm looking at Tony's IMDb now. I just punched it up, and yeah, he was. I remember when he was on that uh, episode of ER back in uh, 2002. Wendy actually hosted a show with Tony Fitzpatrick called the Wendy and Tony Show of all things, back on uh, the Loop Radio station. Gosh, I'd say 94 to 96, they hosted wow. a show together. And uh, let's see here, he was in Philadelphia as a Philadelphia, bartender. Yeah. yeah, I knew that. Um, uh, Philadelphia, the movie with uh, Denzel Washington and Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks was directed by the great Jonathan Demme, who is a close friend of Buzz Kilman's. They grew up in Miami, Florida together. Buzz Kilman is a Chicago radio guy and a blues musician. And uh, me and Wendy have worked with him and we've known him for 25 years. Who was in, so, uh, who was in Footloose with Kevin Bacon. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> what, what? No, Buzz wasn't in Footloose, was he? No, I was just kidding. I was right doing on. the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Buzz could have been in that. But Buzz is in all of Jonathan Demme's movies. Okay. He is. Um, he was in Phil- Philadelphia as the character known as Crutches. There's a scene at the beginning of the movie where uh, Denzel, who is uh, playing a, the type of lawyer who is an ambulance chaser kind of guy. Right. And he's at a hospital, and he gets on the elevator, and standing on the elevator is Tom Hanks. And in between Tom Hanks and Denzel is Buzz Kilman, and his character is known as Crutches because he plays a character who is in a, he's got a, a neck brace on, his head's all bandaged up, and he's on crutches, and he hits the elevator button with, <laughs> with the, crutch. the crutch. Yeah, he reaches up and hits the the door with a crutch. And so Buzz is a very close friend of ours as well, and he's also very close friends with Tony. So I see how Tony ended up in Philadelphia. It's the Jonathan Demi-Buzz Kilman connection. And I look at uh, Buzz's IMDb, and you'll notice all of the films he's been in are directed by Jonathan Demi. Something Wild, Married to the Mob, The Silence of the Lambs, Philadelphia, Manchurian Candidate. Buzz was in all of those. And in Silence of the Lambs, he plays... A paramedic and uh, he's pulling the gurney out and you see him and he kind of looks around because he's creeped out about something mm-hmm. and then later he gets killed by Hannibal Lecter so Buzz has oh, always wow. been very proud of the fact that uh, he got killed by Hannibal Hannibal killed him yeah wow Ooh, Buzz is 70 now <laughs> where does time go uh. <laughs> I've known Buzz ever since he was my age <laughs> wow and we used I to call him the old man then. Uh-oh. What does that make that, me? Ah, there you go, Jim. Yikes. So th- th- that's my history with uh, people who've been in major motion pictures. Well, I, you know, you go back to Tony Fitzpatrick there. Uh, he So in Fugitive, he was to play Harrison Ford's cellmate. Yes. The scene got cut. Did he interact much with Harrison, or was it just like, don't lay on your bunk and don't talk or look at Harrison Ford? Well, that's a good question. And that, I probably would have probed a little bit more. I haven't really seen much of tony in the last few years um yeah i would have loved to hear what he says what's harrison like on the set right oh just let's get the lighting right here okay and uh uh, 
Who cares? Who cares? You know, that's <laughs> Harrison's pep talk before that's they right. shot the scene. Um, but um, Tony also was a guy who ended up auditioning for a lot of things with James Gandolfini because physically they sort of share mm. the same look. Okay. And so, yeah, Tony used to get called in on uh, auditions and, uh, and uh, you know, either t- <laughs> guy, a guy like James got the role <laughs> because, I mean, but, I mean, Tony and, and, and Gandolfini definitely sort of looked alike. And James Gandolfini, my God, there's a guy who really just, well, he was such a great talent and it's so sad that he... He died in his 50s. I mean, I think that guy had a lot of gas in his take. I don't know. Were you a big fan of The Sopranos? Uh, no, I've never seen it. Oh, never seen it. Yeah. yeah. That first season alone is 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 must-watch television. Yeah. Must-watch television. The first three seasons are just great and really all of it. I've always heard great watch. things about it, but I was never an HBO guy. So, uh-huh. and, you know, and HBO does a really good job of keeping their stuff away from things like Netflix and such. Ah, so, yes. you know, I but wish- you could always, you know, get it from the Netflix if you, you know, got the DVD. That's yeah, true. That's true. But, you know, I'd stopped the DVD service a long time ago. Hey, let me ask you a question. How yeah. does that DVD service work? Is that just an additional charge to your what does what Netflix normally charge? Uh, eight. Nine bucks, eight bucks, nine bucks yeah, a month. Yeah, it's something like nine ninety nine, I think. Same as the old uh, network, the old WWE network. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, that's just for streaming, though. What if that's you just get the for discs streaming. also? What well, if you also get the discs? Well, Are you Jim, paying another uh, that that requires me to um, to do this for you here. Um, I just want to know because I I just noticed recently that I'm getting double charged by Netflix. Really? Either the, either this has to do with something that Dylan did, and I'm I just noticed it now, or am I getting charged one fee for the DVDs that I have sent to my house, and then another charge for the streaming? Well, Jim, that brings us to a segment I like to call "Let Me Google That for You." Let me Google that for you. <laughs> you know. Oh, it's a segment. It has yeah. its own little jingle yeah. and everything. From, from what I can find is uh, you have your streaming plan, um, and you can add streaming for an extra, looks to be eight bucks. Oh, so it's not a double charge. Yeah. Great. So I've been paying eight bucks for the last three months uh, so I can have Dawn of Planet of the Apes sitting on top of my TV, unwatched. Yes, yes. that's what happens with a lot of them. Now, it says limited plan, two discs a month for four ninety nine or five ninety nine for Blu-ray. How do you get the two discs? Because you only get the disc when you send the other one back. Well, I think the idea is like you can only your limit to send back and bring in is two a month. So, like if you get one disc at a time. You send, you get it in, you send it back, and they send you the next one, and that's it for the month. You're cut off. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what? I'm dropping that because I can go to Redbox, and yep. you know, you guys have Redbox down of there. Of course, right? yeah. I could go there and find the new Planet of the Apes film, no problem, and just pay a dollar or two. Yeah, I have learned the joy of, or the burden, depending on how you look at it, of having the Apple TV. Yeah, and just bumping up to the movies there, and just renting uh, a lot of stuff. Um, I'll end up renting like that's how I watched the Planet of the Apes movie was I rented it from iTunes, 
And uh, of course, it's an it's like old school rentals. It's like three ninety nine, but you don't have late fees. So. I have to reconsider all of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, j- just today I was on the phone with our cable <clears throat> provider, you know, for like two hours trying to figure out a better way to, you know, <laughs> bill me for all this. All these movies I never watched. Right, right. <laughs> you well, know, it's like, wow, why do we get all these movie channels? And we have the two Netflix accounts, mm-hmm. and we live within walking distance of tons of places <laughs> to rent movies, and we just we have a huge DVD collection of stuff that's been unopened forever. I mean, what's the matter with us? I, why are we my paying thing, 300 yeah, bucks a month? When it comes to the movie channels, the thing they, they've gotten smart with your stars and your HBO and everything. HBO learned it early on, I guess, with The Sopranos, and maybe even a little bit before that, maybe with Entourage. I don't know which one came first, but they've learned to create original content that people feel like I've got to pay for because everybody's watching. And it ends up being pretty, you know, pretty good stuff. Uh Uh-oh. Did we lose you? I've I've taken over because my dad is using the uh, lavatory. Okay, nice, nice. Well, hello again, Michael Mack. Nice talking to you once again. Yeah, a lot of people were uh, putting you over in the chat as being very, very good. They're very well, impressed with your, your your performance earlier. Well, I appreciate that. It wasn't my best, but it it's a living. Yeah, well, what you got to learn to do when people give you a compliment is just say thank you and shut up. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah, there you go. See, good, good job. Good job, Michael. I, I try to teach when I have people around. So. This is the most educational pop podcast there is. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, we've gone. We went off the rails a long time ago, so we're we're good to go. We're good to go. Well, my dad has returned. All so right. All right. I bid you adieu once again. Okay, man. Have a good night, my friend. You too, and happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, Michael. Jim. You weren't supposed to break character there. I wanted Steve to think you were me. Well, I heard a bunch of moving around and some sh- and uh, some shimmy. I'm like, Jimmy Mac has passed out. He's he has gone from fatigue. We lost well, listen, Jimmy Mac. I I might pass out if I keep drinking the beer. Well, like, but I'll tell you one thing that did happen: the bladder reacted in the way it often does after three beers. Breaking the seal is what we call it. Anyhow, what I was saying was, is I think the movie channels have learned how to keep people because of the quality original programming they put out now. You've true, got these shows true. that people are all talking about and everything because I think if it were just movies, everyone would cut them off. Well, I'm really excited to see what Netflix does with the Daredevil and Iron yes. Fist and all those Marvel properties are going to be yeah, doing mini series out of. Daredevil starts in I think they're releasing that in April. Ooh, I believe. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be really good. And then they're bringing them all together, all the Netflix ones together for The Defenders. Yes. So The Defenders. Yeah. That brings Luke me Cage, back. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, yeah, uh, Daredevil, and Jessica Jones. I don't know so. Jessica Jones. Who's she? She is. Um, yeah, I went through her whole history one night, and I totally forgot. It's uh, <laughs> she is. She's a character that's been around for a while, and and just kind of jumped from here to there. She became a bad guy for a little while because she was brainwashed. She was kind of a. Um, I think that's right. She was an investigator into superhero in like to superhero type crimes, like metahuman crimes, and she has some kind of small superpower, but it was never enough to make her a big time superhero. So she just became an investigator into 
metahuman stuff. Hmm. So it it could be it could be almost like a procedural with superheroes, you know, with super powered people, with her show. Got it. And of course, and 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 now in the comics, I think she and Luke Cage are an item. They're married or something, have a kid. Uh, and Luke Cage and Iron Fist were heroes for hire, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mercenaries. Yeah. So. Um. And and how do you feel about? Agent Carter. I've seen only the the first. I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm caught up on it. I think I'm like behind by an episode. I enjoy it. I think it has a. I think it got off on a better foot than Shield did. Um, than Agents of Shield did. I, I think that the characters come across as more likable, um, and 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 you're really rooting for her to to figure out everything that's going on. Um, whereas with shield, when, when shield debuted last year, I really felt like I, the only character I really know and care about is Colson. And they're kind of making it hard for me to do that because it was just kind of plodding along until winter soldier hit. And when winter soldier hit, you know, everything changed in that Marvel cinematic universe. So, and and that's when they were really able to crank Agents of Shield up, and I feel like the second season has been really good for them. But Agent Carter, I feel like, just got off on a better foot altogether. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, you know, they they had that first series, the first season of that first series under their belt, and maybe they learned a little bit along the way. Yeah. yeah. Better ways to execute. I have not watched any Agent Carter, and uh, I gave up on Shield about three episodes in. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, the, the characters just have not been doing it for right. me. I, I don't like all the, the, the pretty boy and the pretty girl yeah. and the nerdy guy and his nerdy girl. And, and that's the thing. It was so, it was so trite, I guess is one word for it, but you know, very much everyone was plugged in into their right part where everyone expects them to be, I guess. And what happened is after the events of Captain America, winter soldier, um, everything gets thrown into a big tizzy because now you've got this little band of shield agents trying to figure out who they can trust and who they can't trust. Who's Hydra? They think Nick Fury's dead. Remember, uh, because the only people that know he's alive are the people that saw him in Captain America: Winter Soldier. Right. And uh, and and it just starts to kind of change from there. And listen, when they came out of the gate this first season with the Absorbing Man, I'm like, count me in. He's one of my favorite villains of all time from Marvel Comics. Wow. And so you can catch the first season on Netflix, yes. right? Yep. Yep. I, I'm due for a binge because it, it's not like I, I disliked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It, it just wasn't enough to keep me. It just wasn't enough to keep anyone's yes. attention. That's And so for me, it was never appointment watching until we hit that mid-season point. Then I'm like, oh, I got to know what's going on now. Do we know what it is that brought Coulson back to life by this point? Yeah, they get they get into that by the end of the first season for sure. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they, let, let me just ask you this. No spoilers or mm-hmm. anything. But do you consider that reason to be a cool reason or is it just a bunch of BS? I like it because it's opening the doors for a lot of different things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. It it plays into a lot that goes on into the second season um once he finds out how that all happened 
there's mm-hmm. stuff that goes down that plays into the first few episodes. Well, really, the first half of the second season, and the and the season, the mid season finale of season two was, as they say, a a game changer. A game changer. Yep. Interest. Yep. Well, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to find time for other no, franchises I, outside of Star Wars. Exactly. I I'm so deep into Star Wars right now. And then I, of course, spend some of my free time supporting Chicago sports. Yes. Yes. And uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, All-Star Weekend in the NHL is this weekend. And I, I want to go and uh, watch the skills competition when I get off the line with you. Oh. Um, uh, actually, I do have the uh, Death of Zero episode that's my first priority because i need to review that i mean well jim what are your thoughts since you mentioned sports and it's not chicago sports what are your thoughts on this whole deflate gate thing i didn't know that that could benefit anyone by taking no i didn't either football i i i I was asking around i was like well so what they had footballs that were deflated bfd and they're like oh but it's easier to catch it is well, I guess I could see it would be easier to catch, but I mean, these guys are professionals. They could catch a cannonball if I shot it at them and they were in the right frame of mind, you well, know? Yeah, there have been players from the Colts saying they could have been throwing a, a bar of soap around and, and, yes, and still beat right. us. So, and they'll still catch yeah. it. I mean, these guys are professional. They're the best in the world at what they do. I heard uh, Patriots coach Bill Belichick saying the other day that he was just embarrassed by the amount of attention this is getting. Well, I mean, he should be. It makes his team look terrible. But, uh, but I mean, really, is that going to win or lose a game, a, a, a little less PSI in a, a football? I, I don't think so. Um, uh, it's going to be looming over the rest of this season, and it, should the Patriots win the Super Bowl, uh, people are going to be complaining about this for a long time to well, come. Well, I tell you, I heard someone – uh, on uh, on some talk radio talking about it, and and they were just saying, and, and they weren't trying to make a call one way or the other, but they said it reminds them of professional wrestling. Yeah. Because you, they didn't have a dog in this fight, and mm. now there's a good guy on the field and a bad guy on the field. Uh, <laughs> they're the bad guys of Patriots, yeah. one of the most and, and, storied franchises in the history of the NFL, at least throughout Tom Brady's career. Yep. And all the championships they've won and everything, it's all going to come down to during one playoff game, they played with some footballs that weren't filled up all the way. They yes. didn't blow up their balls. They, it's, called, it's, <laughs> it's called a heel turn in wrestling. But, Jim, this plays into my theory that after a certain point in the season, at least all professional sports are rigged to some degree. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just feel like they are. I know, I know. But I've watched enough fake sports my entire life, Jim, to know. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what's what's really ruined the NFL is all these terrible rules they have in play, all these horrible rules they have that that prevent these guys who grew up playing football the way it's meant to be played. Instead, they've turned it into basically touch football. Yeah, You, You know, all of these defense players, they've been brought up through their whole careers to know how to hit guys and to hit them this way and him that way, you can almost tell there's a, a split second of hesitation before almost each and every open field tackle that happens. And God forbid someone from the defensive line should even place a fingernail on that passing quarterback. Otherwise, because then the fines start coming. They, there, there's, I mean, I've seen more 
flags being thrown on legal hits, in my opinion. Uh, this play that went down at the end of the Packers game a couple weeks ago where uh, the receiver from Dallas clearly caught the ball, clearly had possession of it, but he uh, he fumbled the ball when he hit the ground and recovered the fumble, and they uh, said it was an incomplete pass. How, does, how do you call a pass that someone catches and has in their possession and takes three steps on the ground before he falls and loses the ball, recovers the ball, and you're going to call that a, a, an incomplete pass? Impossible. I always grew up with the game. You put two feet down inbounds after you've caught the ball, and the ball is clearly in your possession. That's a complete pass. Rigged. But they've changed these rules around yeah. so much. Des Bryant's the guy's name. He, he, for them to reverse that call at the end of that Cowboys-Packers playoff game, I felt like I felt terrible for Des Bryant. I felt terrible for the people of Dallas. I felt terrible for the Dallas Cowboys. And I felt terrible for myself as a fan who grew up supporting the NFL because this is not the game I used to see played. This is not football. They've twisted the rules around so much. This idiot commissioner they have running the league and the idiot referees they have making up these crazy rules that make no sense is destroying the game of football. Best geek out loud ever. <laughs> Sports out loud. Done. Done. <laughs> we are known as Soul from now on. That's right. That's right. But don't oh. get me started. Listen, there's more than enough sports talk radio going on. Everyone's car radio right now as we speak. We don't need to be piling onto that. That's why podcasting is so great is because we can pick up any topic we want. That's right. It's far off the radar that's of right. mainstream media that you can possibly think of, and we can turn it into a show. There, and that's why we come back to podcasting all the time. There is one topic I want to broach with you really quickly, and and you're going to have to get this back to your podcasting cohort, Jason Swank. First off, thank you so much for plugging this this event today on Rebel Force Radio. It meant the world to me as you guys, I mean, opened the show plugging it. And it was great. I really appreciate it. Anything for you, my man. Um, we got to teach Jason how to pronounce Goliverse. Yes, he was saying Gulliver's a lot, Yeah, he was he? like Gulliver's. Like, like Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was trying not to put the long on long o sound in there the goliverse yes. i think he was trying to say goliverse and no, i'm like well, well that just doesn't that doesn't roll off the tongue listen sometimes you just have to come to the realization jason's from ohio and there's that's nothing true. we can do about that that's true that is that ohio stuff yeah, coming out <laughs> no seriously he's he's a pretty articulate dude but i did notice that during during the plug he was saying gulliverse and um i think i even said gulliverse at one time it's like you know hey when in rome but <laughs> Well, Jason's doing it. I might as well do it. I know. Why not, man? I can't wait. But, I'm like, Jimmy will say it in a minute just to try to catch Because I knew if you'd say it right, Jason would be like, oh, is it Goliverse? Goliverse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't it's know. It's fine, though. So, I was. I just, I, I don't remember you ever saying it. I would just love to, I, you know, just, just let Jason know that it's fine. It's fine. That just tells me how much he listens. So. Goliverse. That's right. That's right. So, Jim, you've taken so much time with us tonight, man, and I really appreciate it, sir. I've had a ball. It's been a good time. No, seriously, I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll be on with Steve for like, you know, half an hour, half an hour. But a man, (laughs) oh man, here we are two hours later, and it was just such a great time. It was, uh, man, and I thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you've, I know that you're, 
your slogan in life your, is is no downtime. Yes, sir. And it so is. it means a lot when you can carve out this much time to just <laughs> come on and chat. So uh, it's a priority for me today. You know that, and uh, I'm just uh, sad I wasn't here a little bit earlier, but really glad we were able to. Spend this time together. Yes, this sir. feels like the end of the Carol Burnett show for me for some reason. All of a sudden, well, are you going to start singing? No, or, uh... no, no songs. I mean, we've already had the singing. Oh, we so, did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's all taken care of. So thank I'm just going to thank you for allowing Michael to have that platform. Oh man, too. it was awesome, and everyone loved it, and it'll be posted on the podcast feed. So, um, and what show is this, by the way? Are this we is, doing a this Geek is Geek, Geek Out, Loud? Out? Yeah, this is Geek Out Loud. I'm going to have to do some editing, but it'll be fine. Um, well, well, yeah, we've got the geek out loud. I've still got Air Shonavice to bring in our audio from Air Shonavice. So I may there may be three or four geek out louds this week. So oh, yes, just watch just watch the shot glass digital, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> and geek out online. Hey, you know what? Um, Dylan at one point um, realized that I had been on Geek Out Loud. Yes, and uh, he's like, "You were on that show?" I said, "Yes, son, I was," and he said. So does that mean you are part of the Gulliverse? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm part of the Gulliverse. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> wait. What am, I, what am I part of here? <laughs> wait. Gulliverse? Gulliverse? Whatever. Yeah. But he, he was so impressed by that. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm Star Wars podcasting pioneer. Been up to that for like nine years. And he's like, no, Gulliverse. Well, you're legit, Dad. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I've been doing, I've been podcasting since 2007. Woo! Yeah, and it's just funny to see how much the whole landscape, and this is a whole other conversation, but the landscape has changed so much in podcasting. My favorite thing is um, all the people who used to send us emails and contribute to our forums and even social networking pages, they're all now doing their own podcast. Doing their own show, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, you know, we really enjoyed your show, but uh, you know what, dummy? We could do it better. They say you <laughs> you inspired us to do this. So, Well, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people have come up to me, and over, especially over the course of the last couple of years, and they've said, you inspired me to start my own podcast. Mm -hmm. I was like, what, another Star Wars podcast? <laughs> really? You know, but a lot of times they aren't. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, right. they're, they're podcasts about completely different topics or or even something like really just completely broad, you know, where it's not really narrowed down to one specific thing. It would be like dudes and brews. Hey, man, yeah. you got to listen to dudes and brews podcast. Totally inspired by you. Well, I, you know, I, I was listening to one of the one of the new shows that's come on in, in recent months of Shot Glass Digital, the Deuce Cast. I love those guys. I there I was I listened to them and and Michael Nip has been a listener of the Big Honkin show and Geek Out Loud for a while and he never once told me that he did a podcast. Never once. Wow. And uh and so I never knew to plug it. When I found out they had a podcast and they were and they and they were on Shot Glass, I felt like a total heel and then I listened <laughs> to it and I was ticked off because they're so much better than me. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting sick and tired of you guys bringing shows onto shot glass that are better than anything <laughs> I put out there. So. Well, how do you think I feel? <laughs> I'm putting a bill in there I'm, better than me. I'm but that, here's the thing. Those guys were brought to my attention uh, by uh, uh, Shaz from yeah. Techno Retro Dads. Yeah. And uh, I, I gave them a spin, and I was like, wow, these guys really got it. You know what I listen for when I listen to podcasts, especially podcasts with multiple co-hosts, is uh, rhythm. 
Mm-hmm. Do these guys have a rhythm? Yes. What's their rhythm? And is it forced or is it natural? Right. Does it flow? Does it does it have a point? Are we going somewhere with the show? And and these are these things. It's a real intangible too. Mm-hmm. There's no way to to you know really. Um, put it on a scale and, and judge it that way. You just know it when you hear it. Yes. And yes. it's like a natural reaction you have. And I get that when I hear those guys. And so, uh, you know, I listened to a few episodes. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's bring them on. Cause they were asking to come on the, the, uh, the, um, the website. And, uh, and I, I enjoy them so much. And now I, I, I just heard recently you and me are both going to be on there to talk about Rocky Five. I know. I'm so Ooh. stoked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when you texted me. Oh, my gosh, Jim. I've got to let you go. I couldn't believe it the other day when you texted me and having just seen Rocky Five. Yeah. You know what? That is funny because uh, I texted you that. I'm like, well, hey, is is it wrong? I don't want to give away too much about what our conversation is going to eventually be, but I, Steve, I texted you after finally seeing Rocky Five, mm-hmm. twenty five years too late. <laughs> you know, it came out in 1990, and I just saw it a couple weekends ago because uh, my musical son over there, Michael, came to me and said, "Dad, I want to see the Rocky movies." And I said, "Well, geez, let's do them all. I've only seen them up to Rocky Four, oh. and." Um, you know, Rocky 1, 2, and 3, I yeah. saw multiple times. Of course. Rocky 4, I saw once in the theater. Um, and never saw Rocky 5, never saw Rocky Balboa. Mm. And I, I said, well, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. So we watched them all. And I was really excited for Rocky 5 for some reason because that is one I've never seen before. Yes. And um, they're just, they're, it, it's been derided, it's, it's poorly received. Mm-hmm. From what things I see online and everything, but I watched it and I, I had very different opinions about it. So I I texted you and I said, Steve, is it wrong that I think Rocky Five is a quality film? And you wrote me back immediately, No, sir, no. You're you, you, the the only wrong thing is is it took you this long to finally see it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And then, but then the, the, our our conversation via text didn't go the direction I wanted it to go in. I was expecting then you'll you were going to say to me. Well, dude, why don't you come on Geek Out Loud and we'll talk about it? I never want to assume. No, <laughs> I was, I was, I was putting out the bait. All you have to do is just say, "I want to come on Goal and talk about this." Oh God! And then so my then next, I, I started up con- some correspondence with the Deuce Cast guys, just you know, basic stuff. And I was just like, "Hey, you guys ever talk about Rocky Five before?" And uh, they're like, no, no, you got to come on and talk about it. You know, see, they right away, they they right, they, they the understood. See, mediocrity on this end, Jim. And then I thought to myself, ooh, is Steve going to be mad if I go on the Deuce Cast show and talk about Rocky Five when I brought it up to him first? And, and I thought about this, and uh, then they they gave me the lowdown that you were going to be on the Rocky Five <laughs> That's show. Right? Yeah, I'm like, Mike, this is perfect. Yeah, Michael reached out and said, "Hey, Jimmy's coming to talk Rocky Five. You want to come?" I'm like, "Yes, yes, of course." <laughs> I was actually going to suggest, I said, would you guys mean a, mind if I brought along a friend? Uh, is this guy Steve Blossom, well, podcasting listen, legend Steve any, Blossom? Anytime you run up onto something that you're like, this doesn't fit RFR, it doesn't mm-hmm. fit Bondcast, it doesn't fit Geek Out Loud is the only place. You let me know, man, and you've got an open invitation anytime. All right, well. So you just need to understand that. Now, my big question is, have you seen Rocky Balboa yet? No, that's the next one. Oh, and we'll man. definitely watch it before we end up recording our Deucecast episode mm-hmm. next month. Brace yourself. So, 
Well, I, now I've heard a lot of good things I about Rocky love, Balboa. I love Rocky Balboa. Oh, I can't wait. And I also have heard really good things about this new film they're shooting right Creed. now in Philadelphia, Creed. Yes, yes. I am... I, I, I'm, I'm willing to revisit the Rocky character any time. Jim, for me, it's Star Wars. And right, if there were no Star Wars, Rocky would be my Star Wars. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, you know. I, I hear no bells. I, well, <laughs> I don't sweat you. No, that's Paul. That's Paul, yeah. I, I don't, don't sweat, sweat you. you. Try to sleep, you bums. I, I don't, You're a bum. You're a bum. Yeah. He's like always cr- like almost crying. Yes. And he yes. takes a swig out of that little flask of his. Yep. Oh. Hey, I don't sweat you. Yep. Yep. I I just uh man, I'm telling you, that's they they would be. It would be there if it weren't for Star Wars, Rocky would be my Star Wars because I absolutely love those films in just a big bad way. They inspire me in so many ways. And um and not to get fit apparently, but other than that, they absolutely are just inspiring movies to me. So I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Little preview, guys. Deuce Cast next month. Jimmy Max, Steve Glosson, talking yes. Rocky Five. And I will see Rocky Balboa before we record that. Yeah. And I, I will show up probably as sauce as Polly, too. Nice. Well, yeah. that'll be fun. You're greedy and lazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hollywood Babylon, ladies and gentlemen. I don't sweat you. I don't sweat you. Uh, <laughs> you nobody owes. Nobody owes. Nobody Who owes. owes? I don't know. You don't know. Who owes? I, I don't know. He, he <laughs> said. He says nobody owes you nothing. Friends do because they want to do. Friends do because they want to. Yep. That's. They uh, want to do that. I can quote Rocky. I can quote Rocky movies about like I can quote Star Wars movies. I'm telling you. Ooh. I love Rocky. That is a gift and a curse, my friend. My friend Derek told me that that he said he gets really inspired when he hears uh, hears me talk about Rocky. He said, "You know how when people see Rocky, it makes them want to run home from the theater." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Whenever I hear you start talking Rocky, I want to run home." Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know if that was a compliment or. I still don't know how to take that. I got to get him on the show to tell me. So, Apollo Creed versus the Italian Stallion. Yeah, sounds like a damn monster movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when he's I love it in Rocky Four when they're introducing Apollo at the uh at the exhibition match before he dies and he's like they're going through he's like how many how many nicknames you got anyway patience stallion patience patience n nails stallion nails not snails I'm yeah don't then don't forget Mick oh yeah move your little chicken asses out of here I love it when he says uh he says uh you're laying there like some kind of mongrel. Like when some he's, kind of mongrel. He's going to kill you to death. He's, kid, I, you got a chance to, to take on the champion of the whole world. The world. The world. Yeah, world. That's how I talk, G. And you don't want to... If he's, I don't want to see you lay down. You're a heck of a lot better than that, kid. A heck of a lot. <laughs> Mickey, you see. Yeah, he's going to... He's like Grease Lightning, you bum. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. Thunder. <laughs> what a great line that is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thunder. I like it when he's like, um, he says, uh, "How does he?" He says, "This isn't very mature." Neither are you very mature. <laughs> 
Yes. All Life over. According to Mickey. Uh, oh, man. Oh, there should be memes. There should be memes. Mickey memes. They was handpicked. Well, oh. Setups? Nah, they wouldn't set up. Those guys were good fighters. But they don't have the eye of the tiger. They don't know. But they don't, they have, don't fight like your rock. They don't ah. have your heart, rock. Oh, geez, Mick, slow down. Slow down. <laughs> what do you reckon we're going to do after? I don't know. Maybe join the circus? I know, circus. Yeah. Let's go join the circus. <laughs> You're doing mo. What? You sound me. Like what am I doing here? You sound like Mo from The Simpsons. What do you want to say, Mo? <laughs> hey, come on, Rock. Let's finish up this fight. We'll go get a flaming Mo. <laughs> I like I like in Rocky Three when uh, when Hulk Hogan's coming in the ring. He's like, "How much do you think he eats? About two hundred and two pounds. Weighing in at two hundred and two pounds." Well, that's a hit below the belt. That's there. right. <laughs> ah, you're a bum. Everyone's a bum. Uh. And then it's flaming Mo, see? Now we're back to Mo. Dude, that that's... Um, now, see, you're getting me on a rocky tangent. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think these dominoes are just going to keep falling that's until right. 5 in the morning. That's right. <laughs> we'll be doing Muppet impersonations by then. Well, we've already had that tonight, sir. Um, I had Scott Reifen call But all of our in. Muppet impersonations will sound like Mickey. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hi-ho, and welcome to the Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> Waka waka waka! <laughs> you bum! Hello, Kermy! <laughs> that Gonzo is a bum, I tell you. <laughs> He's a bum. Yeah. And you don't want to know what he was doing with those chickens backstage, Rock. You're a heck of a lot better than that kid. I don't know. Cut me, Mick. Cut me, Mick. Cut me. Cut me, Cut Mick. Me, Mick. Cut me, Mick. <laughs> oh, you know, absolutely, Mick. Stetler and Waldorf up in the top. <laughs> well, now those guys already sound like that's them. right. That's right. <gasps> Encore. Encore. Oh man, Jim! Thank you so much, man, for, oh, for that, spending time with us. Now you cut me loose. Now I'm all wound up. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, look, I, I got I, the you, Mick going. I'm gonna go walk the dog, and I'm gonna be yelling and screaming <laughs> him like, like Mick. Take a crap already! Come on, you <laughs> bum! What are you gonna do? Sniff every crack in the sidewalk? Make up your mind. <laughs> Michael, um, hey, speaking of Michael Nip from the Deucecast, he's in the chat. He says, Rocky out loud. <laughs> yeah, that's coming next oh, month, man. my friend. Uh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. So you got a lot of... How many people are listening? Can you see that? I right mean, now we, we have 37 listeners. 37 we, hanging yeah. in there. Wow, man. That's yeah. amazing, you know? All man, over. I, all over from, from the East Coast. We had... Uh, this morning when we started out, we had people... In uh, on the other side of the world, listening in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, um, and so in people in Israel, wow. yeah, we we we've had some, and there are people who listen regularly when we when we do live stuff when they're able oh. to tune in. So I'll give a shout out to all you Israeli geeks, and uh, we have thirty people listening now. Uh, unfortunately, we had hundreds listening until the Mickey impersonation started. Oh but, no, no! Uh, for we... for you thirty that have uh, been hanging in there, you know that's great. If you haven't donated, please do go to. Uh, wow, that's one heck of a website. It's, it's firstgiving.com. It's the easiest way to say it, Jim. Is I've got to redirect to it. Geekoutonline.com/slash/cure. And we did go over sixteen hundred. We're at sixteen sixteen twenty five. Yeah, yeah. It's just fan. Fantastic. Amazing. It's all, uh, all for uh, cure childhood cancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you 
Can you find a better cause? No, sir. Your money is going to a great cause. Uh, Everyone who donated money, thank you so much. I mean, this is just such a great thing. We have to do this more often. Yeah, and, uh, it's it to me. It's just like I, I said earlier today. Like um, really, when we started out this portion of the of the show, Geek Out Loud, um, I, I just talked about how this really hits home because you know part of my Star Wars story, part of my story of geekdom, is an older brother who passed away with leukemia when he was eight years old. Yes, yes, and and just being his little brother and doing what he did and. You know, just kind of following his footsteps with stuff, and so this is this is a this is a cause that has always hit close to our family, and uh, I I knew when I decided I want to do something for charity that I wanted it to be something for kids, and you know, if and, and something for sick kids at that, and so that's what we uh, that's what we do. We also have someone in Hawaii listening right now, Jim. I oh, yeah. aloha and mahalo if you uh, <clears throat> donated Maui Mark. And, you know, to hear you say that, as someone who has children, you know, I'm a father myself, and, you know, just always, every day, I thank God that my two boys have been happy, happy and healthy kids. And uh, I, I just, you know, count my blessings all the time. And, and through, through our good luck, I want to try to spread some, some bit of, of that sort of luck to, to anyone who might have seen their family or a loved one get afflicted with with cancer. I mean, like I said, cancer sucks, yeah. and uh, it's it's great to know that podcasting, a medium that Steve, you and me love so much, and and we contribute so much for, we we actually can find a real purpose for it outside <clears throat> of just getting our geeky rocks off, right? Right. You know, and 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 trying to spread the word about things we're fans of. Instead, we're actually using it for. Uh, to raise money for a, an incredibly good cause. And as I, I look at the uh, website First Giving at, at their stats, the top fundraisers currently, um, uh, the, the Goaliverse is, is ranked up in the top five right yep. now. So, yeah. I mean, that says a lot. You yes. know, that says a lot and just really demonstrates the power of this medium and what we can do with it. And so, uh, I'm just happy that I, I'm able to uh, contribute a little bit of my time to uh, to raise awareness in that. And uh, Steve, I mean, my God, the, the sacrifice you made with your time today, even though I know it's been a, a lot of fun and a lot of laughs, it, it must have re- it's required a ton of stamp from you and and a, a ton of 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 power from from your huge heart. And uh, so, on behalf of everyone who's listening and who will be listening to the show, I just want to say thanks a lot for all you do, not just for providing so much great entertainment week after week, year after year, but for doing things like this and 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 showing how how uh, your generosity can help others. And uh, I think that's very important to to say right now. Yeah. Well, as, as, as how many hours have you been going uh, here? We're gonna be at. Fifteen and a half, 15. give wow. or take, because like between shows, I would take fifteen or twenty minutes to stretch my legs, use the ba- you know, use the bathroom, grab a drink of water or something, and uh, so yeah, and the, you'd use the bathroom rack, and you'd eat lightning, and then you'd and then you'd crap thunder. thunder. <laughs> you catch the chicken rack. You gotta get the chicken. We used to chase this chicken. You gotta <laughs> chase the chicken. <laughs> you chase the chicken. No, rock, rock. No, not you. Don't do that with the chicken. You chase the chicken. You chase the chicken. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this doesn't feel very mature. Neither are you very mature. What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, when he what? went. Hey, Mick, Mick, why are you laughing like that? <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it used to be the penguin. Yeah, I don't um, understand, Mick. You scare me. You really scare me, you know. Mm. Adrian! No, Adrian! Mick is laughing like a penguin again! Wait. <laughs> oh, Rocky. <laughs> Let it go, Rock. Yeah, I don't sweat you, Mick. He's a penguin. Oh, man. Mick's a penguin! <laughs> <laughs> I would I would love to see that crossover. Rocky oh. is the he's like the penguin. Okay, Mick is back, but mm-hmm. he's the penguin now. Oh. And they're in Gotham, not Philly. Mm-hmm. And Rocky is the like the penguin's main goon. You filthy criminals. And so and their hideout is the meat locker. Mm. And, yes. And how does Polly fit into this? Polly okay. is he's just one of those typical goons. He drives them where they need no. to go. Now he's drunk Albert, Al- Alfred, the, the, the butler. He's yes. drunk uh, Alfred. Okay. I don't sweat you. Uh, Alfred, the bat computer needs to be dusted for it to work properly. I don't sweat you, uh, Adam West. I'll sweat you. <laughs> Quick, Robin, to the bat sober up. And then, and then like they show a scene of Polly. He's walking down the street. He's, He's drinking out of his flask, and then he comes across a Batman pinball machine, and, and he throws the flask at, at yes. the pinball machine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll sweat you. I'll sweat you. <laughs> All right, we've gone off the deep end. Oh, man. Thank My you. My God, I've, I've been doing this for two hours and 20 minutes with you, and I'm already starting to feel mega slap happy. It must have been the three beers Michael brought me <laughs> while we were doing this. but Well, you... It is Saturday night, you know? Yep. Well... Yeah, you know I love your family and you, man, and I appreciate you coming on and spending all this time with me. Oh, you're the best, dude. And uh, I, like I said, no better way to spend a Saturday night than uh, to be sitting here yucking it up with you and uh, our audience and uh, raising all this money for Cure Childhood Cancer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so keep it flowing in, folks. Um, all week long it'll be up. Uh, all, all week, week long. long. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. Well, we'll have to post up some reminders online to let people know, and uh, especially when you release the shows. Yes, too. definitely and will. Definitely will. With, with each show, we we should like you know really say, hey, you know, if you miss the live show, go back and yep. do the right thing. Yep, do the right thing, kid. Yep, bum. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we want to probably right, be, probably be a little tone more that down. Yes, just a yes, little. yes. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, Jim, go watch Zero the Hut get killed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I will do that. I, I will, yeah. All right, man. Have a good night, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. And keep on eating lightning and crapping thunder. <laughs> we'll see you, Jim. <laughs> Thanks for waiting. Bye. <laughs> And we want to thank Eris Shonavai, Scott Reif, and Teresa Delgado, Jimmy Mack, Michael Mack, Dylan Mack, Wendy Snyder for coming on. And thank you for being a part of what was the Goldiverse Marathon back on January 24th. And for those of you who in the following week were able to give, we greatly appreciate it. $1,635 was the total count. We're going to do it again next year. So keep 
keep listening in for that. Also, want to say uh, special thanks to all of the Goliverse co-hosts who were a part of the day. Kristen from Jersey for Rock Out Loud. If you haven't gone back and listened to the Bruce Springsteen episode of Rock Out Loud, please make sure you do that. Teresa and her husband Greg from Disney Vault Talk. Dave Jones uh, from Mark Out Loud. And, and thanks today for understanding that we cut him. I mean, we're at almost four and a half hours on this one. By now, it is Friday of your week, and you've got backed up episodes of the goal to listen to, of the goal, of the goal of verse to listen to. So, um, but I really appreciate those people. The, the marathon wouldn't have happened without them. It was, it was just a great day, and I so greatly appreciate all the work that they all put in for all of those different shows. The Goliverse would be nothing but this one show were it not for those great guys, man. They are they are all wonderful. Teresa, Kristen, Dave, Teresa's husband, Greg, Dave's wife, Joy, for the, you know their spouses for allowing them to do this kind of stuff. So I greatly appreciate them. And I appreciate you, the greatest podcast listening audience in the entire universe. You've been with us now for some eight years and uh, what a good time it's been. This is the eighth year. We're, we're headed into the eighth year of the Goliverse, and we appreciate everyone who's been a part uh, from the beginning. And those of you who've come in after hearing things like Starkville House of L, Rebel Force Radio, etc., and such as. You can follow us on Twitter at GeekOutLoud, at Steve Glosson, at Goliverse. If you are just subscribe to geek out loud and you enjoyed getting rock out loud and mark out loud and disney vault talking this feed they're not here anymore you've got to go subscribe to those uh different feeds individually uh at itunes or your favorite podcatcher and uh you can find those rss feeds at geekoutpodcast.com as well as all the amazon links and um and of course patreon.com slash geek out loud we appreciate all of our patreon supporters well, you're tired of hearing us by now. It's been four and a half hours. This has been a supersized goal, ladies and gentlemen. It happens every now and again. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with us. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. <laughs>